the What Are You Doing movie archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down In Front. Our movie this day is Lord of the Rings, all of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All three extended editions. And thus begins the, in the insanity of we're going to do all three Lord of the Rings extended edition commentaries <laughs> yeah. today. There are six discs. We'll talk about unpausing in a second. I just want to point out that today we're in Dorkman's house yes. with a live studio audience. So we're not only going to have the four of us, myself, Brian William Fenefter, Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott, oh, yeah. and Trading Amazing Stokes. Hello. We're also going to have Eddie the Eddie Doty that's me. on a fifth mic that's standing in the room so anyone can run up. We're going to swap out people. We're going to have Ryan. We're going to have Mickey. We're going to have Chris. We're going to have food. Jake Lloyd. Jack we're going to have... We're drinking. Everybody that's ever been on Diff is coming out today. We're going to swap in and swap out, and it's going to be this weirdo fever dream telethon until the end of the day. <laughs> but that being said, pop in your DVD or blurry of Fellowship of the Ring, the extended edition. Press play and press pause when the new line logo fades to black. And at the first frame you perceive of all black, press pause. In a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause, at which point yeah. I'll press play. You'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. Oh, God, press Let's, play uh, already. We're, we're kind <laughs> of, I think we're too loud. So Are we I, too loud? I, we sound too loud right now. So before I, we get doesn't, started, doesn't sound too loud to let's me. fucking fix this. The waveform yeah, looks pretty whatever. good over there. So Does we're good. It? So yeah. Just and I'll tweak okay. it when I get over there. But. I had some. I had some people tweet me like, "Oh, it seems a little hot," but it's probably just their thing. Well, is that, is that the feed? This is. Uh, it's worth pointing out that today is uh, not only uh, an experimental day, but it's also on experimental equipment for the most part. So we're going to see what happens. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly oh, go right. wrong? And and we're drinking, and we have rolly chairs. Yes. So that's going to go really well. Yes. One last thing before we start the movie: uh, Eddie the Eddie Doty is going to be filling the role of. The, the chef? How, how, tell me what you're going to do today, Sure. Uh, chef Dave Naird. Um, no, I'm, I'm just... I'm, 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 uh, I love, I'm a huge foodie, and I've seen a lot of the recipes for that you see online for Lord of the Rings food, and, you know, it, it, it's a little bit too canonical. I'm, I just I like eating food, and we're going to need it throughout the day, and uh, if we existed on pizzas and nachos, everyone would be collapsed by hardening yeah. arteries by about 4 o'clock. So, so what's, our, what's our first thing coming up here at some point? Uh, I'll, I'll intro when we come up, but, but, but basically by the time we get to uh, the Shire, we should have some nice breakfast going on, and I'll intro awesome. when we get there. This is exciting. Yeah, all right, first breakfast play. is my favorite breakfast. All right. We're ready to do your thing. You're at Fellowship, Disc 1, New Line logo faded to black. Ready? Good luck, everybody. Here we uh, go. We're going to need it. 10, 9, <laughs> 8, 7, 6... Three, two, one, unpause. And I'm and gonna deal, I'm gonna deal, go. deal with some microphone related the shit. Clock you guys talk. is ticking. Yeah. The altimeter <laughs> is working. Yeah, it's okay. We've only got to. Oh, oh sweet Christ. Oh, Jesus. So far, so good. So and far, that's so good. it, everybody. Thank you very much. Strike! <laughs> <laughs> Who had 18 seconds in as the crash point? I don't think anyone had an over under on that one. Um, so, who, who here besides me? Has read the books. I have read. The I books. haven't you read the books. Yes, I have Seth not. read the books. I know uh, uh, Paul, Chloe, Jeff. Okay, so we've got people here. <laughs> I actually. Well, I'm not the only one holding this, holding yeah, up the torch on this God, one. Yeah. What I did, I'm just glad somebody is. <clears throat> I got them as a present as a kid at some point, but I didn't actually read them. And what I ended up doing, what, when they came out as films, I watched the I watched the movie in the theater, and then I read the book, and I made sure to finish it before the extended edition came out. Uh -huh. And so I kind of did it that way for each one, which I. Like kind of just sort of started by accident, but I really liked that that path after a while because like I could enjoy the films because the films were more important to me because right. I hadn't had read the books beforehand, so I could enjoy the films as their own thing and not be like oh but that's changed and that makes me angry and just enjoy the films on their own. Do you not have the internet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yes, I've been able to get that from other people, but um, then I would be, be able to Alan read the Lee book. Is the second from the right? We'll talk about him. Oh, that's okay. right. He's doing his little um, cameo there. And then, so by the time the extended edition came out with all the extra stuff, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's that thing, and that's cool that I know that now. Mm -hmm. So 
if anybody's doing that, uh, I would recommend it. But yeah. I just kind of stumbled upon that method by accident. So they talk about on the uh, on the actual commentaries how this prologue was in and out, and they didn't know if they yeah. were going to do it or not and stuff like that. I think it's very vital. smart. It's yeah. vi- it, it, yeah. and vital. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if you if you have not read the books, like there's it's. Because this information in the books is kind of parsed out slowly over time, and like the the scene with Gandalf and Frodo in the in the kitchen when he's talking about the ring, that's when this information comes out and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and more later, and uh, that's one way to do it, especially in a book, especially if you're familiar with The Hobbit, you know, and you're kind of familiar with this world already, but. People just walking in, having no idea that this even was no idea a book what the or world anything is, yeah. like that. Yeah. I think you you definitely have to set this up, yeah, because you have yeah. to know why you. Should well, this, be this is this it. version. This is the Lord of the Rings version of the Star Wars crawl. It's like right. you know, it's a period <laughs> yeah. of great turmoil. Okay, so here's the deal. Yeah, and you need and you absolutely in need media that. res. As, go as, as someone who has no familiarity with the books whatsoever and was coming to this cold when I I first saw these movies. It's like, well, yeah, it's like. In a novel, you can spend ten chapters just going, "Look at this cool world I've created." But in a yeah. movie, you're like, "Okay, I got my popcorn. What's the deal here? Yeah, let's get to it. What, what, what am I watching? How do I know when this is over?" Yeah, I love Ex- that. The, I mean, the the whole trilogy is a study in detail, but just oh, yeah. that one detail when the arrow flies past uh, 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 Hugo it, Weaving's head, it just, yeah. and he just kind of flinches just a yeah. little bit. It's, there'll be tons of details. To there was, out, but uh, anyway, th- this uh, prologue is what made me kind of. The, the, it, I was sold on the movie, like you know, however long this is, three minutes in, because I, I said, "Wow, they nailed it." They, yeah, they I'd really seen because I I didn't care too much about the books. I had read Fellowship, which was like really tough before the books came out. Um, I tried to read Fellowship and I got exhausted immediately. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Actually, it turns out that I read the Silmarillion first. Oh, jeez. Wow. Yes. Wow. I'll tell I'll tell that story at some point. You, you also uh, one of the reasons this is so important is Sauron here is being able to see sure, Sauron and how awful it is if to he's try to because it's the only yeah. time this is the only time Sauron will appear as a villain. Yeah, the rest yeah. exactly. He he never comes back. Again. He's, he's, in the books, is it elaborated on why Saruman chose the name Saruman, or is it just interesting just, that it's, it's just another yeah. syllable in Sauron? That's it's just, just a, a coincidence as far as the books are concerned. It's just it's just a linguistic thing, I'm sure. Um, so Sauron made kind of a stupid move there, just kind of reaching. Yeah, like, hey, I'm going to tickle you to death, but. To to be fair, like Tolkien gave them no help on that because it just comes up. It's like Isildur cut the ring off Sauron's finger. It's like, well, excuse right. me, <laughs> that sounds difficult. Yeah, so so they had to do something, and that works as well as anything else, I suppose. And especially, I mean, if Sauron's like, "Ha, I'm so powerful, I'm gonna crush your head," then he wouldn't think about the fact that yeah, he might just come. He's still got a sharp object. In his yeah, hand. Exactly. well, uh, it's thematically, there's something about hubris in there somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Sure. But I'm sure. Well, because like you mentioned, the Silmarillion. It's like, oh, dude, there's like eight movies just about Sauron that we could get into <laughs> yeah. if we really wanted to. One of the things, so. just to jump to the, the making of aspect of it, yeah. that I, I was really st- well, overall impressed by this movie, these movies, is just, is, as you were mentioning, the, the amazing attention to detail mm-hmm. yes. in the art department and, and all, the, all the different craft the, the, aspects of it. The fact that one guy's armor has engravings on the inside yeah. of it. Yeah. The, the thing that is, is that whole prologue, that's different armor than you see later. That's mm-hmm. that's they literally made you know other, or, you know second age armor or whatever that's supposed to be from. Yeah, it's a second age. And and there actually are noticeable designs in like elven armor changes. You know, like the the, the earlier ar- elven armor was like spring colors, and by the time we the story of the events of the movie, there it's the autumn, it's the twilight of yeah. of the elven culture, and so now everything is like is like fall foliage colors. It, but it was still keeping that nature motif. But they're completely different sets of armor just to show what, what the different eras are, which is just mind-boggling. Yeah, that's that, that's what, like I was saying, because I'd, I'd read the books, and I didn't, you know, it wasn't something that I grew up on, and I, lo- I did with The Hobbit, but 
with Lord, Lord of the Rings, my dad would read me The Hobbit, and then we tried to do Lord of the Rings, and we got one chapter, and we're like, fuck that. <laughs> and, uh, Let's just wait for Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. But, but actually, uh, let me just say, for anyone who wants to try to read the books, the first chapter of Lord of the Rings, the first chapter of Fellowship, is the worst. That's mm-hmm. the one, because it's literally, like, you read it, and it's concerning hobbits. It's, it's from, from this thing. And, uh, oh, here's our first golem. And this is a different golem that Very we actually different. see later. Very but, different. But this is a is similar... It, it's not Andy Circus, right? It is uh, Andy Circus. Okay. It's always Andy Circus. The, the design is more amphibian, yeah. uh, closer to okay. the way it was. Yeah. he was originally described, closer to um, how I pictured him, while to they, be honest. Yeah. While but, they were making this movie, they were still sweating, oh my God, in the second movie we have to do Gollum. Yeah. Oh my God, I hope it works. Yeah, so you see, just you can see kind of the shape of his face and stuff is more kind of frog-like and, and simian oh, yeah, a little yeah. bit. And um, so, and he's colored kind of greenish. And as he's, we he's see much, later, yeah, so. dark. Darker, chain, darker, more model yeah. complexion, and so on. Trey, I'm um, going to mute your mic for a second so I can make it less wobbly. Okay. Oh. Uh, but, um, yeah, the first chapter of... of so how, do, how much do we hate Trey, right? <laughs> no, he can oh, wait, hear he, us. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, the first chapter is all about, like, concerning hobbits, and it talks about fucking their sociopolitical stuff and how they <laughs> build houses and stuff. It is impo- like, And we read that, it's, and we're like, if the whole book is like this, fuck that noise. And so... <laughs> it, it's very much... It's like Moby Dick. It's like, here's a chapter of this awesome revenge story. Here's a chapter about the rope they used. Yeah. Okay. Let's... Read the rope chapter again, Dad. <laughs> yeah. But but what what I want to say is it's only the first chapter. <laughs> he stops. He doesn't do that anymore. So you just have to get past that, and then it's a, a really uh, fun and engaging story, as you know from watching the film. Well, I haven't uh, speaking speaking of someone who has never read the books and probably never will. I'm kind of. Vaguely curious about the books, but uh, but never to the point. Like, I gotta get them books and read them. We're watching it with subtitles. That's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Get them on audiobook. But my oh, that sounds like a that sounds like a death march. But the <laughs> the um, my understanding of Tolkien from you know the the special features and the di- you know, the, di- the documentaries they have about him and so on. It's a fascinating story about how this whole thing came to be written. But really, the bottom line is that Tolkien wasn't a writer right. per se. Right. He was a linguist and folklorist. Yes. <laughs> And and he just started to set out to craft this thing that he just sort of wrote, you know, he, I'll yeah. write a legend for a thousand years ago, and then I'll write this this and then a piece, of, and it gradually sort of emerged as a story, but it wasn't ever mapped out like here's the beginning and middle and yeah. end of my story. He just sort of wrote his way through it, and and yeah, they, it, they edited it and chopped it and you know put it in different collections and so on. So so there, you know, the this idea that the you know he said oh, I'm going to write a chapter about hobbits is not like there was no one to go. You don't open a book that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's not how a real writer does it. Uh, and he just he did. He was the just way mapping he, out his thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Well, the actual, the the actual like the the origin of it is is amazing because yeah, Tolkien t- Tolkien was a linguist and he wasn't he wasn't a writer in the sense of I have this great story I, I want to tell. He came up with a couple of languages that he just made up for fun, and so he nerd. Then he put a he yeah. put he created a world to put these languages into, and then he decided you know what I'm going to write a story for my kids and just a, using this. And that became The Hobbit. Right. And then The Hobbit kind of by accident got published. Well, and they're like, let's do a sequel. And that's where Lord of the Rings Yeah, it's from. a really complicated, weird thing because as a linguist, he was like, the, to, to make it feel like a really lively, living language, to make these languages feel real, one of the things about real languages is they're informed by the the history and the mythology. By environment and context. And, and, uh, like, and, you know, yeah. the, and shared stories. A, a whole history. And shared stories. Well, like the example, a, a good example that, that um, I like is um, the word excruciating comes from crucifixion. The, crucifixion mm. Because that's, so, so it comes from that mythology. So it's like, I have to create, 
I have to create stories that these people would tell that they would have developed words from, that they would have derived words from. So when you come up with a word excruciating, you have to come up with the concept of <laughs> right, crucifixion. Exactly. Or, yeah. or, you, or you tell stories and, you, and then you're like, oh, this, you know, they would have come up with an idiom from this. They right. would have come up with... Dude, don't be so saromantic. Yeah, exactly. So he... Uh, <laughs> And the the Hobbit, I, there's actually um, I was going to bring this up at some point, and this is a good point. Um, there's a series of books called The History of Middle Earth that his son um, um, collected, put together. Johnny Tolkien. Uh, yes, uh, Chris. Timmy Tolkien. Chris Tolkien. Buzz and there's, Tolkien. There's a uh, there's a specific um, there's Tolkien. like four three three <laughs> and a half volumes of it that are specifically sold as a set that are the history of the Lord of the Rings, and it shows his process of writing. Like like they they he has all the not all, but he has a lot of the drafts hmm. and stuff like that. So he, he shows how things developed and how it started out as just a sequel to The Hobbit because The Hobbit was so popular and how it got completely out of hand after a while. Because <laughs> it wasn't his plan. In the original <coughs> Hobbit, the ring was just an invisibility ring right. because he had to get Bilbo the fuck out of that cave um, <laughs> that he was stuck in with Gollum. So he just totally made up a ring. And then he started writing this story and then he decided that the ring would be the the impetus and we'll I'll, I'll talk about it more as as we get to these points but the ring would be the impetus he didn't know why mm-hmm. and he slowly started developing basically what what made the change was he did the story where first bilbo and then uh Frodo, who was called Bingo at the time, um, Bingo oh, Baggins, okay. was going to... They, That's a bingo. Yeah, they, the, Someone the party, in the chat room figure out when the bingo song happened, yeah. and let's see which one came first, because that would suck. It always started uh, at the party, and then, well, well, let's talk about the movie right now. There's Actually, in the chat room, we just hit 50 people. We have 50 people watching us now, 51. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. So we're we're going to be here for the next 12 hours, so if you have to yeah. skip out, we'll still be here when you get back. We're about to hit uh, our first uh, nifty Force Perspective gag. Yes. Oh, right. Let's talk about this shit. This is outstanding. I love this shit. And And, and and this is a really good example of how it works because you can kind of wrap your mind around this one. You you can't do it with like the table shots and everything. You can quite often spot the the stand-ins because they they are... Kids, kind of like, yeah, definitely yeah. proportioned uh, the, just a little uh, bit. But the uh, and some of them are actually little people, and, and they're even sometimes wearing rubber masks uh, to look like it. But um, but uh, most of the time, and and it gets better. this one right here. It gets it's... better. This this movie is where it's the dodgy est, but yeah. they got yeah. so good at it in the second and third movies that it becomes they, pretty much but, essentially. But the hobbits do talk about. Uh, Let's talk about the shot. They, they do change scale. Okay. If, yeah. you, if you want to get anal about it, they change yeah. size. Yeah. One of the but, one of the uh, things I love about this movie, I think this movie is my favorite one, and it's because it's so dodgy in some places. It's, <laughs> it feels so much like a Peter Jackson movie. It, well, and it feels yeah. like it feels so much like we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. Oh God, I hope yeah, this there's, works. There's a definite high wire yeah. act feel to this. And one. then, but then later they're like, we got this, yeah. you know, and it's it feels more polished and like that energy is different. So I I like that energy in this. How long one, was but, production of this? Two years. Nine uh, days, fifteen months. Shooting 15 was fifteen months. months. The main yeah. shoot 15 was months. fifteen months. I think they wrapped it up over a weekend. But then <laughs> they, uh, but then they, you know, then they did like a, a long year post, and they, they everyone came back, and they did weeks of new reshoots and additional shooting, and and it just it never it never ended. Yeah. <laughs> so as as T was saying, the the shots where we see both of them in the cart, it's almost always forced perspective. It's, if it's not a CG shot, yeah, it is. It actually is, in one this one angle, it's always it is always forced perspective. Yeah. yeah. And it's obviously just him sitting on a bench that's farther back from the bench that yeah. Ian well, McKellen's sitting well, on. Well, but it's not and, and obvious. Like, I look yeah. at it and I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah. The seam, the, what's really impressive is the seam because they built the cart with the intention for Ian McKellen to sit over the seam. His, his shoulder is covering the line where it would be. So then they had to figure out the exact angle the camera was going to be at when they were building the cart. Yeah. 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 And and shit like that. That's not like the one crazy thing they so, did. So the, they yeah. do those like ninety there's, times. There's actually a movie. coming up when uh, it's a little later, but we can we we should sort of 
prepare you for it is late. It's later. It's a little while from now when when Gandalf returns, or it's, it's, it's actually is in the scene. I think when Gandalf is talking to Bilbo, it's yeah. coming up very soon. Um, and they're pouring tea. And where stuff. there's yeah, where there's a, there's a lengthy series of shots where they're in the kitchen and Gandalf is sitting at the table and and Bilbo is pouring him tea. Yeah, every every, every aspect of Gandalf in the sh- the yeah, and that was done with every hole. trick in the book. There are two different sets. There's some green screen tra- trades going on, but that one thing to look for in that shot particularly, which you're looking across the table, Bilbo starts in the background pouring the tea, and 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 Gandalf gets into gets into his chair in the foreground. That's done with. There's a moving camera, and you normally you can't do moving camera with forced perspective because it blows the gag. You know, the whole idea of forced perspective is it works from the angle you plan it from. They actually came up with a technique, and you can kind of see it if you look for it. You can see it happening. It's fascinating. Is where the table is actually split into two, and as the camera tracks across. Gandalf and the table are being counter moved, yeah. so the perspective stays the same. And Jeez. what and what you can see though is when as as watch as Ian McKellen is sitting at the table, he bumps the table several times, uh-huh. and only the front half of the table jiggles. Mm-hmm. So you can see the split, but only if you're looking for it. Yeah. Here's Hobbiton. What an insane thing! Physically yeah. built. What is their problem? <laughs> Why did they do this? Yes, I know. It's like what is the what's the idea? I was talking to Jeff about this the other day. I'm like, the, you you may or may not like the Lord of the Rings movies, or they might not be your bag, but you have to look at them and stand in awe. Yeah, and you yeah, put these yeah. next to Kahufu's Pyramid and the Apollo program, and go, someone yeah. did that. This and is oh like my the god, super highways. This Just, movie. 12 hours of this not consistently. Only, and not only did they do this, they did this with no infrastructure for doing this. Yeah. They, yeah. Were, it was, they went, this to, they New went to New Zealand where there <laughs> well, they, is, they, were, they had their Xena sets. They're from they're, New, this right, is yeah, New yeah. Zealand production. And, and so they just went, I guess we're going to make a big-ass movie, huh? We're going to make well, the biggest movie in the history of our country now. Got to start, start somewhere. Working. So, so, uh, so the, all uh, of this is like, that's real. That's not Yeah, they digital. actually built the Shire. Have any of us been to New Zealand? I have. I, Has anybody in this room? No. Been Every time I watch these movies, I so go. I have yeah. to get to New Zealand right yes. now. It's still uh, my god. Australia and New Zealand. That whole aspect is like in in large part because of these movies. Yeah. I have to go there and, and see this place. And actually, you can you can. You can you'll go be to the Shire. Able, you'll be able to visit the Shire. The Shire was gone yeah. after yeah. Lord of the Rings. They, they burned it for the scouring scene. Yeah, that was actually just a you know it, we'll get to that. But yeah. uh, the scouring scene actually does briefly happen. But after but they were destroying the sets. Yeah, but after after the Hobbit, they plan to leave it up and turn it into a tourist attraction. So. Um, so, so once we get inside, um, is the, the first time that we see them interacting and Bill, uh, uh, Gandalf is on a blue screen and Bilbo is actually in the miniature or in the, you know, the oversized set, but it varies to, from shot to shot. Yeah. But, okay. but that, but that one is so good because he hands off it's the, the handoff, staff. Yeah. It's the handoff of the staff and the hat. And only after it happens, are you like, wait, what? It's the it's the footprint in the snow. It's like we're gonna yeah. really, really, really push this idea yeah. and show you the scale. But if you okay. watch, if that's you watch, all, that's if you all... watch the staff in the hat, you can see, you can see where tweak, you, you'll see where they they kind of morph, but only if you stare right at it. So yeah. watch Gandalf. Watch the staff goes first, then the hat. There we go. And then as a handoff. Wow. Yeah, I didn't see that. Anything. I looked at just now yeah. and I didn't see anything. Yeah. But, uh, okay, but, yeah, so that's so... all That's all very impressive. But one thing that does bug me about this is the doorknob is in the middle of the door. And fi- from a physics standpoint, that that seems, that's, yeah, <laughs> it's inefficient. It's a really long bolt. It's yeah, a really long yeah. Bolt a lever. There. Yeah. And now, and now we're in the, actually the... Hey, we got so, our hey, first... We got someone uh, at the stand. No, Chloe. the doorknob in the middle of the thing, that's a British thing that happens all the time. Well, Freaks. It's, it's still <laughs> crazy Brits. Thank you, though. That's why they lost the war. By, by <laughs> yeah. the way, yeah, they lost a couple, actually. Yeah. By the way, the uh, uh, the set, the, the human scale set, uh, Jackson <laughs> does mention that after they, uh, that he loved it so much. He was, he was, he was said it was just such, you, you wanted to live in this house, uh-huh. that uh, they didn't actually destroy the, the, the human-sized hobbit 
you know, uh, bag end set that the he, he actually paid to put it in storage. Oh yeah, which uh, makes me which makes me wonder: Did they pull it out for the Hobbit? I'm pretty sure you know, they yeah, they, pulled, they, they actually literally pulled out the same set for the Hobbit. I'm pretty sure it. they probably pulled out the exact same set and put it in. Oh no way! We got our first right course of food. All right, we got the food. Sweet. So Bam. here's here's the food. here here comes the scene that Trey was talking yes. about with the uh, force perspective. Watch, watch table. Gandalf as he gets into position in the table, and you'll see the table jiggles in the foreground, but not the back end. Keep of an the eye table. on the table while Eddie tells watch us what's coming table. to our table. Well, uh, right now, I, I welcome you to the Shire with uh, <laughs> oh. some Bilbo's favorite cheesy eggs uh, with a hint of garlic, some uh, some mushroom, and butter over too much bread. Yes. All right. Oh, look at that. Bowls of Here we go. There it was. I got three servings right yeah. now. I got more coming up. I'm going to do enough for everybody. Thank so you, I'll Eddie and sous chefs Jeffrey Harrell and Paul Liu from, the, from wow. the forum are here. Share, share for right now. Oh. Share amongst yourselves. You're gonna have to break our no okay. eating on camera and rule for this one. Yeah, and so they. So I'll, I'll wait, but thank you. He goes whoop to pop up, you know, and that the yeah. teapot lid is just on a stick. Yeah, way so up front. You don't actually see him pour. Yeah. So, again, this is like you know just mind-bogglingly <laughs> mapped out in terms of shot by shot to to just continue to sell this sell this whole illusion, which is just fantastic. Yeah. And, that, and and that's what that's what really makes it amazing is the the feeling like they planned it so much to make it feel like it's just happening you know which like, is exactly what you should right. do yeah. i mean later on in in the um i would uh, not do that if i had this if i had this task in front of me i'd be like let's make it all animated let's do yeah. green screen oh, i don't yeah. i don't want to do that that's way way too much now, work now the actors the actors remarked many times that of course it made their job harder because they couldn't actually make eye contact yeah. they had to yeah. fake eye contact so even though they're in the same room together, they're both looking at, at nothing. It's, it's actually going to be harder than a blue screen thing because if it's just yeah. your imagination, that's fine. But you have to keep an eye line with something that you're not supposed to really be yeah. looking at. You can't. Actually you have to constantly be translating, you know, a certain doing a spatial calculation in your head, going, "Okay, he's over here, but I need to shift him in my mind six yeah. feet to the right and pretend he's there." Like I always think, about and then make it look like I'm not thinking about that <laughs> at all. Excuse me, I'm swallowing. And then, I be, and then about, be a wizard. <laughs> The, when, <laughs> yeah. Whenever you see, like, it, I think it happens the most on, like, The Daily Show and Colbert, where they look at the superimposed left third graphic. Like, they, like, make eye contact with whoever's in the graphic. I'm like, they must have put, like, a monitor off to the side of the screen so he can look at the monitor and immediately adjust his gaze. Maybe. At them. But you know what still bugs me about The Daily Show is when they do, like, uh, when, you know, just John is behind the desk and he's talking to some correspondent. But when the, the correspondent is talking, like, the bit is he's talking to John. But he actually turns and looks into the camera, so mm. he's looking straight into the camera. He's like that still bothers the crap uh-huh. out of me, man. Because it's because it's yeah. this weird like eyeline thing. You're like, no, your eyeline is you're talking to this it's person. Like, it's like readers theater. Weird. You just kind of look <laughs> off into different directions. That's not how readers theater works. Please don't ever take my advice on readers theater. What the hell is readers this theater? This is like the only. It's where you like you sit five it's... people on a stage and they yeah. read. You don't. You don't like. Oh. you don't do blocking. You just sit and read the the text. It's oh. really really exciting. Oh, what uh, Jason Reitman is doing at LACMA. Yeah, okay. Exactly. No, it's kind of boring, but if you do full contact readers theater, <laughs> then things open up a lot. Yeah. So anyway, the movie. Sam Gamgee is here. Yep, Sam's here. We saw, Gamgee. we saw an earlier shot from the extended edition that was the only time we actually see him gardening. Yeah. He's <laughs> on the gardener, but uh, never. And, and, and here, I'll, I'll just go ahead and make the case right now that the Lord of the Rings is the story of Sam. Because, really? In large part. Because Sam is, Sam's, Sam's the one who really has the, the hero's journey. 
Keep going. Yeah. This is interesting. Well, he he has he has the arc. He goes from exactly. the guy who can't who can't ask Rosie out to the guy who comes he, back and marries he's Rosie. He's the one who, who reaps the rewards. Frodo yeah. Frodo is obviously Frodo, a main character, but Frodo is so damaged by his story that he doesn't get to have a happy ending. Does, Frodo, is Frodo it, is the MacGuffin. Could it be this? Yeah. Could it be in that Sam sense. has a hero's journey and Frodo has a heroine's journey? In a sense, yeah. It's, I, we don't want to get too anal about that whole that whole thing. Because, it's incidental, but we're just kind of yeah. shooting the shit. I mean, they, they get bowed down to, and they're all going to get Hobbit High Schools named after them, all of them, even <laughs> Mary and Pippin, those well, assholes. But the, not really, though. I mean, part of the point is the fact that they come back to the Shire, and nobody really back, cares. That, that's, that's just an epilogue. The, the, the real ending of the movie is when the entire world applauds them back at, yeah. uh, at uh, Gondor. Yeah. So, um, you know, then the rest is just waiting for the credits to roll. So uh, For a long but, time, but, but we'll the, get But there. the idea is, and I remember, re- you know, that, that this was an analysis I read when the third movie came out, was they said, yeah, guess what? They were telling us the story of Sam all along, really. Yeah. Right. Because Sam is the one who, who literally goes through the full, the full change and does get to then... Which, which, he gets to go back to his life, but... Obviously, he's a very different person than the one who left. Which ties into the thematic uh, point that it's uh, Gandalf line, right? It's like even the smallest person can have, have an effect on history, which like, is yeah. the whole point of making the hobbits the hobbits. And it's like it's not actually – yeah, you may think that – and he's saying in that moment he's talking to Frodo when he says that. But he's act- thematically, he's actually talking about Sam because Sam is even smaller in a character sense than Frodo. But he's the one that – actually saves the day yeah. at the very end. If it weren't for Sam, it would the, be it would have been over. So Frodo yeah. never would have made it and yeah. there you exactly. go. Exactly. And one of the one of the things that I, I really like, and again it may or may not be more this way in the books, um, but uh, I'll yeah, let you know. You choose, yeah, you choose. You know, when you're making a movie, obviously, even when you're making three movies, but you've got the Lord of the Rings as your source, you're still cutting stuff and truncating and, and you know and all that. But the the sense repeatedly that, you know, Gandalf being you know, the wizard and having the, the powers that he has that, you know, there's a lot of things where Gandalf goes with what's happening, even though he knows there will be disaster at the end of it. Right. Where, you know, he, he's like Frodo, Frodo says, I'll take the ring. And Gandalf goes, yeah, it's going to fuck you up the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. Even if you, if you live, the best is going to happen is you're going to live, but it's going to fuck up the rest of your life. Yeah. You will never be the same after. Doing even even this. if you survive this, which is a yeah. one in a million shot by itself, exactly. you will never be the it's same. Gonna, it's going to have, you. you will have ho- Hobbit, PTSD, and you know the same with the Mines of Moria, where he's resisting going through the Mines of Moria, but then when they go, we have to go through the Mines of Moria. He goes, "Yep, I'm dead. That's it. I'm not coming out. (laughs) That's it for me." (laughs) I knew Mines of Moria. I was trying to, but hey, the deal's the deal. That's how it is. That is the go ahead. Well, that is this. There is this quality of that kind of class of characters in Lord of the Rings that you know, uh, Gandalf, the Eagles, also sort of, uh, but also the Elves quite a bit is like the sense that. They're not they're not running the show anymore, but they're kind of standing off to the side and going, "Okay, this needs to happen, and this is what we think you should do." But at the end of the day, it's the men and the hobbits that really have to like well, cause actually do the thing. Ma- the, yes, because the whole thing is that uh, as a background, magic is leaving. Yeah. By the way, this is where the Ralph Bakshi movie starts. Right, him giving this. this I, I saw that movie way back when it came out. I yeah. have virtually no memory of it, but I, I do remember just I, a little bit. I just saw it this Horn week. Blowers. and like he goes through this and Proudfoots and blah blah blah, and he says the line about half his you know blah blah blah. Um, but oh, it's that's like, the Bakshi quote right there. Yeah, the proud feet. The proud feet shot is yeah. like he matched the angle from the uh, the Bakshi movie. But um, uh, yeah, the the whole thing about if you go into the mythology, the thing about the wizards is they. Or they can't like they can intervene and they can give a push, mm-hmm. but b- people ask they're like, why doesn't Gandalf just you know, you know, blast this guy or that guy or whatever? It's like he can't do that. Yeah. He's you know, he, I mean, he could, but his whole thing is 
empowering and advising the men and the, the because because they're leaving the elves and the wizards and, and magic basically are leaving the world they're leaving it to the men to to, to humans right and so it's like they've got to be able to take care of themselves we're not going to be here anymore we've got to teach them how to take care of themselves as opposed to fighting their battles for and them. if they can't do it they can't do it and if they can't do it they can't do it exactly but we're going to help them as much as possible and we're going you know we're not going to leave them with the unfair advantage of Sauron still here <laughs> if we can help it but yeah. we can't get rid of Sauron we have to teach them how to do it right yeah. um, and so that's the whole thing so Bilbo disappearing uh, in the book both, I think Gandalf, but certainly Frodo are both in on that. No, Gandalf is too. They both know that's going to happen. I don't recall. But, okay. um, but they, uh, Fro- Frodo thinks it's funny, and Gandalf uh, creates a big flash of light so that everyone thinks Gandalf did it, as opposed to people. <laughs> a wizard did it. Yeah, as, well, as, kinda. As, as opposed to people concluding that that something was crazy about Bilbo, they were like, "Oh, just that's just Gandalf fucking around." So he knew, and he did that to kind of throw people off the trail. Because even then, he was like, "There's something fucked up about that ring. I don't want people knowing you have it. I don't know what it is yet." But I don't want people knowing you have it. But I, I like the drama of everyone's everyone being surprised, and it leads well into this scene where yeah. Gandalf's like, "Excuse me." <laughs> yeah, I love, yeah. I love this line by the way. Like, this okay. is a wonder, by the way. This whole thing. There are a lot of magic Fantastic. rings out there in the world. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I want to make sure it's the, not yeah. this particular one, and and, and none of them should be used lightly. Yeah. even if it's not the, that one, don't fuck with Where'd it. Where'd you get that ring exactly? Yeah, I'm just curious. Uh, th- this is a great bit from the book where they – and it would have been difficult to, to get into the movie, so I understand why they didn't try to do it. But it's literally like there are times when Bilbo tries to get rid of the ring. He mm. literally – he, like, tries to hand it over, and he's like – it's it's back in his pocket. Like, yeah. without even thinking about it, he'd already put it back in his pocket. And later when, when uh, Gandalf is talking to Frodo, Frodo is like, we should just destroy it. He's like, go ahead, try it. And Frodo goes to throw it in the fire, and he makes the motion, but he's already put it back in his pocket without <laughs> even realizing it. He's like, what? That would be kind of hard to make play on screen. Exactly. Though, so. And so, so uh, I understand why they didn't do it, but it is a nice little... They did what they could here, though. There's, when he hands it over, for example, there's a sort of extended moment where it feels like it's sticking to his hand and won't, oh, yeah. won't actually fall. Yeah. Where, and when it falls, it, land, like, it lands like yeah. a ton of bricks and thud. Yeah. I love that. I love that aspect. And we're going to get a hint of Gollum eyes here. They just do a little bit of a thing. Just a right tiny there. bit. And right. then later, of course, there's the return, which scared the crap out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, whoa! It, I the the Rivendell part, you yeah, mean? Yeah. I did not expect that to happen. It was pretty creepy stuff. Yeah. And so now at this point, Gandalf is kind of getting an idea of, okay, this is... This is the ring that I'm yeah. afraid that... Well, we're screwed. He doesn't quite know what it is at this point, but he's like, all right. That's not Bilbo. Yeah, Bilbo yeah. does not act like that. Yeah. What is up with this ring? And I love this, this moment. You know, uh, Gandalf kind of draws himself up and says, "You know, I am a wizard. Don't forget that." Yeah. But when it comes down, you can kind of see this moment of exhaustion in his <laughs> yeah. in his eyes. It's not like, easy for him to do that stuff. Yeah. Well, it's like it's that it may be magic, but there's still like some conservation of energy going on. It's like no, <laughs> yeah. it is. There's not that much left. Yeah. There's not that much left, and it takes a, a finite amount to do whatever you have to do. Um, I had a question that I was going to ask you, Mike, and I can't remember what it oh. is now. I was just going to say that I, I don't think it's even in the 
in the theatrical version, but it is in this version where you actually see you do see in the theatrical Gandalf goes to Saruman for counseling. Yes, but yes. In, but you don't see the whole where he literally goes to the library and looks this up. Oh yeah, you do. You know, yeah, you do. In, in the theatrical, yeah, he goes to he goes to. Uh, you don't. <coughs> it, it's easy to it's easy to miss the fact that he goes to. I think it's probably a to, shorter, probably a yeah. shorter scene in the. In the he goes to Minas Tirith and and looks it up, which. People who haven't read the books or seen the other movies and are rewatching this, oh, here it goes. The yeah. and the music, he, he turns the over ring. and sticks yeah. to him. Yeah. And the music, by the way, this the, I mean, all the music in this in Howard this Shore, episode uh, episode in, in this in this <laughs> yeah. series is amazing. It, it, I didn't realize until I was rewatching it. I didn't realize until I was rewatching it for for this how many how many themes there are and how recognizable they are, you know? Oh, you okay. don't really think about it. You just think it's... Musical motifs, It's musical, you mean. yeah, motifs and stuff like that. But, like, you can recognize the Fellowship theme. You recognize the Rohan theme. You mm-hmm. recognize the Gondor theme. And, and they all kind of blend in your head as the Lord of the Rings theme. But it's like, those are distinct <laughs> themes. And, and you can tell... And uh, there's a great commentary as part of the crew commentary. Um, Howard Shore talks about how he used the various themes and he's like you know when uh, when they jump over the stairs and we'll I'll, we'll point it out but when they jump over the stairs in Moria to, towards the bridge of Casa Doom that's the last time you ever hear the fellowship theme yeah. in full Interesting. because that's the last time the fellowship, the fellowship is exists together. yeah um, the question I remembered I love this change by the way because Gandalf in the books is like hmm, fucking ring and just you know but he's afraid <coughs> to touch it yeah because he, he knows the power and he knows that he is not yeah. that he is susceptible to the he's power a, he at least suspects yeah. and that's an important aspect Aspect that that the I think the filmmakers did a great job. Don't don't forget your question, Brian. Yes, no, I got that it. The uh, that the filmmakers really enhanced. We, the, we got time. I'm not worried yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, I hope we have time to squeeze it in later. That uh, the filmmakers really enhanced, and it, it, it echoes in things like uh, their defense of why they made such extensive changes to Faramir later. Yeah, um, oh, we'll talk about and that, so yeah. on. Yeah, like I'm not getting ahead of myself too much, but the idea that they, you know, again, these books were these very very large rambling stories. Told by a madman of something, <laughs> and and they had to you know find a through line that would that would tie these story the whole story together and, and give you dramatic you know a dramatic line to follow and and one of the things that they really talk about being very concerned with is to always emphasize how dangerous the ring is to anyone right that anyone anyone who gets near the ring is in is in danger of being overthrown by it and it's only because frodo is so innocent and so exactly. pure frodo has whatever immunity he has right and that's but he why just he... has much further to fall than gandalf exactly. or faramir or whoever you know, he's else. the one who has to just because he has to i mean that's that's really what it's about is like oh, you're the one who you're the only one who can do it and frodo then accepts the call and says then i will do it right but he has no reason to do it otherwise you know it's not like oh i want to be a big hero he's like no yeah. screw it yeah. i just want to go to the you know the great it, yeah it's not ale but uh, it's like well guess what fate has said that you're the only guy that can probably pull this off even though you probably can't even pull it off yeah. but you're there, the only one who has a shot there's some really nice uh, subversions because to you the don't want, you're the only person in the world you hobbits are the only people yeah. in the world who don't at any level really want power yeah. that aren't yeah. aren't really ambitious in any yeah. way shape, and that's one of the things that's also very interesting that's in there i think as a subtext is the more powerful you are the more dangerous the ring is yes because yes. the ring want oh, if you're very powerful the ring is going to be all the more seductive to you it's like right. oh I, you know it's like the, i think it's the, a multiplier effect yeah, it's the, like the, you have if you have 3x ambition already it's just exactly. going to multiply which is why which is why galadriel is probably the most dangerous yeah. possibility oh, yeah. it's like oh if galadriel takes the ring we're screwed yeah. we're right. all screwed uh, here's baradur the, being being built the uh, the dark tower of Mordor being built and and the next cut actually did confuse me as well because he said you know we hear of Gollum being tortured 
uh, and says Shire Baggins. And then we see the ring race riding out. They're riding out from Minas Morgul, which yeah. is somewhere else. But it looks like they're riding out from this tower because of the cut. Minas Morgul, but that's not Mordor. That's Minas Morgul is the green, is the, is the Emerald City. Yeah, it's the it's the city it's the city right on the when they're climbing up the mountain to get into Mordor this, through the okay. through see, see it's got lair. the green ghost yeah, light to one. it. Um, oh, okay, we'll point it out in. A we should have a map. We should have a. There really we is. Set a, up yeah, a really well, is. I mean, he drew a map, so we and should. And there's a glimpse of Minas Yeah, Minas Minas Tirith, I think, is the. I don't know. Isn't that the one by the river? No, no, no. That's Osgiliath. That's Osgiliath. I think. I think. I think Aphelion is is also correct. I think they're both like the same. One is the the land, and one is the city. Yeah, I think Aphelion is the land, and Minas Tirith is. Anyway, Brian, what was that question you had? The question. Forget that completely. For somebody, and I'm going to point this to Mike. For somebody who's more knowledgeable about the lore in general than I am, if the ring is the ring that it clearly is, why was there not a? Why was it not like Gandalf and Galadriel and like? The important people's number one priority to find this thing and make sure that it doesn't get into Sauron's hands. Because it seems like it's like, oh, this thing popped up again. Oh, crap. We forgot about this. Well, they did, that it is because the ring was lost. It was right. lost and gone. And, and so was Sauron as far as they knew. So they were like, well, I guess that. But did, but did they know at this point well, that I, I think Sauron is rebuilding himself well, I think in Mordor? Up in the in the in the prologue, where it's like uh, myth became you know history became legend, legend became myth. Yeah, they're okay. like even though even though the, some of these characters were literally around for that. Yeah. it's just like they yeah people are like well what whatever happened to that ring? But it's been three thousand years or whatever it's been. Yeah, it hasn't come back. They're 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 certainly ready. As soon as there are signs, they're like uh, um, so that's why people start looking for it, and they're like uh, that's. That's not good. You know, so Sauron's coming back. The the ring might be somewhere. They do start looking for it, and and but Gandalf is the one who. So um, it would be it. like if the Ark of the Covenant showed up, you know, today. Like, <laughs> oh, Whoa. so that is a thing. <laughs> Look at that. We, we should probably deal with that. Who knew? Okay. Yeah, exactly. But but and that someone was using as like you know just a, a furniture piece or something. Right. They found it somewhere, <laughs> and then and then someone someone who was happened to be two thousand years old walked yeah. in and went. Um, uh, where'd you get that? Where did you get that? Because Gandalf has never seen the One Ring. What if... Gandalf has only heard about it. I what think. if the Ark of the Covenant turned out to be the Ark of the Covenant that's in the movie ride at Disney World? <laughs> oh, that would what be better crazy. place to hide it? I'm, eh? Thinking, eh? I'm, I'm thinking it shows up at Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, well, what <laughs> you have here is... That would be a great yeah. bit. That would be... Well, uh, I haven't seen one of these before. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is valuable. Yeah, this I, might be worth or, or you take it into the Pawn Stars guys. Like, uh, you know, I can value yeah. it a few grand. I'm going to give you 50 bucks. I'll give you 50 bucks for it. Um, I like the way they handled... Uh, they, they just sped up the pace. Because in the, in the books, it's literally like Gandalf is, Gandalf is gone for 17 years. It's yeah. 17 years yeah. between the party and between when he comes back and goes, Hey, I'm pretty sure that's the one ring and you should get out of here. <laughs> and then it's like another six months before Frodo goes anywhere. And Gandalf is hanging out being like, you should really get a move on. And <laughs> Frodo's, like, Frodo's like, I know, but I just got cable. And yeah. I, if, we, if I can't. Skyrim is out. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas here, it's like. You know, it's it's so quick. You could practically just like text it. Gandalf's like WTF, and then he goes to Minas Tirith, and, and he's Frodo's like, like OMG, oh, and he's like OMG, and he comes back, and he's like GTFO, and Frodo's like okay, and th- so and then they're gone. Like it's the same. It, and Sauron's like lol. Yeah, <laughs> it it feels like it's practically like a weekend. Gandalf yeah. just went away for a weekend, came back, and he's like, oh, we got a problem. So right. bad news from the library. Yeah, uh, which is, which is out. all fine because it, you know really yeah. all of the the seventeen years and six months. I mean that's essentially shoe leather. Right. It's like the, <laughs> yeah. the the important moments are this and 
And, and, I, and it's, well, in, in a movie, you have no time to waste with your screen time, so just hit the yeah. important points. And, and I also on. like the point that they made, which is that, well, we haven't done anything to indicate that it hasn't been 17 years. We just yeah. cut past those. Hobbits don't really age. Hobbits don't really age very quickly, so it could Trey have been... had his already. Yeah. I know. I didn't know if you had... I thought it was Second Breakfast. It, it, it was Second Breakfast. Second Breakfast. Do you it, not know about Second Breakfast? It could have been 17 years in between, although it's clearly not six months before uh, he... He takes off. Again. That's true. It's a, it's a, it's probably a scale issue. In the film, they have the beauty of New Zealand to just by the visual give you the sense of scale of where everything is. In the book, it's much easier to say, well, he had to travel a really far distance, right? By saying, well, it took him a long time right. to actually travel that far. But um, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Gandalf goes away and he comes back every you know seven years and here and there, but. Um, there, there's also no sense of tension. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. If you're like, well, I can just sit around for six months, you yeah. know, packing and making arrangements and stuff, then it's like, well, I'm, I don't feel that concerned. And you, you couldn't really show it that well on screen anyway, I'm sure. But um, if you had... I'm, I'm sure they could have found a way to indicate time was passing and stuff like that, but it's like that, but you don't that, need it. that undercuts yeah. uh, the, the tension that they're, yeah. that they're building up and the suspense. Well, Whereas right here, it's like there is a ticking clock. These horses are on the yeah, way right you now. You've got to go. Well, I think, I think it undercuts the tension in our modern world with Twitter and Facebook and everything else. I think in pre-industrial or industrial England, it would be like, oh, yeah, I have to go talk to my buddy in Wales, in Scotland, yeah. Yeah. in fucking that, a Loch I'll be Mass. back in about three months. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be back as fast as I can, which will be three to six months. <laughs> yeah. And there's, you know, there's no contradiction there in the context that Tolkien is writing. Right. I've, in the Twitter world, it's, it's a little different. Right. And it's... it's yeah, it's just a matter of and, – and even just in a movie, it's like there's no, there's no need for that. It doesn't – like you said, yeah. it doesn't benefit anything right. to, to have that um, sense, and it only undercuts things. It's like so, uh, Ben Franklin's like, I got I to gotta run to France and talk to some guys <laughs> real quick. I'll be yeah. back next year. And then, but sure, but then we cut to him in France. Yeah. You know, we don't show him on a boat just kind of like, you know, puking and, and <laughs> well, getting having sex with lots and, of prostitutes. Yeah, exactly. I hope the revolution's going okay. Yeah. And if you have to trim something for the book to yeah. the screen, it might as well be the that seventeen extra years padding. of going to the yeah. library is a good is a good starting place. Trim to, the to horseshoe leather, man. Tighten a little. <laughs> <laughs> the horse's leather, or the horse's shoe leather, the shoe horse leather. Um. So so right around here is where they considered putting the prologue, but it's like we've already oh. built up the ring so much, and and we've shown you know uh, B- Bilbo being weird. Like early on, Bilbo being weird about the ring. It makes more sense to the audience, and it's more effective if you know what's going on with the ring before the characters do, yeah. as opposed to being like, "What's what's going on here? What's the deal?" I, I, it would be interesting to see other constructions of it, but the one that they have is fine. It's like mm-hmm. I just consider it the Star Wars crawl. It's like you know, right. period of great turmoil. So there's yada, some interesting yada. stuff going on. I just set up a webcam in the kitchen so people can watch Eddie. It's called <laughs> oh. Kitchen Cam, uh, awesome. and I just cracked open my first piece of peanut brittle by Ben Handel, who sent yeah. it to us, and Ooh. it's. Fucking delicious. Awesome. Oh, it's right. awesome. So thank you, Ben, and thank you, Eddie, and everyone else in the kitchen. And if you want to watch that currently, yeah, by later the w- it won't matter. But right now, tinychat.com slash kitchen cam will show you what's going on in the back room. Yeah, by the way, Teague, wait to tap out after like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Yeah, I was managing. He'll be back for Helm's Deep, I think. Yeah. So so by the way, that, that shot of, of Frodo walking out of the kitchen and Gandalf coming through, blue screen Frodo, Gandalf in the, over, in the undersized set. But it's, it's like seamless. It's so perfect. Because um, they, they had to – they did it on motion control – one of the things, even when they did that, they did it on motion control, and they would scale the motion control move mm-hmm. to to the scale of the the person that they were dealing with. So if if Frodo is supposed to be smaller, they make the move bigger. It's more of a move so that he looks 
Uh, it, I'm gonna be cool. honest. Oh, I would. Wow. I didn't really comprehend any of that. But I'm just gonna <laughs> say, cool, cool movie, bro. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Um, the, and, and it is actually one of the things that concerns me a little bit about The Hobbit. Um, the fact that they're shooting in 3D means a lot of these oh scale God. tricks aren't going to work. Well, the blue screen ones are, but like right. the actual in-camera force perspective stuff, you can't do that. With, Interesting. With, That's with a very good native, point. Two right. native cameras. So yeah, because the perspective will be slightly off yeah. between the two, and therefore. In one camera, it will never work. Yeah. Yeah. So here's here's Gandalf literally saying, I can't even fucking touch that because I will murder everyone. If that gets anywhere near me, I will kill everyone. Which is, a, a lot of people have asked, you know, why doesn't Gandalf just take the ring and, and drop it in Mount Doom, take the, the eagle and drop the ring in Mount Doom? Should we do the eagle? Should we go no, right no, no. to the eagle? No, we'll, we'll get to the eagle. We'll get to the eagle. The eagle is worth a discussion, but we'll, let's hold off on that. <coughs> But, but yes, the, the the question that people ask about, well, why doesn't the why doesn't Elrond take it or Gandalf yeah. take it or whoever? It's like because they can't because yeah. and they're they're strong enough, to, they're strong enough to understand their own weakness. I, I love that bit where Gandalf's trying to help him pack. He wraps it up and then Frodo just grabs it and unwraps it and stuffs it in the bag. He's like, it's Gandalf's, I'm trying to be helpful. I know I'm completely fucking up the rest of your life, but I'm trying to help you pack a little bit. What what I always liked in this uh, in the scene. Oh hi, <laughs> hey, I, Eddie. hey it's Eddie everyone. Eddie, I Eddie this, this is delicious. Oh thank you buddy. Uh, what I always liked in the scene is it's just a couple quick shots, but you see him packing food, and food sort of becomes an issue. And I, I'm not just saying that because I'm cooking, but uh, <laughs> food kind of becomes an issue. Just like the practicality of living that goes back to the Tolkien text as well. But uh, who was I think. Um, David Fincher once said, I hate it when people never eat in movies. Right. Yeah. Like they just you, you see whole movies and no one ever eats. I think in twenty four, Jack Bauer ate, I think, twice in all like eight and seasons. Never went to the bathroom. And when does he poop? the bathroom? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's solar powered. But it's just um, yeah, I'm sure you guys have talked at length about the immersion of the world, but that little touches like that I think go a long yeah. way. There's a great emphasis. I mean they made that a big feature, of course, of what hobbits are like. You know, and then, and boy boy if this, this movie has more shots of sausages than any movie yeah. I can think of in recent memory. And that's fine with me because I, I love me some sausage. But um, Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Zing! Set up and over the hey. I prefer tacos myself, but I just no. I like fish. There I do anyway um, the that was one thing that always struck me is like when the, even when the fellowship sets out and they go we have a forty day march and they're they're cooking up like fifty seven sausages like how many sausages do you guys have yeah, right <laughs> you might want to like back off on the sausage consumption yeah. just a little bit well that's because they don't understand they they yeah, think they, they're out on a camp out yeah, and it's, it's like, gonna oh. be fun but um I love that scene in the it, one of the things about the books a lot of people complain that oh they changed the characters to make it more you know it's for more drama and blah 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 and they're really <laughs> yeah. upset but I'm yes. like if you yes exactly it's <laughs> like if you read the books I I don't remember who whose critique it was but but because Tolkien wasn't really you know he was more interested in building a world and stuff like that someone's critique was the the mountains have more personality than the characters <laughs> that is true <laughs> um and it and it is kind of true like the there are a few characters with legitimate pers- with like serious personalities you can tell one from the other gollum is one obviously mm-hmm. and sam is another one sam is one when you when he talks you can tell it's him talking aragorn in the books if i remember right is not aragorn is very much a Blank, like he's the king. Yeah, Aragorn, Aragorn, Legolas, Faramir, uh, even Gimli—they all kind of just talk alike. Yeah, they kind of talk the same. Um, but Sam, that's they don't—they don't pass the Plinket test. You could yeah, say. exactly. <laughs> but but uh, th- that scene where he's he's first—I um, forgot how f- how because the Hobbit is very funny and you feel like Lord of the Rings is very stodgy and stuff like that. But there there are scenes—the scene where where Sam is is uh, you know 
told he's going to be going with Frodo. Um, it it plays a lot like you I know, love this like moment, this by the way. Oh yeah, it plays a lot like that scene here, and then because Sam's all terrified and stuff like that, but he's always wanted to see elves. So, but the end of the chapter describes him as you know, Gandalf says you're going to be going with Frodo. He's like, I'm I'm going to go with Frodo and see. You know, see the world in elves and all? Hooray! Yeah. And then he burst Sweet. into tears. Yeah. That, that's the end of the chapter. I like the little visual He joke. shouts hooray and bursts into tears. Just, I'm like, I love Sam. Just to jump into this, I, I love the visual joke going on here. Like, that's a that's a highly, highly effective scarecrow you yeah. got there, Farmer Brown. Right. <laughs> well, really does. Really, really does doing the job. That's really working. And Sam is actually kind of badass even from early on. Yes. Like, you don't, you don't see their... You don't see where they get the pony that they have later. It's Bill Fernie's pony. But in Bree, as they leave Bree, they basically oh. take someone's pony. And and uh, the guy who they bought it from comes out and harasses them. And he fucking, Sam, just turns around and chucks an apple in the guy's face. <laughs> and just, like, breaks his nose. Go, Sam. He's like, he's like yeah, they, there's more where that came yeah. from. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sam is amazing. Sam, Sam can take down an orc with yeah. a rock. Sam is definitely one of the most, like, really well fleshed out of all the hobbits yeah. outside of Frodo, obviously. Frodo, yeah, in Frodo's... more ways than one, am I right? <laughs> hey. no, I mean, Frodo, you know, Frodo's Frodo. He's got a journey and you see the, you know, the change in him, but Sam is very much who, Sam is very much who he is meant to, to, to be. He, yeah. He's like the most steadfast of the character for a lot of reasons. Uh, going back to what you guys were saying earlier in terms of, uh, uh, the, so a lot of characters just simply not being fleshed out or not passing the Blinket test. That's why I always laugh when people say, oh, they should adapt the Cimmerillion. No, you no. shouldn't. Yeah. That's the worst thing you should do. The Cimmerillion well, is the Wikipedia article we can, about... We can yeah, talk about that because I think there's a way... It's the to, Apocrypha. There would yeah. be a way to make that work. Just don't make it... Make it a, a TV series. Make it an yeah. anthology series. Now, the yeah. Cimmerillion, that came out... That came out... That was after Tolkien died. Yeah, that was... Yeah. That, was yeah. that was like, what, 70s that came out in the 70s? Or something? Tolkien like, died in so. 73 and then, yeah... 70s or 80s. I remember it's I remember the time like when they, uh, or when it came out. I remember when that movie came out, and I, I hadn't read the Lord of the Rings and, and still haven't. But I remember when they said, "Oh my God, they've just published this whole thing called the Silmarillion." From uh, and a lot of people were like, "Yeah, well, they didn't need to do that." that was, at the <laughs> yeah. time, that was like, "Well, okay, so any other laundry lists of his you have, just <laughs> those to yourselves." Well, it, um, the, the thing that always struck me about it is that it's essentially Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's a when you look at the story of it and the crown being broken and so oh, yeah. again, it's it's a lot of the same not just the same characters and Sauron is obviously you know he's he's still the, the you know the main antagonist in this but it's it's essentially a, a beat by beat journey and and or a beat by beat parallel in a lot of ways it could be fun you get definitely more into elven culture and stuff yeah. but it's it's I, I don't think it's worth this doing is, especially after this. This is the most interesting part of the history Absolutely. of this world. Yeah, of this world. You you know you get references to other stuff later on when the Balrog comes up. Uh, he, he refers to it as the Balrog of Morgoth, and Morgoth is like you could make you know three trilogies about him right. and what he did. You know, um, he was he was the Sauron to Sauron. He he taught Sauron everything yeah. he knows. You know. Um, he he is the sidious to Sauron's Vader. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So um, the crown of Morgoth is essentially yeah. the ring. And, so and good fucking thing that he's gone. By the way, yeah. <laughs> the, here's the thing that I, I honestly I didn't get, and probably probably because the the movie was moving faster, the original theatrical cut that I didn't get. I don't think I even got really the first time I watched this this edition of the movie is this idea that you know this is here Castle Orthanc is the name. Yes, of it, Orthanc is the castle. I mean, is that, that's the one briefly. What we just saw there was the one brief glimpse we get of what Orthanc looked like before 
the industrial takeover. Yes, right. So it's this beautiful landscape, pastoral, lush, pastoral yeah. thing, and then they, you know, then they they become you know the servants of uh, Sauron and they start the the industry and and they destroy all of that and it becomes a wasteland. Um, I didn't really make that connection the first time yep. I saw the movie, but uh, you know, then but now I really appreciate it because it's like you know, look how beautiful this place is, and then they just completely decimate it to, yeah. to feed the war machine, which. We can get into that topic at this point. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. We definitely could. The, uh, we, just to, just to we'll, touch we'll on to, it. Yeah, yeah, we can the, touch on it. We'll come but, back uh, to it certainly. The, the whole industrial. But I'll, I'll lead into it yeah. by going back to Sam real quick. Is I remember it's, it's and you've other, <coughs> others of you watched the special features as recently as I have. Was it in the first one where they talk about um, Sam as the as the officer's valet role? I don't remember. It's. Uh, I think that was that'd probably be in Two Towers. Brings up the idea. This, and this is something that that. Ties into the industrial issue and a bunch of other issues, but the fact that Tolkien was a was a World War One veteran, yeah, and World War One was a pretty you know god awful war that uh, really. Which was you'll a... know if you watch War Horse. Exactly. Oh, well, got right through. You don't have to make a god awful movie to get across the idea that it was a god awful war. But the 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 Tolkien was was drastically affected by that war. A lot of his friends died in it, and he saw a lot of horrifying things. And and although. Lord of the Rings, the, the books are not like, I'm going to write a story about World War One that's an allegory, and I'm going to make it a fantasy. But, but his experiences in World War One informed, informed it, a lot yeah. of ideas that, that couldn't help but come out, and one of them is the industrial yeah. idea. But, I think he even says that. He even yeah. says, I did not, I'm, this is not an, allegory, not an allegory, but, but I can't help but having... There, there are certainly allegorical that. things oh, that you yeah. can point to, but the idea of Sam yeah. is, is someone, and it's in, I think it's in one of the documentaries on this that I thought was fascinating, is you know, there was the, in the officer, the British officer, you know, of course, there was this whole concept, and you see it in old movies and things, of the, there's the officer, and he has his valet, or valet, as you would say, who is his, you know, just his guy who's just there through thick and thin, and, you know, puts his uniform on in the morning and makes his breakfast, and he's like, he's like a butler, you know, uh-huh. he's like your war butler, basically. Yeah. He's the well, guy who, it's a very... Uh, 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 aristoc- aristocratic, uh, exactly. upper aristocratic British thing, class the, thing. Yeah, the oh, yeah. Uh, the idea. It's Downton this, Abbey, but at wartime. Exactly, but this whole idea is exactly what you know Down, Downton Abbey talks about is that whole sort of, you know, that your valet is like, you know, he is your he is just your servant. He's your he's your butler, but there's there's a there's a real relationship there. Yeah, and you know there is a you know it's like yeah you're the hero you're the officer you're the one who goes out and fights the war and I'm just the guy who cooks your breakfast and presses your pants. But still, the valet was a critical part of the process. And a critical confidant, and you know, to uh, to the officer that he served, and he served him ceaselessly and tirelessly, and and with great devotion, is the way it was supposed to be going. So that someone points out that you know Sam is basically he's serving, he's he's Frodo's valet, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and and in a sense, Sam is the one who enables Frodo to be the hero that he is, as you said. Yeah. So that too, as someone has pointed out, is kind of a got a World War One vibe to it. Yeah. The idea is like Sam doesn't look like much, but if you actually look at what he does, yeah. He actually is keeping this thing, yeah. keeping the ball it's like, rolling. It's like on on those like you know the Bear Grylls show and stuff like that. It's <laughs> like, well, he's surviving, and he's doing all this shit and climbing over stuff. But so is the cameraman, and he's carrying the camera. <laughs> yeah, there's it, it's not Wizard the Bear Grylls. By the way, we should uh, uh, just point out yeah. that that's awesome. The Pretty way they awesome beat the shit out of each other. Anyway. And the the moment where he has uh, both staffs yeah. and he's like pointing them both, like that that would suck to be on the receiving end. Yeah. Yeah. Lost my staff. Um, is it is it Bear Grylls or is it another guy that's like? Yeah, there's some of those survival shows. Like, yeah, there's the guy, but then there's the camera guy who you never see. But there's one survivor, one of those he shows his own camera. where he's, it's his own camera. Yeah, yeah. He, that's Survivor, Survivor Man. Survivor Man is that okay? Thank you, Chloe. Like, that's that's the badass. Yeah, um, yeah. Going back to the uh, idea of this being a allegory for World War One or whatever, uh, Tolkien was always very adamant because people tried. <coughs> 
People tried to peg it as like, oh, this is just like the story of World War One, And then when World War Two happens, this is the same thing. And then Stalinist Russia, they also tried to like, oh, it's an allegory against, a, it's a yeah. counterfact to a Stalinist Russia. It's about Russia. Sarah Palin. Yeah. And he, he was always very, very adamant about, no, this is not a specific thing about any specific time, about World War One or World War Two or anything. It is a... It is an allegory. It's a fable. It's a. It's more specific or more general than that. Yeah. And um, and the and the fact that you can connect it to every different thing that is happens kind of the point. Makes makes the point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, because he, he was uh, uh, Tolkien was a academic, and he he wrote one of the, I guess the great criticisms of Beowulf, or he was responsible for bringing Beowulf in like as a piece of like uh, historical curiosity to like a, something that was analyzed as a piece of literature on its own accord. Mm-hmm. And what he did, <coughs> essentially, was say, okay, yeah, because I guess Beowulf had been criticized for, like, oh, it's it's not just about the tribal politics. It's They kind of introduce all these monsters, and that makes it worse than w- what it would be if it were about tribal politics. And Tolkien went, no, 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 you're missing the point, because if, it's, if it were about some specific moment in history or some specific moment of tribal politics, then it would have less impact. By introducing the the monster's quality to it, it makes it more timeless, mm-hmm. and it makes the 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 more fundamental like literary truth in it, the the fundamental like thematic truth of whatever Be- you know Beowulf right. is trying to say, it makes it apply to the human condition more generally. And that's, and that's I think what he's trying to. I think that's why he always was upset when people would try to peg Lord of the Rings to any specific cultural events. Like no, no, no if it's just about World War Two. Then you're missing the deeper truth right. that exists there, and that's the thing about uh, I've I've made the argument I'm sure on the show and certainly in the forum several times people are like oh well fantasy movies are like for kids I'm like no fantasy is the best way to make to something get timeless to kids, and to yeah. get that because you can tell a story in the real world but then it's dated because you're like oh that's from the 70s it's right. about the 70s you tell a story like this and it's like it's about good and evil all the time right you know so um this scene is as I said I wanted to mention this scene is what what turned Lord of the Rings into what it was. Um, because as he was writing, and if you read the history of Lord of the Rings that you can, um, you know, you can buy pretty much anywhere. I got it just right off Amazon. It's not out of print or anything. Um, he's just writing along and he's, he's, you know, he, he, Frodo Bingo is going off on a journey. <laughs> he's going off on his journey and Tolkien has no clue why he's just, go, he's just leaving. <laughs> he has to, he's like, I gotta, he's gotta do, he's gotta go somewhere and do something. I'm just going to start writing and see what happens. And he goes and they hear a horse coming down the road and, uh, they turn around and it's it's Gandalf riding a white horse. It's a, someone in the gray robe riding a white horse, and they're like, "Oh, it's Gandalf! Well, you scared us!" Blah blah blah. And then he uh, he goes back and and you know uh, Christopher Tolkien kind of know, knew his father's process, like his revision process. So he's like, "This revision came later, but this was right then," and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then he went back and he said and he crossed it out and it went. He went a rider in a gray cloak, crossed it out, black cloak on uh-huh. a black horse because he was like he was like that'll make it more interesting then it's not Gandalf then someone's pursuing him and he's like okay but why but who is it who is that right who is that and why are they after him and then and that's when it got completely out of control because he had to (laughs) well well yeah something's got to motivate that and first of all um, 5,000 years ago let me just yeah exactly and as we as we already mentioned, you know, Lord of the Rings started out as much more simply a sequel to The Hobbit, right. and The Hobbit was just a story that he wrote to entertain his kids. Yeah, and it just it happened to get into the right hands to get published, and then became what it was. 
And then Lord of the Rings started out as just a simple sequel to The Hobbit. It was and going then to be much more fun and childlike. Yeah, and, much and more, much more lighter in tone. And then it's snowball. And it, actually, like, as you say, Tolkien started writing, and it's like, well, that's where the story yeah. has to go. So let's go there. And actually, his uh, according to the and I didn't know this, but according to the the books about the development, he never he was creating this world in Middle Earth and stuff like that. He never intended The Hobbit to actually be part of that. He meant for it to be its own little standalone thing, but he needed ideas, so he's like, okay, Rivendell, I'll just fuck it. I'll throw it in. There's like a cameo from Middle Earth. All right, now the Hobbits are in Middle Earth. Great. Um, and it, but he was never particularly – he was honestly, know that. He was honestly never particularly happy about that, it yeah. seems like. And so as he was developing Lord of the Rings, he was like resistant to, to making them the same thing. So this, this is the Tolkien version of the Avengers is what you're saying. Exactly. I'm just going to put all the shit in one thing. Yeah, Why not? and then finally he, he – uh, brought it together because there was a character. There's a character reference. I've got to put my awesome language that I made up in this stupid story <laughs> with these midget guys. Yeah. There was this. Ah. There was this whole idea with the uh, the. There's a, a reference to this character called the Necromancer in The Hobbit, who was not Sauron originally. It was just the bad, you know, the bad guy in the South or whatever. Yeah. But then he became Sauron once it became that. Well, okay. He figured out this that there were these rings of power, and he's like, well, this is the most powerful one, and so it belongs to some bad guy. And I guess in my mythology, I have this bad guy here that so I never really well do anything with. So might as well pull him out, make it his, and then and he had to change. He actually had to change his mythology to... To, to, to fit what was already to, in The to Hobbit. Fit, to fit it. Well, not to fit what was in The Hobbit. He actually went back and yeah, revised did, didn't The they Hobbit. Did bridge The Hobbit? They changed, did, did, a, did a new edition of The Hobbit? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 you mean the George scene, Lucas didn't invent that? No. <laughs> The scene with if you read The Hobbit now, that is a post Lord of the Rings edition of, of The Hobbit. So the scene with Gollum makes more sense than it initially did because right. he, he ran into a lot of trouble uh, and he banged his head a lot because he was like, I already wrote very specific things in The Hobbit. Like the whole reason that this story is about Frodo is because the end of The Hobbit ends with, and he lived happily ever after till the end of his days, which were extremely long. And Otherwise, so, it, this Lord of the Rings would have been about Bilbo. Exactly. Yeah. Because he was like, he can't go on another adventure because <laughs> I said he never did. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so, um, so it, yeah, it's, it's just interesting how that, uh, how it's, that it's, it's the law of conservation of detail on certain levels, but on other levels, he, he couldn't manage it. So he's like, okay, well, the necromancer... Law of conservation of detail. I'll just make it the same dude. He's the same dude. But He's... on other at other moments, like, well, it should be Bilbo, yeah. but but he had to pull fuck. some things sometimes. Like in the mythology, he was like, they thought he was someone else, but it turned out to By actually the way, be. By drinking game, Peter Jackson cameo. Oh yeah, out. here it comes. Get ready. He's the one uh, eating a carrot. Eating a carrot. Because as the as the uh, anecdote goes, here there he is. As the anecdote goes, he was supposed to be smoking a pipe, but it made him sick. Huh. And they're, also, also they were saying they were, I they actually were, didn't they know were about that. Cameo. For, I know about the Helm's Deep one. Yeah. But. They were saying also the, another reason is they were concerned at the other time because this is when people were getting militant about smoking in movies, uh, yeah. and they were worried. Like, listen, you know, they were already, they were already, they actually toyed with the idea of having Gandalf literally having Gandalf say, "I just quit smoking." Oh yeah, yeah, and oh, have that geez. be his whole oh. thing for the whole thing. Oh, I'm trying to cut down, and then like later he starts to smoke because things are getting so dire. It's like, well, thank God, I mean, because yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean. But uh, oh, and we missed his uh, his kids' cameos. His kids have a cameo. Yeah, in but each they'll one. be back. They're the, they're the, they're the children that that uh, uh, Bilbo is telling his troll story to in in the party. Oh, okay. So so uh, right here we're about to get. But they'll be back in one of uh, the. Big ass. There's, there's a, there's a, yeah. The, the animatronic on stilts, and it's just like we only kind of see it there, just walking through frame. Yeah. But they did this whole thing just to establish they are small around 
big they, people who they, are normal They size. do creep in here and there. It's not that like they, they did it just for that shot. They ended up not using it as much as right. they intended. But it's pretty amazing. Yeah, they're, it's, they're, actually, they're actually gymnasts who are very, you know, fairly small people who are walking on stilts with these robotic heads and hands. And, and you see them creep in. But, the, again, that's all part of the mix and match. Yeah. Amazing, you know. There's, there's like ten. Some, there's ten even, different ways that they sold the size of the hobbits yeah. versus the versus the uh, versus the rest of the and world. And because it just because it's just a guy passing through, you don't even think you don't about think it. You don't even think about it. But yeah. you think, my God, that's a big guy. Yeah. You're just like, oh yeah. It, it just it continues. There's like just this whole movie is just constant footprints in the snow because it continually feeds you. They are smaller than people. They're smaller than men. Um, yeah. and and so when you see them on their own. That proportion sticks in your brain. Yeah. You know, you're still thinking of them as small. And they talk about that in the in the later movies. They're like, they spent less time really worrying about that quite so much in the later movies. In, yeah. in the later movies, but because it was so well established here, your brain just supplies. It's like, well, they're smaller. Like yeah. in your head, you just perceive them. <laughs> sometimes, that way. sometimes so, they're literally just one guy's just crouching in yeah. front of the other, and you go. But if you look at the actual size, it's like, well, no, he's he actually should be smaller than that. Yeah, just short. But so the, Lord, the Fellowship of the Ring essentially is one giant footprint. Yes, the snow. exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, the the footprint of the ring. <coughs> hey, look, it's Aragorn. Yeah, also known as Strider, originally known as Trotter, and he was a Hobbit. In what? the original development, he was, was Trotter the Hobbit. Hobbit. That's in the he old was a badass Hobbit. That's in the yes. Old Testament. Well, and, that's and, in the it, original. If he's trotting because he's small, that did not survive small, the Council then... of Nicaea. <laughs> yeah, that didn't that didn't survive uh, for very long. He's trotting as a Hobbit because his his uh, stride is very small. Yeah. You size him up to a human, he gets longer strides. Yeah. He was he was. Uh, that's probably how <laughs> yeah. he developed that name. He was called Trotter because he was a he was a weird Hobbit that a little badass Hobbit that wore shoes, and that was very strange. Ah. Um, that's how tough he was. And that's how, uh, and then it became like a thing. He was developing, like, why didn't he wear shoes? And, like, his feet got fucked up because he was tortured in Mordor. And then Tolkien was like, this is stupid. He's a guy. He's a dude. <laughs> yeah. He's not it's a just, hobbit. Okay, I'm just going to take all <laughs> it's that just out. Easier. I, think, I think of all the, the, all the things that amaze me about the, the way this movie happened and, and all the, you know, the, mar- the, the many miracles that, that occurred and the, the incredible hard work on everyone's part, I think the single most amazing detail to me is the fact that. Viggo Mortensen showed up the day before he started to be this character right. yeah. as an emergency. That that was Stuart Townsend, who's a person I have no idea who that is. Is that guy's name? The actor. Yeah, Stuart Townsend. Yeah. 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 Well, is, is he a person who's done things? Uh, he hasn't done big things. Well, but, but neither had Mortensen at that. Stuart point. Townsend was the original Aragorn, yeah. and and they actually were like shooting with him, and they just said, "Ooh, this is." Good he's work. too young. He he was too young. So Viggo Mortensen, thing. you know, got the call, and you know, he's not a native New Zealander. He got the call, like, ah, uh, what would you say? <laughs> yeah. To getting on a plane like in an hour, maybe, <laughs> and flying to New Zealand for the next year and a half of your life, and being in this movie, and uh, and Viggo Mortensen said that uh, the deciding factor was his kid, who was a huge Lord of the Rings uh-huh. fan, said, "Are you shitting me, Dad? Get on the go. You know you have to do this. <laughs> Get on the fucking plane. Get on the fucking plane, Dad. I, I will be fine. <laughs> I will come visit you. I'll see you in two birthdays. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You better bring back a movie. And your present will be you are Aragorn. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, I have only seven. I have a yeah. substantial fraction of my life yeah. left. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'll be around. But I, I, I think that I think that uh, you know this, the entire cast is fantastic, uh, with a few exceptions. We'll we have more. To. But, we have more food coming. All right. Well, um, I'll finish, finish my thought. Hold on. Okay. The, the entire cast is fantastic. The entire cast is fantastic. Um, but I, I think my favorite uh, and the person I'm just the most impressed by is Viggo Mortensen mm. in this movie. I think he just does an amazing job as Aragorn. Eddie? Yes. Hi. Um, so my plan of trying to plate all my meals at the corresponding scene 
we're all, we were already past yeah. that. Um, <laughs> That's but, all right. Uh, for the theme of the I've Plant here, I look into Ooh. your future and I see a salty sweet palate cleanser <laughs> of prosciutto melon balls. So Ooh. it's very simple. It's just carved out cantaloupe with uh, some stringy prosciutto on top of it. Eat it as a nice, refreshing palate cleanser. Teague's going to have one right I'm gonna now. I'm going to try one right now. Try one right now. I love the fact that the, the Black Riders... Oh, tasty. The Black Good Riders job, knocked on the gate before riding <laughs> yeah. it down. Just to... Just, we're totally going to fuck with this guy. Just to fuck with the guy. <laughs> set, it, set it down there somewhere. Oh, okay. Um, wow. Uh, to, to comment on uh, Trace Point, just to rub uh, salt in the wound, Stuart, Ta- Stuart Townsend's current known for on IMDb is the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Bummer. Yeah, so he kind of missed out on that one. I knew one. him from uh, Queen of the Damned. He played Lestat. He took over for uh, uh, Tom Cruise. I'm sorry. I'm eating on mic. Sorry, guys. Uh, so was I. Um, but the scene where he puts on the uh, the ring works a lot better in the movie than it does in the book because Frodo's singing you mean a little where, song. where he, it falls onto his finger? Right. <laughs> Honestly, that moment's still like... It's a bit of a stretch, well, but yeah. they, they, they said that they had to figure out something that was better than the book. Right. In the, in the book, Frodo's singing a little song to entertain the people of Bree. And by the way, the fucking songs. I'm so glad. <laughs> the, the damn hobbits can't walk five feet without singing a ten-verse song about it. In the book. Like, seriously. <laughs> I'm going to go stand on that rock yeah, now. They just, they just, and it's always like... It's As a song that you have, to, there. you have to unpack it because there's like all these years of mythology packed into the song. And it's like, <laughs> stop it. But um, actually, he, uh, it implies that, um, that the song that he sings is uh, Hey Diddle Diddle the Cat and the Fiddle, but extended. So it basically implies that Frodo or Bilbo actually invented that song, and we've lost <laughs> most of it. <laughs> and we only have the, the nursery rhyme version well, of it left. Would but, that tie into isn't you know, one of the aspects of the... Uh, the story of the books and everything is that Tolkien was very big on trying to create uh, an English mythology yes, that, yes, that, yes, that, that he said had been lost yeah. over the, the countless ages of pillaging. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is so strange. It sounds so strange to us in America because we think of England as the place where mythology comes from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but uh, you know, Tolkien, as a as a historian, knew that English English mythology was actually mostly French that yeah. that was that was brought over during the Norman Conquest. So. So he's like, we don't have our own stuff, you know. We don't have our own like, you know, like Norse legends. Like those go back thousands of years, and ours are only five hundred years old. So he wanted to invent. It was just uh, poor timing on his part to invent that mythology right at the beginning of globalization. It's yeah. like, <laughs> uh, well, all but right. He, uh, now, every, now everybody's mythology is everyone's. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so Frodo's singing a little song. He's singing the cat and the fiddle, and he like just falls off the table, and the ring. It, it, again, Tolkien gave them no help here because the ring just somehow wound up on his finger. Like he just was accidentally compelled because the ring is just doing that, right? Yeah. He was he, he was like, I don't know how that happened, but the ring wound up on my finger and he just disappeared. And he was like totes embarrassed and stuff. But like he didn't see – that was it though. He was just kind of embarrassed and he was like, God, I fight – you know, and Strider, Strider's mad at him. But he doesn't see the eye of Sauron or any of that stuff. That comes much later. So I, I, I do think it's interesting to have set that up and I think it's a good choice to set up this is why you don't put the ring on anymore. right it, it raises raises the stakes earlier on and, yeah. and sets those stakes to where they need to be yeah well, they really did a really good and they bring it up in the behind the scenes stuff uh quite a bit but they did a really good job of giving such a small inanimate object such amount of character in in both the music and the way they shoot it and how they film it and the things like the the visual when it's put on it it has its own sense of of presence. Yeah. They always talk about uh, they they would shoot it 
Wait, he has an apple in his hand. So the yeah. whole joke is an apple, you know, he gets tossed an apple from Aragorn up ahead and it hits him in the head. And he, uh, but then you see him, he has a second apple right. already in well, his hand. Well, he already had an apple. He picked up an apple, but Aragorn's still Aragorn throwing more at him. Lobbing <laughs> apples. Until you shut up. Yeah, until you shut apples up. Apples up. Did, you, did you see, I think it was the Colbert Report the other day, they had, they're... What is it like Taco Bell or McDonald's or something is actually trying to make second breakfast a thing? Oh my god! Or honest to god thing. <laughs> awesome. That doesn't super surprise That's fantastic. me. Fantastic to go along with the Dorito flavored taco. You'll be super yeah. surprised at second breakfast. Yeah. You know how you get hungry about ten forty-five <laughs> after know? we've stopped serving breakfast exactly. like assholes. Exactly. How about uh, that's what it is? They're just, they're really just extending their breakfast hours, and it's about yeah. damn time. Yeah. yeah. For fuck's sake. But. Uh, so this is a this is an extension. This is an yeah. extended scene um, hey. of him bringing the uh, they t- they uh, the going Baron, back the to Baron talking legend. about the food. Uh, yeah, Baron and Luthien, and uh, him bringing a deer for them to eat just to kind of address that. Topic. Eddie Doty has swapped in. I'm in. Hey, hey. I, got, I got some and time. It's a real he gets deer, to relax. Ding, ding. Awesome. I get to I get to actually yeah say some words. Now, did have you you were in the in the kitchen when I asked this? Have you read the books? Oh yeah. Okay. I I used to read it like every few years. Wow. Like, yeah. Read when I was I read I read Hobbit as um, I think when I was like ten when I read Hobbit, <laughs> yes. and then I read Lord of the Rings I think when I was thirteen, uh-huh. and uh, it's like it's one of those things when you're thirteen you like it you don't fully grasp why right you can't articulate you, you certainly can't appreciate some of the finer points and you know but as you it's one of those things as you grow as you evolve and as you change you can reread it and find new things you're right like, I found they very, were having sex <laughs> yeah <laughs> I found it very telling when you uh, on Twitter Mike you that said like I'm rereading this. Oh, hey, there's the Eye of the Land here. Yeah, there's, uh, there's and a, very tasty it is, too. Okay. Yeah. And it's actually the first time that we really see very clearly that he is communicating yeah, with Sauron exactly. in the plant here, which becomes important later on. Exactly. But I found it very interesting that you, because you reread it you know, a, a couple months ago, I think. A few months ago and, and prepped for this. And, and, you, and you were surprised by how well it, it holds up. It's, I, it's better than it I, was. Because, exactly. Because now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, this isn't a wall of text that I can't deal with. <laughs> yeah. you, you can, it's, I mean, I, I do, not to put too fine a point or sound too much like an idiot, but I mean, it is similar to how Shakespeare works for a lot of people yeah. in the sense that, you know, I, I read Henry V when I was 14. I really dug some of the monologues, but it wasn't, you know, as I get older and I reread things like that, I you peel back the layers and you're like, okay, there's right. th- this is going to reward me for the rest of my life. It also helps, like Shakespeare, and I've mentioned this on the show before, I think, but Shakespeare becomes much more accessible if you see it performed. Absolutely. Yes. If you yeah. see it yeah. performed by oh, people. Yeah. And, so, and I think Lord of the Rings is the same way because I struggled through Fellowship the first time because I, I wanted to read yep. it before this. And I struggled. And then I tried to move on immediately to Two Towers. And I was like, no. I need a break. It? Nope. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I, w- I, got, I got through the first book before the first movie. That'll be fine. Right. And I saw the movie and I'm like, okay. I, I have my bearings now, and then I went back to Two Towers, and I read that in Return of the King, no problem. That's a, I mean, that was very similar, because I tried to read Lord of the Rings when I had first received it as a president as a kid, and it was tough. It uh-huh. was a wall of text, and I didn't finish it. But then when the movies came out, I was like, okay, I have like an anchor now yeah. that I can yeah. then build from. You know, I, had a, I think I had pretty much exactly the same experience with Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, because Absolutely. I saw Game of Thrones on HBO first, and then when I read the book, it was like, okay, I, you know, I get what's going on. I understand right. what the terminology is. Mm-hmm. I might have had a little harder entry, you know, had, having not had that, the, that, yeah. that whole Game, introduction. Game of Thrones, I read the first 15 pages of that book in 2005, and then it sat in my car yeah. for <laughs> years. And it wasn't until like the series got greenlit yeah. uh, that I'm like, okay, now I have to crack into it. And then once you get past those first couple of chapters, and you're like, oh shit! And it, then you're I've, done, I've done. I've, I, Mike and I were actually talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I 
have substantially a very similar like terrible terrible habit where I will pick up a book and I'll read the first you know two chapters or whatever yeah. and be into it and be totally like okay I like where this is going and then just set it Stop. down and then yeah. like come back to it years later yeah my favorite series of all time the Mars trilogy I did exactly that and it's like that's my favorite story <laughs> of all time now what were you uh, thinking past what's me? what what yeah. <laughs> Past me? Why you no read? <laughs> uh, it seems like this, and I'm sure you guys have already talked about it, and that's what's going to be a no, about keep, today. No, no, no. Keep no, repeating no, just, it. Just do it. We'll just go. Just go. Uh, is is P- Peter Jackson's unique horror film, Pulp Sensibilities, I was, was going to say exactly even, the same We haven't thing. even gotten to Peter Strongly. Jackson, so why not? Go ahead. But no, I just, I lo- in that overhead shot of just a, a very still frame. Walking a lot through of mist the mist. And the mist. Yeah. Yeah. The, you, I mean, especially when you watch his early work, like, I don't know, The Frighteners, which you can listen on downfront.net. I wouldn't, um, well, his early work dead yeah. alive boy yeah. howdy very much yeah. well let's talk about that a little and, later well then he turned around and made heavenly creatures it was like what yeah. no heaven, but even so heavenly heavenly creatures, heavenly creatures has, has a weird has a weird yeah. a very weird fan, fantasy heavenly creatures i've always said is the bridge between lord of the rings and dead alive oh yeah and it's and and specific, well that's what that's what got so many people on board is heavenly creatures I, yeah. I, I, i'm not just talking about it like his demonstration as a as a as a filmmaker i'm saying like tonally ah. i think i think um uh, Heavenly Creatures is, is is whimsical in some ways and just deeply disturbing in others, and especially as the deeper you get into the trilogy. Which and here, today. sorry, just to interrupt, but talking about Sam, yeah. Sam's the one who's like Sam. first one into the fuck off. He yeah. first, yeah. he's yeah. the first one who who tries to draw first blood on that yeah. one Go with Sam. with the demons <laughs> who have come out of the mist. <laughs> Good luck with that, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, well, you tried. And anyway, I was always, oh no, 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 it's, it's, it's okay. It's, believe me, we we got plenty of time. <laughs> um, I've I've got you know I've always really appreciated the design of of the the Nazgul here. Oh, they're amazing. And and just I mean they, they do get they I mean it's a very similar design in some ways even in even in the Ralph Bakshi cartoon I think they're it's basically black cloak, but um, just the little touches the the twisted of the metal mm-hmm. on, the, on the plate on the gauntlets just little touches like that make it oh, yeah. make it very. Well, yeah, these movies are all about the little touches. And, but the, and the production design is, is huge, and especially in a scene like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, you know, they, they really it, – and it's interesting because, because being such a pulp filmmaker, first of all, if you had shown me um, – Meet you know, the Feebles. If you'd shown me Meet the Feebles or Brain Dead slash Dead Alive or uh, uh, his first one, Bad Taste, and been like, this guy's making The Lord of the Rings, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. fuck that. Yeah, right. That is never going to what even happen. What kind of acid trip making Terminator. Yeah. 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 No way. Exactly. But So so it's really it, – it's all about the <laughs> amount of thought that Weta Workshop um, in particular and, and Richard Taylor running it put into every little aspect that prevents this movie from descending into cheese because mm-hmm. it's it's so it's such a razor's edge this this movie could have been like watch many fantasy movies made today certainly but but especially before lord of the rings kind of showed them how it was done watch willow uh, right. yeah willow or yeah. or i mean or, watch Dungeons and Dragons. We are recording this on the very weekend that John Carter of Mars is becoming yeah. the new Ishtar. Or John Carter. Rather. John Carter. Of, yeah, maybe they should have said of Mars. Just yeah, so people go, have. John Carter, what the fuck is that? It's a $250 million movie that's not going to make $50 million back. Yeah. That's yeah. what John Carter is. Wasn't, wasn't he on ER? Anyway, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's Noah Wiley. Yeah. But wow, that's $250 million budget to do a big old fantasy thing based. I mean, it's like, you know, it's the new Lord of the Rings. You know, it's, it's like, the new Avatar. It's, nope. uh, it's, no, it's, no, it's the, old it's the old and one. And you should yeah. have brought that up yeah, earlier really. in the marketing. Except but, we have but, 60 years of science to help us with but that. Yeah. But that ties into the whole idea. Like, oh, this could have been such a failure for so many reasons. Oh, yeah. yeah. This, this whole trilogy. And, and for me, 
You know, the fact that New Line it actually wasn't... It was New Line. It was New Line eventually. First it was the Weinsteins, but then, yeah. they, then they suddenly passed, but then they went to New Line. Well, the Weinsteins let it go. The, they had the rights. Yeah. They let it no, go. No, they were, they were getting ready to go. The, I think it was the Weinsteins had it. There was going to be two movies. It was going to be two. And when they, took yeah. it, when they took it to New Line, New Line said, why is it two movies? It's three books. Yeah. yeah. And, and Let's Jackson, make it three movies. Jackson and Walsh and all the producers are like, well... Uh, Two movies, that that kind of kills our soul a little bit, but it's, we're never going to make it otherwise because well, yeah. nobody's going to pay for three movies. Right. Yeah, what, happened, what happened was that Miramax had it for two, and the the budget was getting out of control. They're like, you know what? You just got to fit this in one. And they're like, what? No. And they're like, we that can't, we do, can't that. do And then And Miramax was like, all right, well, you got a month to find someone else to take this off our hands then because yeah. otherwise you're off the project and we'll get someone who'll do it for yeah. a while. But the fact Boy. that they – and this is an interesting little peek behind the curtain into how Hollywood works. The fact that Harvey uh, Weinstein – let the property go is why the wine scenes have executive producer yep. credit on these yeah. films. Yeah. Um, and, and it's so interesting because, and you know, I, I'm going to probably make a few parallels to George R. R. Martin and, and here from now for a lot of reasons, but and, part of, yeah, and, and rightly so, I think. because I, I do believe those two movies sort of bookend culturally where we are as a society. Also and, Sean and, Bean. Uh, yeah, yeah, Sean Bean. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> Sean Bean has always is and always will be. Sean, Let's just, Sean you know. Bean can't make it to so the end of the of this project. So that's yeah. why we know that. Spoiler. <laughs> but uh, but no, the the reason why is you know he um, the development process of making Game of Thrones into a, 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 a series. He had been courted by everybody to make movies, but everybody who wanted to make a movie out of it was like, oh, let's just make it about Jon Snow, or oh, let's just make it about Danny. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, he's like, no, that that's won't work. That's not how that works. And that's because not that's not what the story is. And yeah. because George came from Hollywood, he was a TV writer. He wasn't, as he said, uh, romantic. He wasn't yeah. like seduced. He was like a movie, awesome. Yeah, he, he was, was like, like, he was like no. no, I don't need it. And because of that, he took his time and found the right deal for his work. Yeah. Yeah. As I think with this, people talk about development hell. Well, you know, I consider it purgatory because you come out of it right. better in some yeah. cases. Sometimes. Sometimes, Sometimes you yeah. do. And Sometimes you don't come out of this it. This is a success story. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, John Carter of Mars. I mean, Harry Knowles was a producer on it for a number of years. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. That, Wait, that, what? That yeah. Thing, yeah, that thing went through. Uh, I had no Robert, idea. Robert Rodriguez <laughs> and Harry Knowles. I had it for a while. I, uh, for six <laughs> weeks, I had it. By, I, was, I was totally in <laughs> I think I – wait. Yeah, it's right here. Um, no, uh, no. The, Harry Knowles and Robert Rodriguez were to going to produce that. And, yeah. But just when you see, sometimes it can it can play hot potato with a property and end up in the right hands, and as a, as a result, it can benefit from that. Yeah. As For- I think here it does. Yeah. Fortunately, this I mean this started in the right hands production wise, but they found the yeah. right par- partnership with a studio who was willing to do something crazy to take that, that huge gamble risk. their entire yeah. future. That, that yeah. is that is honestly. Yeah. And I've said this before. Like, if I were in Bob Shea's position, I don't think I would have had those balls. Yeah, no, I yeah. don't I think, think I, I would have got to do that. Bob Shea deserves all the credit in the world because New Line would have closed its doors if this yeah. and John Carter. Yeah, this yeah. this yeah. totally could have turned the uh, New Line into United Artists. Yeah. Like, yeah. okay, that we're done. Which they That's later it. became, but yeah. not because of these, these not movies because kept them going for another decade. Yeah. So, uh, and I I think one of the reasons is because I from from what I've seen of John Carter, I haven't seen the the movie yet. I because when am I going to see it today? Um, <laughs> the, you, the, uh, you better. It won't be in the theaters yeah, tomorrow. Exactly. Um, <laughs> they they embraced the pulpy aspect of it, which is for that material at this time probably the best. Right. B- might be the best way to go if you're if you're not going to really update it. If you're going to remain with the canals of Mars, if you're going to remain with this is the story that was, and we're going to just tell it with a relatively straight face. Um, whereas with this. This this made the very wise choice of like this is not we're not going to treat this like it knows it's a fantasy movie. This yeah. isn't going to be magical and mystical and all that stuff. It's the, going the to fantasy be fantasy equivalent of the 
actor kind of looking at the camera and winking yeah. and going, yeah. which like, would, look at the shtick we're doing. That would have destroyed it instantly. Yeah. There was even the, just a hint of yeah. that. Of, of cheese. Yeah. I actually walked over to the standing mic to make the point that Brian was just about to get to, which is, I just wonder, in, for the production crew, no. But for the actors, Two Towers is easy because you've seen Fellowship. You know what you're doing now. Right. Mm. I just wonder, like, well, Chris to be Lee, fair, no, because they had to shoot all of this. Yeah, they, they hadn't really even seen it then. They, yeah. Yeah. I, just, I just wonder, like, how how do you describe to Liv Tyler of anyone? Just uh, yeah. pick an actor. But Here's how you, you play it out. Okay, so we're doing, we're going to film four hours. Uh, we're going to film four hours, so, you know, 90, 100 hours of shut, uh, stuff. Um, we're going to make a two and a half hour movie and a four hour movie at the same time. Mm-hmm. Two and a half hour will go to theaters. Uh, it's going to be important and, and vast and epic and also it'll feel really homemade and good and quality and um, have you seen Lord of the Rings? It's like Lord of the Oh shit, we haven't done that yet. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's what we Like how do you it. even how do you prime someone for doing this? You're you're way loud just yeah, so you, you know. You're way loud? Pa- the perils of the standing mic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But um, it's, it's they, well they talk about lots that. They talk about how, you know, various scenes where, you know, there was this, they the uh, the writer director commentary they talk about uh, Ian McKellen, you know, Ian McKellen, yeah. for fuck's sake, he's Ian McKellen. He's one of our, you know, national treasure, great treasures as an actor. You know, they talk about, they pointed out what his first day of shooting was, uh-huh. and so you can see how he wasn't quite yeah. there yet. He didn't, right. yeah. he didn't have a grip on on Gandalf yet. He just started. Um, he hadn't quite worked out his technique. Of yeah. his, and that's, his that's, Ian, I think that's a fascinating, Ian, that is a fascinating question. Like, when you're shooting for 15 months, I mean, how yeah. do you not? Change over that time, yeah. right? And how, how do you, you physically that person? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, it's John. Sean. Sean Aston had to stay thirty pounds overweight for fifteen months, yeah. which, is, which is admittedly not hard to do. But talk about a commitment harder than you think. Yeah, like, to it's a, harder. It's harder you think not to, to go. To go over that edge, yeah, exactly. especially but the, especially if what you're filming is you trudging through New Zealand yeah, day in and day walking out, walking and riding horses all the time. Yeah. The but that was I, I came to these movies, you know, like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, okay, it's some kind of fantasy thing. I, I know nothing about it, but I'll check out the movies. And I I'm just you know I was and, and remain in awe of these movies. But it is absolutely I think because they just played it like. You know, they didn't like. Oh, this is a fantasy yeah. movie, so we can we can be fast and loose with the drama yeah. or the or the intention or the craft or, that we bring to it. It's like no, they this played flat out yeah. as straight as the Godfather. Yeah, the, We're telling and, exactly. And, yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, like, and that's the only way that you could pull this. I, 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 I want to say just for uh, what's on the screen. Speaking of which, little things like if you know the books and if you kind of know the mythology behind it, like there's a bit she's riding along and she kind of takes a, a rides too close to a tree and like gets cuts a little her. scratch yeah. on the thing. The whole thing is that elves are Look so so into nature and stuff like that. That would net like she is so fucking scared right now. Yeah, that 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 happened. That's uh, how scared she is. Right. You know, um, so I like that as a little, a touch. little touch. It's yeah. you, you don't really you know they they don't get into it or explain it. But if you know that's how the elves are, you're like, God damn, yeah. this is crazy. She got cut by a tree. We're fucked. Yeah, well, there's, exactly. there's tons of little nods like that. Like you you'll see it later on, and and, and we'll get there. But we'll get in uh, um, in the minds of Moira. You see Sam knock a couple orcs out with his frying pan. Mm. That frying pan is his primary weapon. That's yeah. like his main hand equip. <laughs> he's yeah. Like, he's, yeah, I mean, he beats the hell out of everyone <laughs> yeah. for four books or for three books straight with his frying yeah. pan, which why in the books later on when he has to drop his ruck and, and, and sort of drop all of his encumberment, it's a sad goodbye to his <laughs> frying pan. He has he's to like, bid farewell he's to the like, frying pan. This thing saved my life so many times, and now I have to set it down. Yeah. And, no, no. What, what are you saying? 
I was just going to point out right here, uh, just a uh, fun fact. Uh, this is a uh, an effects company cameo coming up right now. Oh, yeah. Um, not, a weddy, not a weta effect. Oh, this is ILM, isn't it? No. Uh, it's uh, Digital Domain. Ah. I don't Digital know if domain. ILM did any work on, on I don't this think they were uh, at series. All. I knew they farmed a couple shots out. They were working at 2012 at this point. So. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of companies were, you know, picked up. This one was farmed out to DD just because it's a standalone scene that didn't have to match anything else. There's yeah. a lot of reasons they could pick it to farm out. We can make water horses, sure. Yeah, water horses, yeah. And by the way. Elves getting hurt. You said that it's like it's it's inc- the idea of, is the idea that they're impossible to kill. So it's if she not, got a scratch. That's amazing. No, well, it's not that they're impossible, but she they're so in tune with nature yeah. and they're so just aware of their surroundings and stuff like that. That it's like <laughs> the fact that she's so panicked that even for an instant she dropped that awareness. She bumped into a and, tree and bumped into yeah. a tree. That's crazy. You know, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Now, that's... now, you know, people who've read the books can probably get into the the often, you know, the often uh, heard complaint that they tell. Oh, they totally mess with Arwen in the movies. Yeah, and I was going to ask so about, much more to you know, do. So this and, is our yeah. first major. Well, we. We're already past Tom Bombadil, Tom, right? Yeah, we're Tom Bombadil. Bombadil. You're, you're Which we should talk about. Remember that scene that Tom Bombadil wasn't in? Yeah. <laughs> Tom, Bombadil, Tom Bombadil was a whole thing between Hobbiton and Bree. Yeah. They just go straight from Hobbiton to, you know, they're chased yeah. by the ring race, they jump on the Buckleberry Ferry, and then they're in Bree. But it's like, no, there's a whole thing. <laughs> Tom Bombadil is like a huge, yeah, but yeah, yeah, please go ahead. Yeah. There was, there was Tom Bombadil, well, well, you know, you can certainly say it too. Tom Bombadil is this whole character who... Even when the books came out, people were like, he huh? doesn't belong here. He's got <laughs> is, nothing to do what with What is he for? Yeah. Exactly. He's just a guy. He he's, doesn't do anything. He Basically, Tom Bombadil is – he's not an eternal creature, but he's been around a hell of a long time. And he's like the first – what he does – He's practically like a nature spirit. He's a nature thing, spirit yeah. who's just sort of always been there. And what he does really for the hobbits as well as the audience when you're reading the book – is he's the guy who says no? There is a much larger, deeper world than simple Hobbiton. Right. He's the, there, there's d- deep ancient magics at work here, and he sort of he kind of gives. I always like I always make the um, he's kind of like the Oracle in uh, the Odyssey in the sense that he kind of like foresees the oh, the, yeah. view, the, the the journey that they're about to take, and he gives a lot of hints to it. I've always liked. He's, he's the one telling them essentially there's more to heaven and earth than is dreamt of in your philosophy. Exactly. Basically. Like, like there's so much more than what you guys this think world, there yeah, is. Yeah, you have no idea what, what this world you're on. What I've always, Tom Bombadil spoiler. Man. I've always liked the philosophy that Fran and Peter and, and Philippa Boyens have had, which is we're not saying that didn't happen. Right. Yeah, exactly. We're just not showing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Hobbits didn't go to Brico. It's a good thing we didn't stop and talk to Tom Bombadil. Yeah. That would have been Woo! a big waste I, of time. Uh, and the thing about Tom Bombadil is that it's a. It's a self-contained little story, so it's yeah. easy to lift out. It's Absolutely. not like you need him later um, because he does save them from yeah. what are called the Barrel Whites. They, you know, they get trapped, but that's the immediate next chapter. Yeah. Tom, Tom's like, all right, well, if you need me ever, just call. And then in the next chapter, they're like, Tom, come help us. And he's like, well, I helped you, so everybody Goodbye. gets one. Bye. <laughs> and, and he never comes up again. <laughs> so, so maybe we just skip over that part. Yeah, okay. so it's like, okay, let's just Let's, let's just, just do the Eagles up. now, shall we? Let's do the freaking Eagles. Okay. Now, uh, now somebody, somebody in the in the forum actually said, "Why wasn't Gandalf just take the ring and fly an eagle and well, drop and, it over well, Mount actually, Doom?" People have said that since the day this, yeah. the books were published. We've and already we've, we've already, already talked about Gandalf, and, Tol- and Tolkien had to retcon that himself because yeah. he had to go, "Oh, well, you see." Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if this is this is the new, you know, the the updated Hobbit after he had to retcon it. We got a Frodo nip slip coming up in a oh, second. Oh, here, by the way. Oh, um, wow. still my watch heart. Oh what? boy, freeze frame, twit pick. Just watch it. Like we've said, attention to detail. Exactly. <laughs> Mike, does Frodo count as a twink? Well, whoop, there it is. Oh my uh, god, look at that! But anyway, uh, <laughs> holy mackerel! So I throw that out Hobbit there. Hobbit it. Um, <laughs> but um, Hobboob. 
Anyway, uh, I don't know if this is original, but in The Hobbit, it's it, it's made very clear because the eagles will come up again. Yeah. Uh, or they came up then, but now it's going they, to be They come again. up in The Hobbit. They come up in The Hobbit. They show up and just fly them all the way to Mordor. Right. Well, the, the One whole, does not simply fly yeah. to Mordor. <laughs> the thing about the eagles is that, um, and if you've read Harry Potter, the centaurs are very much the yeah. same way. Yeah. Um, or the ants. The eagles are like the ants. Yeah, and they're like the ants where they're basically like, um, I missed the part where that's my problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and we're not your fucking taxi. So yeah. <laughs> how about you deal with yeah, that the shit? E- on your the own? eagles yeah. aren't just dumb animals that yeah. you can go. Hey, eagle, come over here. Yeah. So Which, the, eagle, the eagles are you, an actual a race. They're yeah. an actual. Yeah, they're their own people. Yeah, and if, they have credit cards and everything. Yeah, if you tried, which to, I totally if you, get. If you tried I, yeah. to get an eagle, if you were like, "Hey, fly us to Mount Doom," he would bite your face <laughs> off <laughs> and, and go, leave. "Fuck you! you. What's <laughs> in it for me, motherfucker?" Yeah, exactly. Which I totally get, but it's other otherwise the eagles coming in at the end is feels like such a deus ex machina. Did I say it right correctly? Deus. 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 I don't care. They're well, different Latin well, pronunciations. See, I think, anyway, see, but, I understand but, what you're saying. No, you're right. But there, it's, it's, a big, it's a big enough deal that there should be some moments, some conversation somewhere earlier that goes, mm. hey, can we just take the Eagles? No, the Eagles will tell us to fuck off. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's like, okay, there's, and then, then I'm you're totally right, on board. You're right. It would have it been nice because like, people who saw the movie and knew nothing about the books kind of went, well, why can't they fly? You, know, it's like yeah. you, can, you can't throw a rock without hitting somebody on the internet going, why don't they take the Eagles to Mordor? It's like, well, okay, that's a fair question. And there's lots of there's just lots like, of potential. Isn't a bear. Potential answer. Aren't, aren't a bird. Yeah, and there's, they're and, a thing. And there's a, well, there's also the fact that it's like sooner or later, it's like, well, because the ring wraiths are on dragon planes. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> uh, there's, there's several possible explanations that they could have gotten into briefly. One is that Sauron has an air force too. Yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. not. It's not like it's not like a given. Um, He's got four of the five arms. One of the more interesting ones I I read is actually, um, as I understand it, and check me on this, uh, you book readers. The um, yeah, you book reading motherfuckers. Yeah. You readers. Yeah, yeah, President Obama wants reading. everybody to read yeah, books. What a snob. I get my Lord of the Rings facts anyway, from Fox News. The, the idea that it's not just like the fact that it's oh, it's eagles is actually it's in many cases it's the same eagle named Guaihir. Guaihir, yeah, yeah, his yeah. name is. And you know, Guaihir is like he's a character. He's like he's like Treebeard. He's like so. What do you want this time? What's in it? You know, we we don't really mix in. But what do you need? You know, we'll think about it. And he starts the fair, and he drives you to wherever you want to exactly. go. Exactly. Well, like, like you know, it's like they'll be like. But the idea is that Guaihir is an extremely powerful creature which means having him be around the ring is just as Not dangerous as anyone else yeah. so it's like you know what it's got to be the fucking hobbit because anyone else gets near this goddamn thing he's the pack mule that can go up the mountain you don't take <laughs> yeah. a stallion up a mountain yeah, exactly a you don't mule. take the racehorse over the hill that's that's you don't waste that it's, so so there's that idea as, as far as brian's question which is a good point is i think that brings into there's a whole there's a whole other thing that's going on in terms of the uber story which which they does get touched on is that it, and it happens in in uh, the third movie, but uh, just uh, since you brought it up, is is the idea that everyone goes, I'm not going up against Sauron, that's certain death. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but God damn it, we're going to do it anyway. And then yeah. someone else goes, well, God damn it, we're going to do it too. It's like, well, if, if, if we all would do it, yeah. we could take him. But no one wants to be the one to go, well, I'll, I'll just go it alone if you guys aren't coming. Yeah. But yeah. then, so the Eagles are really kind of being douchebags. They're kind of like, well, act, oh, you got a shot. Okay, okay, we'll come yeah. in. Okay, we'll come yeah. in. Oh, oh, come in. oh, the danger's you, gone you got, now? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're coming to save oh, you. Oh, yeah. This is just a mop-up thing? You know what? Sure, yeah. My yeah. afternoon totally I'll just bring freed my buddies. up. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so really, the Eagles are the are America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles are the United States in World War II. Like, oh, it looks like you go. Yeah, we, yeah, we can probably pop by. We can come in and, you know... Lift, lift you off the rock that you got yourself onto. That was dumb, by the way. But <laughs> here we are to help you out. Why didn't and, you ask and, us to fly us out? We totally would have done it. Yeah, we would have. You didn't. Well, you didn't ask. <laughs> you didn't ask. I want to touch on something that Eddie actually brought up as a joke a second ago. 
Uh, Mike, as our gay correspondent, uh, oh. Sam and Frodo, oh. what's going on there? Yes, um, that's actually uh, super gay, not gay at all, it's, just friendly. That's how hobbits we, are. We should say that's it's how, not as bad. It's are. not as bad as the gay that's going on in Star Trek: The Motion Picture between <laughs> Kirk and Spock. There's a well, there, no. like there on is, screen, on screen wise. There is a very strong platonic thing going on, and it's very it it's even very uh, made very clear. But I mean, later on, we get a very clear uh show that sam has the not gays because the first thing <laughs> right. he, the first thing he thinks of on mount doom once the thing's over is like i miss my chick i'm, go- I'm gonna know, go who do- i'm totally gonna just destroy when I'm, I get back well, I'm gonna well, wreck that chick man. Well, i seriously rewatching this rewatching this i had the weirdest cause because of game of thrones i was like there's a scene at the end in the pub where he's like he's like you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go talk to Rosie. But he, like, gets up, really, and I'm like, for a second in my head, I was like, he's just going to walk over there and just take her right on the table. Because <laughs> that's Put how it there. is in Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> he hobbits her well, up and down. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> hey, that would have been an amazing ending where all the other hobbits Whoa. were like, no, Sam, stop. <laughs> Sam, not here, not here. That's not how we do things in I'm hobbits. I'm sorry, folks. He's had a really rough couple of years. Yeah. Uh, really, really quickly, though, you know, we, we joke about that, but we kind of did gloss over what is essentially implied rape and i'm gonna get there in a second where's that uh because <laughs> he right said he, because when he's talking to when uh elrond is talking to um to gandalf he says uh by foul craft he has crossed goblin and orcman now oh, yeah. we see it expressed this way in the film as throwing him in the ground and then some sort of yeah. bolster sack popping and boom they're out but in the book and many people have interpreted it this way they interpret that he was basically Forcing uh, goblin men or orcs to rape goblin men, and the product of it was the Urukai. It was this weird wow. forced crossbreeding that is sort of like a popular theory among some of the book <laughs> Dude, homophobia I, much there? Yeah. Totally I would uh, kind of uh, yeah, like well not just not just homophobia. Like let's just uh, in terms of French. By the way, El- yeah. Elrond and Isildur here, dude, Elrond. Just fucking yeah. take him. Fucking yeah. chop yeah. his head Kill off. Kill him and be like, oh, dude, there were totally like orcs up in there. They got him. <laughs> and they uh, got yeah. him, but the yeah. ring is gone, oh. so we're fine. Good news, just... though. <laughs> Plus side. You don't even have to tempt yourself. Just kick the ring into the fire my, like yeah. my wife kicks a dead bug in the kitchen. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. just chew that thing in there. No, uh, yeah. you, you did talk about but It's a bigger plot hole than the Eagles, quite frankly. Yeah. That one. One, like... one thing that I think should be brought up is sort of the close friendship between. Um, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Yes. Right. And yeah. one thing that bonded them both, uh, more so C.S. Lewis, though, was th- they had a very deep faith. And, right. And they're, they're they were cr- both very, uh, very cr- devoutly very Catholic. Catholic. Well, no, Christian. he was, he was, was an atheist. Oh, yeah, uh, Tolkien, no, no. Was Tolkien, Tolkien was Catholic. Tolkien was Lewis was an atheist, and he converted, he converted to Christianity. Which is why, which is why the uh, which is the why heavy it. metaphors in in the Narnia Chronicles which are is why, so. Yeah. Yeah. Narnia is yes, about lying. Yes, we get it. Aslan is Jesus. C.S. Lewis was trying to give us the good news in that one. But but in this. Uh, in, especially in Catholicism, um, platonic friendship between men is is, and I know I'm just opening myself up to ten thousand. Oh, no. yeah, we're not going to yeah. do it. We're not going to do it. But no, just but legitimately, on. friendship is talked about in the Gospels quite a bit. Like the the role of friendship and and just like the power of friendship as a unique relationship that isn't a romantic love, that isn't something faith based, oh, yeah. but the, but just the spirit of friendship and fellowship. Oh, yeah. which Jesus is what had a twelve way bromance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, and, and eleven. I mean, really. There, there's like this, Judas. There's a <laughs> there's a sculpture of Jesus with uh, Paul, I think, and Paul's head is just slightly on his shoulder, and he's just kind of got his hand on his shoulder, uh-huh. like 
Hey, buddy. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, I was like, mentioning I you. you may have been preparing a delicious uh, meal at the time, but I was, I was bringing up the idea of the Sam as, as the, the, the officer's valet. Yep. Yeah. You know, that's, it's, it's almost like a marriage, except, you know, there's no sex unless yeah. you happen to both want that part, which I'm sure happened in some tents in World War One, because why not? But uh, not in necessarily that's the case. Yeah. Right. That weird thing. Um, and it just, again, it varies from culture to culture. I mean, people go to like the Middle East and go, everyone there's gay. The men are all holding hands. It's like, no, that's what they do in the Middle East. That's just what you do. That's yeah. not gay and if in the you, Middle East. If you and don't, as we all know, there are no gay men in the Middle East. Not, not for long. Uh, right Ahmadinejad now. told us that. No, but if you, if you, if you don't hold a hand, if someone yeah. offers a hand and you don't take it, that is a big insult. That's, yeah. like, that's like insulting their mother. Yeah. You know, uh, Ian McKellen actually in his commentary mentioned the scene that already passed when, when Sam comes running in to Frodo in the, in the bed. He, he grabs his hand. Ian McKellen specifically said, you know, it says in the book that when Sam comes into the room, he takes his hand. And Ian McKellen's justification for that is like, they're both straight. They probably won't naturally do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, literally, he literally told the, act, the, two, oh, yeah, the right. two guys. I have to tell them because, otherwise, tell them because they otherwise they won't touch each other. You yeah. Know, uh, so. yeah. But uh, so the scene that just went by with uh, Boromir, mm-hmm. that's a, I like the, um, the setup there because in the book um, – uh, Aragorn is carrying the shards of Narsil, or he's carrying the broken sword because yeah. it's only broken in two places as opposed to six, like yep. here. And he just like, I get, I totally get why they changed it because it's like written as a big dramatic thing where he pulls out like this totally fucked up sword, but everyone's like, oh shit, it's the fucking, <laughs> right. you know, it's that sword. But it's like, haha, I'm the hero, and he's got this busted sword that would not play. <laughs> so I see why they changed. Unless the everyone laughed. Like, yeah. It's kind of a scimitar yeah. now, but, you but know, I, whatever. But I, I like the setup of, of Boromir and how, because he just walked in here and th- it's that. It's sort of the stone kind of quality. That, it's like, oh, I, you're not the well, right dude. But, but not only that, but the it's way like. he disrespects the sword. Yeah, the important. sword is 3,000 years old. It's the sword that saved the world, and he's like, yeah. "Fucking hey, I totally yeah. deserve to pick this it's up." Literally like, it's literally like it's like going Declaration of Independence. Woo! Yeah, Woo-hoo! paper airplane. I'm gonna, yeah, exactly. this, I'm gonna pin this in my college dorm. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and it's like that. Is there that's Applebee's nearby. I got some push pins. They have a convert. You know, they have a conversation in the extended cut. He and Aragorn have a conversation before that happens, but in the theatrical cut, he just walks in and does that, and then realizes Aragorn is staring at him, <laughs> and he's like. Oh, I'm Zoinks. kind of an asshole, <laughs> uh, and I totally don't deserve to even be in the same room with this yeah. sword. And I've just realized that because but you're that's staring also, at me. But that's also leave. totally appropriate for Boromir, which is because great. Because yeah. because Boromir, you know, he's he, the family is he, he's from the family that are caretakers of the throne that don't want the king to come back. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're like, no, no, we we got this. We don't need the king. We we got Gondor needs no king. Yeah. <laughs> we're covered. We're cool. We just don't sit in the big white chair, but yeah. otherwise everything's under control. But they think of themselves as deserving, too, exactly. basically. So, they think so of, that's, that's a resentment issue. Yeah. Like, yeah, look at that fucking sword, that yeah. old dude. Yeah. But oh, I, hi. I think, I'm sure Boromir's, you know, he's grown up with the idea of, like, if someone if someone gave me this sword, I could totally be, you know, the fucking king. But just, you know, anyone, just some guy, we got to wait for the blood of Numenor to come back. I could do it if you gave me the <laughs> yeah, sword. And he's like, oh, whatever. I suck. Well, do we want to get into that whole aspect? The whole, like, there's a... Uh, and Tolkien was very much he 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 is a he was an anarchist. He called himself an anarchist, not in the you know Fight Club sense of the word, but right. in a, <clears throat> in, a po- in the political in the political sense of system. the like not he was not about the constitutional monarchy. He, right. he was he, he was about the more royalist monarchy. 
Yeah, the benevolent dictatorship. The, the benevolent dictatorship. And the, yeah. Well, and the idea that he was not really about democracy, at least in the sense right. that we we would assume most good people are. Right, and that's <laughs> yeah. well, that, well, and that's very clear. And and well, I, I, that comes back to the issue of faith as well, because if you believe that there's someone ordaining everything, then you can believe that well, that person has set up this line of people right. to take care at of. At the us. very top, there's somebody who deserves to be at the very top. Yes, exactly. And, and his and, family, no matter what, will make the right decision. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the only problem. With monarchy, yeah. yeah. And, and, and as again, long as the king's kid isn't crazy, it's fine. But if the king's son is nuts, then you're in trouble. And it goes back in what I was saying about I think you know, Song of Ice and Fire and Lord of the Rings book ending this century because it's it's you know as George R. R. Martin says, he's like, well, great, Aragorn's the king now. What does he know about crop rotation? What does he know about land dispute? <laughs> he's king and everything's just magically okay. Yeah. Like yeah. what? What about the first? But time? the tree has leaves again. Yeah, trees have leaves again. Wonderful. What happens? With, what? What, <laughs> what happens? It just happens to be spring, dumbass. Yeah. There is what, a, there's a standing again. building left in the entire yeah. continent. What, <laughs> what, what, like, what are you going to actually do? Like, yeah. what, what are your policies? Do the words like Marshall Plan mean anything yeah. to you? No, but sir, I mean there are things you have to do, and 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 benefiting one part of society usually comes at the detriment of another. And so how are you going to balance these very tricky things? Mm-hmm. Leadership is not necessary. You know, it can be earned or bestowed, but just the person who is sitting in the chair doesn't necessarily make for the best king. Mm-hmm. That is not how this world yeah. works. Right. <laughs> this world I've, works very differently from here. Maybe I've always loved this scene, by the way, where he stands up and gives the black speech speech, the whole, uh, you know, Akhnazder, Bachuluk and all that. Um, and hey, just, Jesus, just, man, just don't, don't say yeah. it. Just, yeah. <laughs> Wait, did you have an aneurysm? It, no, it only just, works on her, Trey. But just, oh, okay. but just, that El- one, now I know that. <laughs> just Elrond's expression, like, and how, cause it's literally, <laughs> yeah, it's so literally like, or something. Yeah, no, it's not even just that. It's like he, he walked into a meeting in like Harlem and said, like, he said the N word and worse things for like five minutes straight. <laughs> he, he wore the sign from Die Hard with a yeah, Vengeance. Just, just exactly. to make a point. Now, just, but he just was, to make a point. Exactly. That's what's going to happen That's, if you don't yeah. like Cory Booker. Exactly. And, yeah. and, but, but, hey, and the, Cory the Booker as- is awesome. I love Cory Booker. But, Cory but Booker is amazing. It's the aspect of where, I, I love just the, the little aspect of Elrond's performance where he's like, I know why he's doing this, and I can't get mad because he's right. <laughs> but, man, fucking don't do <laughs> yeah, that. <there's> still <laughs> just, we have a way we do things don't around do here. That. Just don't, not again it's like when that. you call your fr- friend's mom a whore. Like, she yeah. is, but just don't <laughs> yeah, say it. Say don't, it. Dude, don't pedal that shit if you can. Yeah. Now, now the girl who plays uh, the yeah. elf, burn a land of She's adorable. I have to say, I, I think she's she's kind of hot, really. I, th- I think he, uh, Orlando Bloom actually does. Re- rewatching it, I was like, he makes a really great Legolas. No, I think he's fine. I've never yeah. objected to him at all. In fact, I think it's my favorite role. I like him much better in this than yes. that pirate movie. I was going to say that. Actually, yeah. um, I agree. I'll and, have someone say after that, but go ahead. And this was his. This was actually his first movie. He like. I mean, you have to remember that he literally came from drama school. He yep. said, "You." New Zealand, 15 months, being a movie? Yeah, all right. Yeah, sure. You're kind of pretty. You going to do this? Yeah. I'll graduate right. later. You want a paycheck for 15 months in a row? Yeah. As we, an actor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. That's As fine. in anything? Sure. In this economy? Yeah. No, I think he does a great job. In I, I think um, what's, uh, what I, the performance that really fascinates me about Orlando Bloom, and we were going back to earlier about shooting, you know, Teague mentioned shooting multiple versions, never has a movie like that been more than Kingdom of Heaven. They were literally wow. shooting a gigantic plot changing device two two separate storylines i still need to see the full version the, the director's head. cut uh and they and they show it side by side of them shooting and and the poor editor i forget her name but she's literally she has like two projects open where she's toggling back and forth between the one where um evergreen has a son and where she doesn't <laughs> and the one where she doesn't <laughs> makes it to theaters and in the one that makes it to the theaters the guy orlando bloom kills in the very beginning 
isn't his brother, but in the <laughs> full version it is. Like, I mean, there's all yeah, these yeah. huge, huge shifting elements. And they knew they were going to have to do that based on what the audience and the studio were going to demand. Yeah. And that's and, and with something like Lord of the Rings, you're essentially you're just taking out, but you're not really changing the overall narrative. That was the only time I've ever yeah. seen where the narrative is being completely different. It's, like it's a, while so they had to cut a version of this. Well, there's a version with Sam and a version without yeah. Sam. Yeah. And instead of Sam, it's a funny talking robot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> exactly. completely it's completely different. By the way, there's a version where they go the to Mordor. There's no, the he, he just said it. He said one does not simply walk into Mordor. How did that take the better more than a decade to become a meme? To become a meme, <laughs> what what was the trigger? How did that happen? You know, honest to God, when I first saw that meme, and it's the picture of Sean Bean as yeah. Boromir, thought it was Game I thought Thrones. it was a Game of Thrones thing. Yeah. I totally did. And then I finally watched uh, Game of Thrones. Like, oh, is that? Oh, when does he say it? He doesn't say uh, it. Slightly yeah. spoilers, but has anybody seen that montage somebody cut together about all the times Sean Bean dies in movies? Yeah. Oh, it's, dude, I've heard of it. Seven minutes long. What, I don't even what, know what, it what is. does that have to do with Game of Thrones, Eddie? Nothing, Nothing. at all. Yeah. What? I, but I saw I saw someone apparently Sean Bean's in some new project, and people were like, he didn't even make it through the promo. <laughs> <laughs> they show him dying in the promo. <laughs> 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 it's just getting diminishing yeah. returns. The, the the production company title card is going to be him being beheaded. By the way, little uh, little hey, he sl- makes slip it here. to the end of Golden Eye. The the, uh, the, the reflections well, in the ring should be reversed death. from the way yeah. they are. Yeah. The reflections in the ring are actually wrong. Hope somebody lost their job. Hope somebody lost their job. This ain't your um, daddy's reflection. No, it's 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 totally it's on ring. purpose. It's the just, ring yeah. messing with you. But, uh, I'll make all your toilets flush backwards. That's the that's <laughs> that's the only place. And well, I, this is New Zealand. I'm surprised at how efficient it is and how how clean it is. That's the only place where you really get the sense, and I guess it's really on the nose. So you do, but this this race rivalry between yeah. elves and dwarves yeah. yeah when when you know gimli says well, other than other than the like actual direct rivalry relationship between gimli but and that, Legolas. but that's a friendly rivalry by that point. it turns it into becomes it. friendly it becomes, it's but it's not, it's not, not the beginning. Start or yeah. or let's just be frank italians and french <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what it's really <laughs> it's about it, it, but it, there now. it really changes and we'll get to it it, it changes in lothlorien and and you see more of that in uh the extended edition wait don't you mean let let's be frank well that's, really oh. well, that's what I. That's what I. One of the things is, that helps about having established a huge mythology is because you know Tolkien can actually tell you. Well, see, the thing with elves and men is four thousand years ago, men kind of fucked over the elves, right? Uh, and that <laughs> didn't, dwarves, you know, they, yeah. They had well, the, the elves and men have a don't have a you know love. They, they used true. to be allies, but now the elves are like, no, you got this one on your own. We're yeah. not, we're not going to help anymore. We're done. If that's how you have to be, <laughs> that's not how we're not doing this anymore. So the, yeah, the fact that these races and that's again the hobbits are we don't the hobbits are we don't mess with nobody and hopefully nobody messes with us and that's it. We're out. We're out of all that shit. Right. We don't do that shit. And the eagles are like, we're just going to be up in the mountain, and you guys do whatever the fuck all. And the answer, y'all look great from up here. And the answer, like, leave the trees alone, and we're cool, bro. And yeah. you know, that's and that's <laughs> yeah. you know, and all these races are like, you know, they're not in harmony at all. You know that they they have these alliances that have been forming and breaking for thousands right. of years. In fact, the battle in the prologue, the battle that we see um, in the opening of this movie. The name for that in Tolkien's mythology is the Last Alliance because yeah. men and elves have never yeah. in the last three thousand years since then yeah, they so have they, never al- it, okay one last together. time but that is it man. yeah we are coming too we are Which, coming too yeah, just change uh, moment let's uh, we have know, made it to the halfway point we can we can we can talk about our our favorite shifting geopolitical alliances and the, the analogs <laughs> of the real world and, sure. and where I continue my oh really I was just going to say Pippin's cute get into the yeah. cool stuff when I leave <laughs> yeah. yeah but no I mean you know this I mean Tolkien like many writers of his day was influenced by World War One. And as I, I think I said on uh, another one, World War One up until that point was the most disgusting, bloody. It was the Great War. Mm-hmm. It was it was the you know on a level that so we, great where we realized <laughs> so 
My favorite, okay. usually. We got, we got to just hey! one there. So here's what we're going to do. Gonna There's going this one. Hold that thought. There's going to be six of these. This was one. We're about to wrap this up. So pop in your other disc, and we'll do an unpause literally at the start of the disc. What's the best way to yeah, do this? Yeah, basically it just, starts just at the start. We're going to say press play at three, two, First one, unpause. So then, have that other thing ready and just go yeah. to the very beginning of the disc we'll, and, and hold we, there. We'll probably be a couple of seconds off sync as they uh, as they load up. You know, yours will load different than ours. My fellowship, we have arrived at one-sixth of our journey. That puts us past Bree and into somewhere else. We're about to start the fellowship. We're about to start the fellowship. Let's go for a stroll. That... Act one. Please flip tape over to listen to the continuation. <laughs> yes, <it's laughs> over. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna walk over there. Uh, we'll meet you again in Fellowship Part Two. Please flip to the second side of your long plane record. <laughs> Fantastic. Down in front, ladies and Okay. Hi everyone, we're back for Part Two of the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, Teague is busy getting his drink on. In the <laughs> background, <laughs> so I'm introing here. Um, basically, just put your disc in. There's, it just goes right into it. So put your second disc in, start it playing, and pause it immediately. That's where we are. So you know we may be a little off sync, but whatever. Um, so here we go. It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't. <laughs> here we go. Who cares? Fellowship Part Two. Three, two, one. On pause. Eddie, you were saying. I was saying, and I was kind of discussing with Brian over the break, but I, you know, th- the reason why I, I draw such a parallel to um, Song of Ice and Fire by George R. R. Martin and Lord of the Rings by by uh, uh, um, Jared Tolkien, Tolkien uh, not just the so fact many that R's. They, not just the <laughs> fact that there's four R's between the two of them, but I really do feel like they bookend our society in sort of the last century and and sort of our outlook. I think coming out of World War II, which is when Lord of the Rings was written, we were. At the, we were at the bottom looking up. We had just finished this giant great war where this great inc- evil had been vanquished, and we were looking up to the idea of a better society, of a brighter tomorrow. And I feel like uh, you know, Game of Thrones, the first book, came out in 96. It was sort of pre-9-11, but it was still in this weird pre-millennial tension time where we realized, yeah, okay, any, at any moment something really bad could happen. And I felt like I think we were, there was a, a general idea in the '90s of like w- what we have right now is really kind of unsustainable. It, it's too good to last. Yeah. We all sort of knew that. We didn't want to admit it, but it was. It started off okay, but then it got bad really, really quick. And I think we found ourselves as a, as Western society and as a world in general at the top, looking down and going, you know what? We're not going to be up here for a while again. And I think at, we have to get back down to reality and sort of dig. We're we're gonna fall for a while, and before we hit bottom, and when we do, we got a long road back up, and it's not gonna be easy. And I I feel like if you trace the narratives of both of those literary works, and and both also the you know the media that expressed them, either feature film or long form television, um, it, it conveys that sediment and conveys that tone. And I think that's as any good literary work reflective of sort of what's happening in the world at the time, and sort of crystallizes in in one brief moment where the world is at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the comparison I was. Uh, we were discussing over the break is I think there's you could draw a parallel there you could kind of port that same oh, uh, here comes be- scary Bilbo by the oh, way oh yeah Just vampire yeah. Bilbo yeah. Uh, you could port that same kind of uh, perspective into the science fiction and look, taking a look at the different science fiction between the 1950s and the 60s and the science fiction we have now in the sense of I oh. look at it and I frame it as in terms of what's that go ahead I, I frame it in terms of whether it's progressive or regressive if you look at the, a lot of the science fiction in the 50s and 60s but you know Star Trek, but also a lot of other things. A lot of it is utopian or very or data yearsed still. It's it's like okay, it's progressive in the sense that at the at the bottom of it, it's like okay, tomorrow is going to be better than today. 
Mm. And tomorrow will be a little bit better, and tomorrow after that will be a little bit better. And if you look at a lot of science fiction today, it's regressive in the sense that no, tomorrow's going to be shittier than today. Right. It's all it, there's yeah. a lot it's of dystopian. post-apocalyptic dystopian. Post-apocalyptic, yeah. yeah. Well, well, the the you know another way to put that is with with science fiction, it's like here's where at the time we thought we were going. Right. Here's where right. our heads were at about right. the future. So. Um, whereas yeah, it's you know, just kind of a projection of the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. exactly An what extrapolation. Is that's like, exactly what sci-fi is. By the way, Ryan Weaver. Hi, Ryan Weaver. You know, that's, that's it's a good discussion to have, but I don't want to shortchange this moment. That, is, in my opinion, like that is the some of the best acting Ian Holm has ever done. That is just crushingly sad. Where he, where oh, he yeah. weeps for what he feels he's done. Not just that, but the build up all to that, the quivering chin at seeing it, you can see the temptation building in his eyes. He uh-huh. does so much with so little there in terms of in terms of screen real estate. Oh, yeah. He in that moment he understands what the ring has done to him. Even in, in it's just limited exposure in his life, and he, it's like he just kept it in a drawer for right. twenty years, and it's well, he kept it on him. He well, kept it yeah, on him. but in, you know, in a, in a story sense, he didn't even right. really do anything with it, and it's already turned this guy that we already like, and we, you know, we've already come to like, and it's turned him into that, and it's like, okay, well, now we know we have Frodo, and Frodo has right. to go on a journey and take it to the Lion's Den with it. Well, and, and what is that going to do to him? That's why, and, and that's what what Bilbo, and he, and he can't stop himself. Yeah, yeah. that's well, I, that's what I, I think. That's certainly what Bilbo is why he he breaks down there it's not it's not because of what it did to him it's because of what it's, what going, it's going to, to do, do for Frodo. Him. And, that, yeah. and that line i'm sorry for everything yeah, yeah. everything that's about to happen yeah. every and everything that's, that's happened everything that is happening and most of all everything that is going to happen yeah which is a much more dramatic because in the uh, in the book it's funny that people talk about it being very heavy because in the book it's kind of lighthearted. At yeah. Almost. I mean that that moment they talk about a shadow passing over his face. It's not like a rah, like it not is the, the vampire movie. thing. Yeah. Uh, but um, there's there's a moment where uh, Frodo almost feels like he can see Gollum in in right. in right. Bilbo. Um, and uh, but at the Council of Rivendell or the Council of Elrond, Bilbo's there, and uh, uh, Gandalf Gandalf is talking about you know oh someone has to do this someone who who doesn't re- desire power and stuff like that. And Bilbo stands up. He's like, all right, I get it. I get you talking about me. I started this. I'll finish it. Where am I going? Thank you and, very uh, much, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. But, and Gandalf's like, all right. <sighs> but, but, and, and here's, here's a, a hint of the kind of character and the person that Gandalf is. He's like, if you had actually started this, you'd totally be on the hook right now. Right. But fortunately for you, this started way before you shoot, showed up on the scene. Really quickly, so. this shot here, this over the this was the very first footage that they released online. Yeah. Well, uh, this back, was like the end of the teaser trailer. Yeah. It, well, no, well, no, but before that, it was a, it was a web exclusive on the uh. OneRing.net. And that was the first time there have been some leaked set photos and whatnot. But the first time you saw all of the fellowship in once was they, they showed that slow motion over the hill shot. And that, I mean, I'd say the discussion was like 80% positive, 20% like... Mm. 20% internet? Yeah, 20% (laughs) internet. But I remember looking at that going, oh, man. That was what actually prompted me to reread it again. Because I'm like, is it just me or is that pretty much how everyone I envisioned it? Because for me, that's exactly what I saw. There are a few of the early um, artist renderings from books in like the 60s and 70s, the the editions that came out then. They draw uh, Strider as more of... Like almost like a Robin Hood type character mm. because they think Ranger, they think Foresty, and the Errol Flynn sort of influence over that swashbuckly. Oh, in in the Bakshi, uh, yeah, the Bakshi adaptation, version. he's totally like that. He's totally yeah, he's much more that. Yeah. Whereas this he's, one, he's is, like half Robin Hood, half Prince Valiant. In, exactly, in and 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 <laughs> Boromir is much more of a knight. Boromir yeah. is much more of like I'm wearing plate and all this other stuff. This this is more like okay, what would an actual you know Ranger wear in this yeah. sort of environment? Like he he wears he wears I think boiled leather, a little bit of hard chain, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. You know, 
And that, that, that even that's a good scene where, uh, well, first of all, it establishes Boromir as not a complete asshole. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's his own save the cat. Yeah, that's save the little, Hobbit scene. That's a save the save the cat moment because you've got to you've got to care when he dies later. Yeah. Because all, for the rest of this, all we see is his temptation by the ring. And, and yeah, and affecting. you have to know that the temptation is. You have to sympathize with him despite the temptation. You go, oh, I feel so bad for him because he's trying to help himself and he can't. Yeah. Because I, I already know, I'm already on board with the fact that he's a good person. Right. But he has this terrible temptation right, as opposed right. to just be like, because oh, he's he, an asshole because he wants this And because thing. he cares about, as he says constantly, he cares so much about his people. He cares about his land. He cares about Gondor because he thinks of himself really as the prince of Gondor. Right. Not the, you know, not the next steward in line. Um, he's he's very much the the hero of his own story. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And he, you know, but you the, can tell. Like I said, he, you can tell he's dreamed of being the one to hold up the reforged Narsil. You can tell that yeah. he's he wants more than anything to take that ring, and and he wants to use it to protect Gondor. It's right. exactly what what uh, Gandalf said. He's like, listen, if I took that ring and used it, I would use it to try and do and good, do good, but. I wouldn't be able to. It would twist right. me. Yeah. It, would, it would find a way. Yeah, it'll find a way to, uh, you know, get it. And, and, oh, this this ring coming up for the close up yeah. is like a foot in diameter, <laughs> right. basically, to be able to get this uh, this close up. But uh, <laughs> the, that, you know, that, I never like it. Never popped out as me, as, but watching it just now, as you're saying, <laughs> I'm wow, like, that's huge. wow, that's a huge ring. <laughs> that's like a ch- that's like a, a tire chain. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but you know, the, it's sort of the big debate, certainly amongst you know Tolkien readers, is that you know, is is the ring simply a reflection of your own sin, or is it is it does it corrupt you, or does it merely bring out your own inherent evil? Mm. That's sort well, of like the, the movie is at least as portrayed as like clearly having its own malicious absolutely, intention. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I, I felt like in the book, it's clearly a corruptive effect. It, it's definitely a corruptive effect. I, but is, it's, isn't it, it even more personified in the book? I may be misremembering. I but. don't. I don't, but, uh, but, but, but it, it works to a certain from the inside degree, out. True because yeah, it'll it works it'll, it'll, it'll find out. what's in you and, 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 and just and just bring it to the surface. It'll yeah. boil it up. And now, then it but just, it's, it it's, a, it's a fact that it the the way because I guess it does because when Frodo puts it on, there are elements where it's like there's a voice in his head that he recognizes is not yes. his own. Right. when yes. he puts it on. But and, also, and it's the, and the idea is that that the, the, is the voice of the ring fulfilling its own agenda. It's Satan. Yes. Yeah. Let's just let's just put it out. It's it's, yeah. it's very clear the, the Lucifer this is, analogy, this is, which is yes. amazing, extraordinary you know. yeah. model shot. Yeah, I wish they'd make a ride film of this. Lucifer <laughs> doesn't. Lucifer doesn't possess you and and make you do bad things. It's the idea that he pushes you in that direction, and then until you're right. you gain so much momentum, you can't. He, stop. Well, he convinces you it's what you want. Exactly. Yeah. You know. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world he doesn't exist. Yeah, that's the that's yeah. the exactly. And uh, the the ring is, I I like what they did with the voice of the ring. The way they per, the the way they Whispers. made that in the yeah. in the movie, um, having it whisper, being able to hear. Here's a great touch I didn't notice until maybe my fifth or sixth viewing. But Legolas, Legolas is walking on top, on top of, of the snow. snow. Yeah, and that's and that's straight from the book. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's one what? of the things. Their 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 bones are <laughs> hollow like birds, and the body <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's that's that's elven yeah. physiology. Like they they are very light. And it, it, like like we were talking about before with Arwen, it's just they have that you know kind of uh, symbiosis Connection with the with, with nature that. You know, how he, annoying would that be if you're an elf and you're like, come on, people, Jesus, come on, yeah. it's just snow, just snow for what God. Are you guys cold or something? That's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I mean, but like elves are, yeah, elves have a lot going on, and, and I mean, they there is legitimate supernatural stuff going on here. Certainly, the elves are part magic, part supernatural. Yeah. So it's you know, it's not just that they have hollow bones; it's that they have magic. Yeah, there's magic. Um, 
But hey, uh, so like uh, Gandalf's a wizard, right? Uh-huh. Can he not do stuff to like help him through this? Well, that's that's thing? that's the question that comes up because yeah, there are moments where Gandalf clearly does have magic. The right. one that uh, was it in the forum, uh, somebody mentioned it was like when he comes back, he makes their their swords right. uh, hot and throws and basically uses the force to throw them out of their hands. Why doesn't he use that no. more often? Well, that, that feels, well, that feels more it's useful. Always, it's always kind of inferred that Gandalf, as a wizard in terms of his order, he's not the most powerful of his order. He's, right. He's, he's, he's spent too much time fucking around well, before us. He, so, well, well Gandalf the Gray is not. No, Gandalf, Gandalf the, the White, White that's what I'm saying. He, ha- so, yeah. he has to essentially die and therefore right. level up. Yeah, uh, exactly. To, uh, to, he's, he's like level 60 He right has to now. use one of the he's, green this mushrooms. Is, this is also tricky because um, in the... In the movie, it's Saruman acting against them, and it looked like you know you see Gandalf. There may have been a cutscene or something. You see him on the yeah, you know in front, like back. he's okay. trying to fight back. So that makes uh, more sense they don't actually, because then it's like it's it's you know it's a battle of elements with yeah. wizards. So yeah. it, it's not just like hey, I'm going to make the snow not fall on us. Yeah, right. Be, yeah, they're, he's they're, he's they're fighting not... against Saruman, and I, they didn't they don't emphasize it, and it's but it's probably still a better way to go because in the book it's just the mountain. <laughs> The mountain has a a mind of its own and is stopping them because the mountain is is on the side of evil. Yeah, um, I I like this device of having having Saruman just just on his own and he's not even necessarily doing this right now because he's on top of could have been whatever. The, you know, he's on yeah. top of the tower doing trollolo right now. Um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the. Uh, uh, but just the fact that he's sitting there just sort of like, yeah, fuck you, reading through it, the book, is like, this is what you're going to be dealing with. Oh, that's <laughs> going to be a great day. It's, it's, like, it's an unreliable narrator, but a narrator that is actively out to get you, right. which is a really interesting antagonistic but, force. Yeah. He's not wrong, and that's what makes no, it yeah. so yeah. much great. Is that he's, he's, just, yeah. he's just taking such delight in, like, you have no choice but to deal with this, and we both know it, and it's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. And so Gandalf's just like, fuck my life. You think yeah. in that <laughs> moment right there, like, Gandalf, like, knew that what was going to happen in the mines. He knew there was oh, a yeah, solid cause chance. Oh, yeah, because there's that nice that yeah. shot that kind of sits on his expression for yeah. a while. He's like, Fuck. He didn't want to... He Well, I don't know if he necessarily knows what... Explicitly. Yeah. He just knew there was he bad knew stuff. The he knew, he knew, just like uh, Saruman, you know, flipping through the book, he knows the Balrog's down there. Like, mm-hmm. nobody else... Uh, 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 Gimli doesn't know what's gone yeah. down in Moria. Yeah. Uh, Gandalf knows what what went down, and he just doesn't want to tell anybody. I and he would rather that, yeah. not not go not through. Freak him out, you know. it, he doesn't it, want to freak him out, but it, but that's why he's like, "How about we do not Moria? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that Whatever. is, let's do that." So so eagles, is, no, no eagles, all right. Is, yeah. is the idea then that you know he acknowledges that Moria is the way they have to go? So he's like, "Well, we have to do it." So I. I'm not going to tell them about the Balrog because I'm just going to f- make them panic yeah. and make it worse. Let's hope that we can get through without it being too awful. I, I think he's trying to, yeah, I think he's trying to, like, he's like, we got a shot at this not fucking up. Like, yeah. we've, we've got a small right. shot of this going over. There is no reason for me to, s- and uh, so I'm he's sure- holding on to this, like, glimmer of hope that maybe we'll get through yeah. and we won't even yeah. see the we Balrog. We won't see anything. We won't see go- the goblins. We won't see the Balrog. We won't see we'll any just of it. We'll sneak on through. And, and to be honest, you know, if you're Gandalf, you're like, what? What they're gonna prepare for the Balrog? <laughs> yeah. No, like why am I gonna tell them that and make them scared? Espe- well, especially if it's like, all right, that is clearly the only path we have left. I don't want to do it, and if I tell them why, they don't want to do it. Right. <laughs> but I'm gonna leave it up to them. 
I've always loved both in the book and this how the ancient magic uh, that is the mystery of the door is essentially a pun. Oh yeah, it's, it's a little riddle. <laughs> it's a little. Ah, well, it's, it's a very. It's, it's it's more simpler. Yeah. It's simpler than you would expect and it to be. Yeah. And it's also funnier in the book. Because Your password's Gandalf, one two three four. Yeah, Gandalf's Gandalf's frustration <laughs> is even more so in the book because he's trying to. He's being dramatic and he's doing the and whatever. And after a certain point, it literally says he just whacks the door a couple <laughs> times with his stick <laughs> and throws it away and sits down all pouty. It's actually. Exactly, it's actually exactly what I did with your wireless password this morning because <laughs> your roommate told me what it was and Alex was like, "Oh, so it, so it's this." It was like a certain prime sequence. He's like, "No, no, no, it's just that." I was like, "Oh, that's a lot simpler than what I was going for." <laughs> I was watching this yesterday um, because I'm a masochist, and even though I won't be talking much because I don't actually know that much about Lord of the Rings, I did watch the entire thing yesterday just to re- refresh. And I was watching this. I did not remember this scene. Obviously, I never read the books because I'm not going to read that shit. But <laughs> yeah. I, I no. hadn't seen the books. Movie. Am I right? I think Two Towers <laughs> is the one I've seen the least amount of times because I watch Fellowship when I want to get into Lord of the Rings for like I want to you know I'm in the Lord of the Rings mood tonight. I'm going to watch Fellowship or I watch Return of the King if I want to watch some epic shit, right? But I never really pop in Two Towers that often, and I had not seen this scene in five or six years, so I did not remember how it plays out or anything like that. This you you, you realize we're still watching Fellowship, right? Is this still Fellowship? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> What is happening? Are okay. You... In any case. Anyway. We haven't even <laughs> made the orchard. Your, your point being. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, let's augment my point. I never pop in the second disc. Okay. <laughs> ah, okay. Fair enough. Because <laughs> I can knock out all of the Lord. I, I, I can get my jollies on one two-hour chunk of Lord of the Rings, right? Okay. So I don't see this bit very often. I'm watching it yesterday, and he's doing the thing, and I'm like, just say friend in Elvish. It's written in Elvish. It says say friend. And the whole time I'm like, if that's the twist, this is going to be fucking lame. <laughs> and, of course, that's the twist. So I'm watching yeah. the entire, like, I don't know. It does seem a little basically obvious. For what I'm, what I'm getting at is for a first-time viewer, more or less, someone who is watching a scene for something that they don't remember at all, I'm watching the scene going, the answer is going to be, say, friend in Elvish. And I'm like, why haven't you tried that yet? I don't know. And that's just, maybe they oversold it a little bit. Well, but, aren't you so smart? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not my point. I, I, no, my point I saw, is, I saw point it coming, just, too. I saw it coming, too. We the all did. The actual that's point the is that I'm a, re- a retarded person, yeah. and if I saw that coming, it might have been a, a slightly mishandled. By the way, well, we, got, we got to pour that, one out for Bill because they yeah. just say goodbye to Bill the Pony. Oh, they say goodbye to Bill the Pony. <laughs> and actually, and Bill the Pony is literally the Save the Cat of the movie because Bill the Pony, that scene of Bill the Pony was a specific New Land request, like, they can't. Do they just leave the horse? What happens yeah. to the horse? Yeah. They can't take the horse in the mine. So what happens to the horse? So they actually added that line. Like he knows his way home. It's been ten thousand miles. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, just going to walk home now. That's, that's the like, deal. That's like, <laughs> that's like riding a horse to Florida and saying, "See you in Washington." Yeah. Yeah, he knows how to get home. But actually, in, in the books, they do just let him go. They're like, "Good luck, man." And then they totally find him in Bree when they get back there. <laughs> yeah. Which oh, you know what? I gotta say, good horse. That's yeah. how Skyrim works. Yeah. I, I've gotten off a stolen horse. That motherfucker has run all the way back to White Run. <laughs> And he's there when I get back. Yeah. I, I there was a you can find plenty of critiques on on the Lord of the Rings movies and their comparisons to uh you know the books and stuff like that. And I read one that was like just you know oh the movies aren't the books so fuck it and blah blah blah. But I did they did have a couple of points that I uh, agreed with and kind of was like oh that could have been. And one of them was this the the Mines of Moria here. It's like there's all these corpses strewn around and there's clear evidence of a battle. So first of all, Gimli is retarded that he didn't see that as he's walking in. He's like, we're going to have a great party and blah, blah, blah. And then he's all shocked when there's these bodies that everybody saw. Um, And the, as it is in the books and what might have been more interesting is like he's talking up, oh, it's this great city and it's, you know, you know, it's this fucking dwarven city that never sleeps basically and stuff like that. And then they walk in and it's just silent and dark yeah, and it's, and it's like, a tomb. 
And as it's, well, well, Boromir says. But but you don't even have to see no no bodies or anything, no evidence that anything happened. No, no, but what what, what I mean was Boromir walks into the servants entrance. I don't think you expect <laughs> yeah. to see but, you know, but the going on yet. They they just the idea that it's like this party city or whatever yeah. and then they walk in and it's totally silent. The what the article said was like imagine Hitchcock's version of the Minds of Moria sequence. And I'm mm. like that could have been pretty cool <laughs> actually. Yeah. If they'd walked in and they're like I don't know what the fuck is going on here, but this is not the way Moria is. It's <laughs> like, like the ending of the birds. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then more of a shocking like reveal. Like, let me just light up my staff. Oh, God. Yeah, Oh, exactly. shit. Oh, nuts. Well, I, I would give them props because they do say it's it's a four-day walk to yeah. get through Moria. So Moria's big. Yeah. So I think there can be some dark corners of Moria that you don't expect to be lively all the time. You know, there's some places in Burning Man that get pretty quiet. <laughs> yeah, if you go out, if you sure, the edge of the circle, you can find it. I'm sure somewhere there's a very quiet and secluded, cozy spot in Las Vegas. Is. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hey, there's, there's, there's one. My yeah. favorite corner of Coachella where there's like, you kind of hear a little yeah, bit of Yeah, there's one the and you take a number in yeah. Vegas. <laughs> Who wants to go to the quiet place? We used to call that the Westward Ho until they bro- they closed it down, but yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's his his line where he he knows what's going on. He's like, yeah. "There are older and fouler things yeah, than yeah, orcs. We're, <laughs> we're pretty much screwed now." Yeah, yep. I've always liked it. Hey, my sticks a flashlight, by the way. I just want to point that yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. Apparently, that's right. Gandalf really is like the Swiss Army wizard. You know, his staff does does give light. I like that the fact that they justified it. But let me just put in my my. Thank God I bought the attachment. That, yeah. Uh, me, me, me and the my USB bu- port that goes there. Me and my buddy who also plays Warcraft, where we were drunk one night, we were talking, and we're kind of like, yeah, it's not that Gandalf's <laughs> not powerful. It's just that he hasn't specced yet. He hasn't, he really, like, he he hasn't has chosen some, a special. He needs to get yet. some gems in there. Yeah, yeah. He, he, hasn't, <laughs> uh, he has no enchants. He's just like, dude, he's you, just, have, you don't, can't even get a lava coral in there? Come on, <laughs> something. What's your I, resilience, man? I'm not even taking you on this on this dungeon if you don't have your resilience. I mean, forget it. Do you like football, Mike? <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll start throwing out words like Valinor and shit. <laughs> well, I, that's I will other, come at you. Totally I throw love, it one thing I've always loved about Tolkien <laughs> is that everything has a name. Every yeah. sword, yeah, every, every piece every, of clothing. This, every, this is my left shoe. His name is Frank. Yeah, my so right shoe is Steve. They hate each other, by the way. So don't bring it up. <laughs> I actually had a replica of Glamdring, which is Gandalf's sword. I actually yeah. had that in my home for quite. I some know time. what Glamdring is. I yes. know. So that was the one thing my ex took when we I even when know she moved out. <laughs> so she took I'm like, you bitch. I know that, yeah. Now, actually, well, weirdly enough, you mentioned Warcraft. A Mithril shows up in Warcraft because mm-hmm. Mithril oh, yeah, has but, become such a well, universal sort of that's, part, that, of, the, part that's, of the shared universe. Well, so that's the orcs. Orcs, too? The lineage of fantasy goes like this. Lord of the Rings, <laughs> then Gary Gygax with Dungeons & Dragons. He incorporated orcs and Mithril and all this other shit. And then every other fantasy game yeah. ever. Island of Kesmai. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, well, I mean, Warcraft is blatantly ripping off a healthy mixtures of Tolkien, Lovecraft, and uh, and some other fantasy tropes. Uh, even even and some sci-fi even, gets uh, in some there. Sci-fi, even even uh, Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Horn of Winter. There's yeah. like well, there's, there's references these... too. Right? The great thing yeah. about Warcraft uh, is the references. There's a there's a Lebowski reference in, oh, yeah. in World of Warcraft and a whole but, bunch of Firefly references. Yeah, but the point is is that all of modern fantasy essentially stems directly from from this, from mm, what you're yeah. seeing. You are seeing this is the John Carter of fantasy. So, and yet, so, and yet. It stands on its own as not yeah. feeling derivative. Not at all. So, yeah, t- at all. so Tolkien did, you know, achieve what he really set out to do, which is create a mythology. Yeah, of course. That then became a shared mythology. That's yeah. it. That's actually a a good and interesting point in the sense that what was it? What were we talking about? Where it's like it's, I guess the Requiem for a Dream music, or or you know, talking about like Godfather or something, where it's like, okay, that's that was really really revolutionary for its time it feels like a cliche now after the fact right because people keep doing it because yeah. we're now you know or blade runner it's it's the blade runner they're like yeah 
Blade Runner so feels like a cliche because we're 50 years or you know 30 years after the fact or whatever it is. But Lord of the Rings doesn't suffer from that. Lord of the Rings yeah. is the the foundation of all of that, but it doesn't s- still even you know 70 or 80 years later doesn't feel like a cliche even now that we're on the other side of this entire genre that it spawned in the first place. Mm-hmm. Although it's, it hasn't really spawned that much of a genre and a lot of the examples that people, Gollum people, cameo. people try to do the yeah it's like wait who's that that's supposed to be Gollum no mm. way he's look he's, he's black for heaven's sake yeah the um, he's been crawling through the dirt I mean it? how many other examples of successful true fantasy movies have we even had yeah it's not exactly people tried but it's not like yeah. the floodgates open oh well I, I wasn't referring to fantasy movies or fantasy yeah. genre fantasy genre as, genre. as, yeah, as yeah, novels yeah. Yeah. obviously there's a huge, Narnia thr- is a huge in, thing in books yeah. and in books and so on it's Dragon a huge thriving thing yeah but it's interesting that in movies. You know, it's like every time someone tries, like, you know, Golden Compass. No. OK, yeah, never mind. Yeah. I guess we won't do two more of those then. Uh, <laughs> and that was New Line. That, I think that what isn't that what did destroy New Line ultimately? I, I, was I part of it, yeah. Um, that's a big close up of a fake nose. And boy, it's holding up. Yeah. I, I'm really <laughs> surprised at how well the prosthetics like yeah. you, you forget, can barely see the seam. Yeah. You forget yeah. you he's wearing a fake it. nose. You forget uh, uh, Christopher Lee <clears throat> is wearing a fake nose. Uh the the makeup yeah. on Gimli is great, although his allergic reaction does yeah. show up in some of the shots. Yeah, certainly. sometimes he's got like colossal swellings. Yeah, my, that's really my that's my favorite up. of the source materials when everybody gets their their wrap gifts and everything. And, and Jonathan Dav- Jonathan Rice Davies gets his prosthetic face. He grabs it immediately, walks <laughs> yeah. it over to the fire, and dumps yeah. it in. He I think Jonathan Davies so hard. I think I really think that you know Viggo Mortensen, you know Viggo Mortensen broke his toe, and 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 uh, you know and everyone everyone got injured and all that. But v- John Rice Davies, I think. Suffered the most. I Daily would agony. Say. Daily agony. Yeah, he 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 would had an allergic reaction to the makeup. He's also weirdly enough of the actual actors. He's the tallest. Yeah, <laughs> he's the tallest of all the actual actors in real life. Um, and you know, so he has to do his entire role basically sitting on an apple box. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, and you know, half the time it's not even him. It's a it's it's a little person doubling for him. And, Who is and, awesome with an axe. Who really add. does a really good job. A really yeah. excellent job. Um, and takes some serious falls too. Yeah, like he it, takes some bumps. He's an actual, I the, the, his stunt double is an actual stunt guy. When we get more, into, when we get more into the the battley stuff, I'll <laughs> talk more about the stunts because the stunt work is oh, yeah. top notch in yeah. this one. And it's I gotta amazing. say, I gotta say, the people of uh, New Zealand have a a lot of the Polynesian islands have a really underrated stunt crew. I gotta yeah. say, and I've, I, I I say this from personal experience because my old religion professor was the president of the Hawaii Stunt Association, still is. And, uh, sen- oh, yeah, there's Bob, a sentence. Know, Bob. There's a sentence you don't hear very often. No, yeah. You want to know his real name? Huh. Achilles. Nice. <laughs> his real name is Achilles. He was Terry O'Quinn's stunt double on Lost. And, he, uh, uh, and yeah, he's the president of the Hawaii Stunt Association. All the Australia, Thailand, um, New Zealand, Hawaii, even in places like Guam, they have a really strong stunt community, and it's uh, and and well, I that's get where this. Uh, Zoe Bell came from. Well, exactly. Yeah. This, this, this era right now was like the golden age of being a stunt person in New Zealand because Xena was still in production too. Yep. So yeah. it's like if you didn't get Xena that week, you just go over to Lord of the Rings yep. and they'll make an orc out of you or something. Yeah, totally. You know. So it's like, and if, if you look at the guy who played the the guy under the armor for Sauron. He's a gigantic motherfucker. He's like yeah, this, yeah. he looks like Tana Umaga from the All Blacks. He's well, just like this big. Well, the guy, Hulk the guy man. who plays the lead uh, Urukai. He was the guy who was yeah. Sauron. Is, he was also sorry. He's the same guy. Yeah. yeah, he's a monster. Yeah, he's yeah. a freaking monster. He played. He played. He played most of the main villains because he played. Yeah, because he, he was just so damn big. That's he the was, same guy we're speaking of. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was uh, Lawrence Maorki or something. Yeah. Uh, he was. He was Sauron. He was. Uh, he was uh, uh, he was uh, Lurtz. 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 Yeah. He was the he's the Witch King, and yep. he was Gothmog. He yeah. was all four of them. Yeah. So. and it makes sense because that guy can, can move. <laughs> yeah, 
Which one's Lurtz? And he's large. Lurtz is like the, the leader Akai. He's the leader Akai at the end of oh, uh, this movie. He's got the yeah, white so. hand across his face yeah. when he kills Who, uh, who was not like, Boromir. he was not a character in the book. They just needed to put a face to the Akai and like yeah. Yeah. kind of have a centralized. They needed someone because, yeah. because and by the way, Sauron what was an eye. Sauron yeah. was an eye and Saruman was an old dude in a tower. Both yeah. of them in towers. And the Witch King right. was like, you know, a helmet and a yeah. cloak. So it's like, yeah. He doesn't really get badass until the very end of Return of the King. I'd say out of all of the prosthetics and all of the makeup work, I would say... I'm most impressed by the Urukai. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just insane yeah, amount of work that we, always holds up. We pass it, but the birthing of the Urukai uh, yeah. is so, so disgusting. disgustingly awesome. It's it's just it's like I said, it's just they're in this embryonic sack born yeah. from the earth. It's a really good interpretation that I like. Interesting that Teague earlier mentioned that his favorite uh, of the trilogy is is uh, t- is the Return of the King. My favorite of the trilogy is Two Towers. I'm with you, largely on that. because I think Helm's so too. Deep, yeah, even though the the final battle in Return of the King is amazing and I love it, but I think the Helm's Deep is even more intense. But um, which is weird because having watched them all recently, I'm struck by the fact that this this movie comparatively has almost no action to it. But yeah, yeah. Really yeah. But I'm just saying that because we're about to have what the biggest action scene of the movie is about to happen. And it's a hella good one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's an amazing one where it's like, even, even there is like, they have taken the whole, let's fight a digital character to a level that was like, I've never oh, seen no anyone do it like this before. This is amazing. You there know? was, a, there was Harryhausen a... lived to see that scene. That's yeah, I, think, I know, right? <laughs> you know, it's I like, know. God damn. I think God damn. for me, I think uh, two towers is my favorite as well. For me, it's, it's, it's like The Empire Strikes Back of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, oh, certainly. But I, I, as I already said, I that think... That was totally a joke, by the way. I think this one, I think this one I, is... I, I, I'm, I'm I would agree totally with serious. it, though. Um, I, 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 like I said, I think I like this one just because of the high wire act feel that yeah. it has and the, yeah. that weird energy. So Weird um, energy is a good way to put it because, yeah. like, it's there's a really great article Harry Knowles wrote on his like seventh theatrical viewing of Lord of Fellowship, but he, shut up Harry Knowles. Get out of the Harry Knowles yeah. eventually. Anyway. He, he, he he had a really good thing. He wrote this one specific thing. He'd already done a few reviews, but he went to the theater and he was next to a father with his three or four year old daughter, and she, he watched her reaction to everything on screen uh. pretty much. And it, it's like this shit works mm-hmm. like across every age. And he like she cried in the right spots. Like she was excited in the right spots. Like I mean, just everything you can just see the the puppeteer strings on mm-hmm. that kid's imagination work. And it's just, it's fascinating to me that a movie that on paper should not work for a lot of reasons yeah. does, and it ha- it taps into that. And we talked about that. earlier. And actually, bit, you know what? Yeah, because I've talked about it before. Like uh, I I came to. St- I came to Star Wars having seen a lot of sci-fi that was inspired by it sure. and stuff like that. So it didn't Star Wars specifically didn't have a huge effect on me. This for me had the this movie had the effect for me that Star Wars did on a lot of people yeah. where I was like, "Oh, that's what movies can be like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the potential that they have, you know." And and so I was really blown away by it. So it might partly so, be that that makes this my no, favorite. And, and so that's, that's what it's like when you do it the right way. Yeah, exactly. And when those those 4-year-olds who saw this in the theater are now 15 14 or 14, 15, 15, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see... Wait I know, another, right? I'm curious, oh, I'm curious sure. to wait another 10 years and see what that generation that grew up with Lord of the Rings as yeah. their primary franchise their, do. Well, I mean, we, we haven't really even talked about or made any comparison to Harry Potter yet. And, you know, Harry right. Potter is starting on this, in this, the right same era. Same time. Yeah. And I, I, it it was, started the same year, yeah. yeah. And you were talking about you're talking about Game of Thrones. I think the acceptance of Game of Thrones as a series, both, both getting it made and people going, oh, yeah, totally. Certainly... Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Paved some, paved some, paved some road for that. Yeah, 
Yeah, that never would have happened without Lord of the Rings. Certainly. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I totally. Yeah. Oh yeah, fantasy. In fact, yeah. in fact, if anything, it was the opposite where people watched it and they were They're like, "Where's, where's the, the fucking, fucking magic?" <laughs> 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 Which is what I was really. That was because I, I came to Game of Thrones not having read the book yet. I've since read all the books, but uh, I saw the I saw the original Game of Thrones and I was like, I. You know, it's, uh, there's dragons at the end, spoiler, but uh, it's like, where's the fucking magic? And I was yeah. like, this is even more amazing because this is really just an alternate medieval history yeah. is all this is with just some discussion of magic, I, but, which, which becomes more prevalent as the series goes on, of yeah. course. I was, I was, the fact that it starts out without very much at all. I was kind of the same way watching it at the, at the beginning. It's like, where's the magic? But, and by the end, when, you know, spoiler, there's a bit of real magic at the very end of the first season. I'm like, Hey, wait a second, Magic yeah, Bean. A, no fair. No, yeah, no, yeah. wait, no. Well, you have to pull that uh, that out of the hat. No, you've been talking about that. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, all right, I guess you could yeah, do that. That's, an, that's, that's another thing that, no particular spoilers, but uh, hopefully the series continues to go on and everyone who hasn't read the books can experience it. There'd be magic. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't oh, yeah. you even worry well, it about it. It gets way magical, yeah, yeah. no <laughs> doubt about it. But, uh, but anyway, Cave Troll, holy God. Yeah. That's one of my favorite shots right there. Is yeah. when, he's, when he smacks Gimli off the tomb. Yeah, and and so like we talked about, my one of my concerns was like talking about all of the kind of behind the scenes stuff because I'm like, well, everyone knows that everyone's talking about it. And then I had the thought where I was like, oh no, people in high school were four yeah. <laughs> when this movie came out. So no, it could be worth talking about. So yeah, I mean, a lot of what it's really interesting because. And I guess to an extent, it it makes a weird kind of sense as well because because these movies. Um, were made by a team who didn't know the right and wrong way to do it. They did so many innovative things that they changed the way that the right way to make movies was. You know, people, people like you said, no one would have shot a, a digital yeah. character like this before. But uh, they're like, hey, can can we do this? And they talked about doing the previs where they choreographed this whole thing out on like a virtual set, and then they put uh, Peter Jackson in kind of a motion capture. Uh, situation and had a little motion capture camera, just a block of wood that he could walk around and get angles. And he's like, this is how I want to shoot this. This is the action, and this is how I want to shoot it. And it was all planned out ahead of time, and so they were able to do it with a digital uh, you know, digital cave troll, which they would never have been able to uh, do before. Or maybe they'd have been able to, but no one had thought to before. Did, did any of you guys watch the... Uh, I can't tell if I'm too quiet. Does I, do I seem you quiet You sound fine. You? Okay, cool. Um, did any of you guys watch the behind-the-scenes stuff about the sound design? Yeah. This is outstanding. Okay, yeah. talk about that. I haven't watched it recently. Well, what they were talking about was this guy, this this cave troll guy, this, you know, the troll in the dungeon guy, who looks better than the troll in the dungeon did, uh, Sorcerer Stone. Yeah, we he, know. Uh, Go ahead. He was a mix of donkey sounds and also walrus sounds. Mm, yeah. So you'd get your sort of <laughs> from the donkey, and then you get these big <laughs> from the walrus stuff. And by the time they're fighting... It's all angry sounds from both animals. But then it switched over to a third animal, which I'm forgetting which animal it they was. They had a badger in there for some things. Yeah, yeah. Well, honey badgers. Am I serious? Uh, honey um, badgers. This doesn't give a shit. Um, but they got to the point where after the guy gets stabbed in the mouth, he switches over to these hurt animal yeah. sounds. Yeah. And it gives moan. you this weird moment of like animal pathos where you're like, yeah. oh my, you guys yeah. hurt the cave troll. Jackson oh, wait, had a, it's Jackson a, cave had a troll. whole riff on, on the cave troll about how you know, they wanted to portray this idea. The cave troll is not mean. It's just this An animal. Be- it's a beast that they're tamed. They tamed it and they said, go kill people when we tell you to. But he's not like, oh, I hate hobbits so much. Yeah. He's like, I, okay. He's just an attack dog. Yeah. If yeah. you're the right guy, you can walk over to an attack dog <laughs> and give it a treat and it'll sit on your lap and, and it'll love you no matter what kind of you. awful yeah. person you are. Like, and so, yeah, and the cave troll's the exact same thing. Well, they talked about also with, so sad. with the relationship to Harryhausen. It's like there was always a pathos. It was never, it, it's never, this is a monster and you have yeah. to defeat it. You know, they kill the cave troll, but you, there's 
it's not awesome. <laughs> you know, we yeah. don't feel like standing up and cheering. We're like, oh, that's that's kind of sad. I mean, they had to do it because it was going to kill them. But it's still like, wow, I wish we didn't have to kill that thing because that was really sad. And now we're all kind of depressed. And it's a bummer. I mean, it's it's and it really exactly. does. And if you listen to the like, it's not like there's a like a nine minute behind the scenes thing and how we did some of the Foley. It's like these like 45 yeah. minute documentaries yeah. about it gives you this weird sense of perspective about. Go ahead, Mike. That, I was just going to say that performance there with Sam thinking Frodo's dead. Kind of oddly subdued. He's just like, huh, that sucks. <laughs> oh, well. It's like, okay. no, he should be freaking out a little bit more. But anyway, anyway, the thing about ahead. the sound design is that it's not just like this like nine-minute doc where it's like, oh, yeah, we had to figure out how to make arrows plunk into people's chests. That was fun. And that was the Lord of the Rings. No, it's like the entire soundscape is built from random-ass shit for for like 90 90, 90, well, it's, 90 it's, that's what sound people have been doing all along ben burt was the one who made it sort of like oh okay to the mainstream that's how you do it but, but just it's just yeah the whole idea the whole concept of inventing sounds is really hundreds fun. of layers and pro tools and yeah, every layer isn't like and then we synthesize this it's like no we figured out what sound effect works the foley on this entire project the, the three movies is insane and all the the weird like animal sounds they got and all that stuff it's just it came to head in that scene where right. it's we had to figure out how to make an animal sound angry and then sound so pitiful that your heart immediately goes did we do the right thing here? my favorite bit of sound trivia is the ring wraiths um oh, the, the screaming the, the scene earlier when when he when he's setting them on fire and they're screaming that's that's fran walsh yeah that's, screaming that's one of the that's one of the one of the writers and peter jackson's significant other and if you listen uh, to the, the documentary said you know she would be perfect for this fran fran <laughs> my god i hope he never stays out too late oh my hey. god is that christopher hannell sitting down be, at the hey. chair hey it's chris hannell's he here. returns to us now at the turn of the time i invited sean bean over but his car exploded on the freeway <laughs> yeah. and he's dead i'm oh, sorry that happens all the time yeah. with sean you every know, day i think i think it's gonna get to i heard i was listening on the way down i think it's just gonna get to a point where his characters are gonna get cut during the script writing process yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry man hey sean we had a great part for you but then we just killed it so. yeah <laughs> the thing about fran wash's scream have you guys ever been present i might have brought this up on a previous commentary have you ever been present for the recording of a classic horror scream what that you know you know what i'm talking about the sound of those sort of screams but yeah. have you ever been there in the room when someone did one no it is <laughs> on, on, in movies it's really scary uh-huh in the room it is like day stoppingly chilling uh-huh yeah. it's just like Oh my God! The yeah. you always have to stick your head out the door. Going, and we're going to be recording in here. Don't and, yeah. worry. And it's about a very it. There are no murders happening. It's a very specific skill set. And uh, and Fran, who happened to you know write the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> yeah. can do it. I, yeah. And I can verify for a fact that not everyone can do that. We used to do we used to do the show The Complete Works of William Shakespeare abridged. Oh, and you do Hamlet, and at one point you have you, there's this whole bit where you get a girl on stage to play the part of Ophelia and basically get the audience to play the id, the super ego, the ego, hmm. and you and you build it all up, and then you point at her, and then you put a spotlight on her, and she has to scream, right? right. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And so I, we, the DVD. we we had Hard this we had this long we had the series where we did multiple performances, and it's a volunteer you drag up on stage, and we went over every single time we happened to bring up girls that could not scream huh. ah! and at one, which and, is good to know for later yeah which <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing after the show oh yeah. my but but at, i can bring you to my motel six room and you will not cause a fuss <laughs> and one of the girls even like while we're building it up like we're setting her up she's like whispering to her i, I can't I, I can't scream like, don't worry about it it'll be funny and and uh, Wow, okay, great. Thanks Not for, funny uh, at all. Yeah, that wasn't great. Either way, it works. E- either way. One of the times I was doing that was for a short film that starred Neil Patrick Harris, which was awesome, but it was directed by Frank Ippolito, who's a Kyoto Brothers employee guy who's been there forever, and he was directing this short film called, oh shit, Vampire's Daughters versus the Space Brains or something like that, and there's this moment where we need a one of the actresses to do a good scream, a horror scream, 
and they just got that the same way you get room tone, where everyone showed up. She's going to scream now, so we have a take with the, with the right audio setup. And she does it, and we're in the mountains. We're in Latuna Canyon <laughs> between Sunland nice. and Tahunga in the mountains, and there's houses around, but not really. So <laughs> there was no reason to kind of go to the other neighboring places and say, by the way, we're shooting a movie. If you hear gunfire, it's movie gunfire. If you hear screams, they're movie screams. No, just houses that heard echoing through the canyons like the fucking Lion King. Yeah. When I when I shot the original test demo of Ark, I had an actress come up to my house, and we did the scene where the, she's in the pod and can't get out. And so for for an hour, there was a girl in my house screaming, "Let me out! Help me! Somebody help me!" And uh, it was totally cool. Nothing at, happened at, it, at uh, your old rape your house on the mountain. To it. Just want to just you know again, fun fact for later. Um, but I, I still want to point out something here that uh, one of the ideas that I think is so fascinating about the movie is how organic it was. How we're at know, the point where they're on the bridges on the and they're stairs, collapsing and all the stairs, the stairs. The stairs. That, you know, people have this thing like, yes, the director is God and everything. But, you know, Peter Jackson and any good director is very collaborative, in fact. And so he, they, they, they tell the story. And I'll just I'll just repeat it here is is the script says they run down the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> that's what this scene consists of in the in the script. Um, when I think it was Alan Lee and the Indians take the fort. Exactly. <laughs> the, the chariot race. I think uh, I think it was Alan Lee. And they said, OK, so we need to do the stairs. Draw me a thing. And Alan Lee goes, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because I put a place where the stairs were broken. And Peter Jackson was like, ooh. That's interesting. And Peter Jackson goes, I got an idea for a whole <laughs> and they scene. Started, they started to riff on that, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And this entire sequence was just sort of organically grown as a, as a group. Oh, so this is entirely not part of the book. They don't have to do this whole swinging the stairs around no, thing. No, yeah, Wow. No, no, no. And it's, it's not even in the script. If you read it, it never was written down. They, they blocked it out as an animatic and kind of just it, yeah. worked their way into it. Obviously, I can't speak to how the movie, uh, the movie, fucking the story plays out in the books, but... As someone who knows the movies pretty well and has, in fact, seen all of them yesterday, my God help me, um, this feels really quintessentially Lord of the Ringsy to me. Yeah. These giant things that have been built a million years ago and they're falling apart and, and all of that and figuring out a way to heroically survive. Oh, that's a bad comp. Yeah, two but, bad comps great, in there. But... There's about five bad shots in this movie. Yeah. And I've had people go, the movie sucks. There was that one shot. I'm like, oh, yeah. The other 600 were gold. Yeah. If you had any so this idea, is, by the way, you would this, not say shit. On the, on the music track, Howard Shore points out, yeah. that's the last time we actually hear the full Fellowship theme because that's the last da, time da, the da, Fellowship da, 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 da. is together. Wait, how does the Fellowship theme go? And the Balrog. Uh, the, the Balrog is Balrog. glorious. I it's was just beautiful so as an effect. I love the Balrog so I, much. I, I couldn't terrifying. picture it. And the, there, right there. Yeah. That's uh, the well, shit. And also, funny thing about, you remember you saw the documentary, his scream is Cinderblock scraping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He made the entire, uh, the guys that were doing the Foley and the sound design, they made literally his entire life force out of pitch-corrected variations of rock sliding on yeah. rock or wood. So they would slide cinder blocks down the road and then make it go, yeah. oh, and then change it to, oh. yeah. who designs a... Who but, designs a bridge like that? <laughs> yeah. No, the thing is, the thing is, the it's designed that dwarves, way. Dwarves, man. Whoever the dwarves did last designed it that way. The dwarves designed it that way because then, if they were ever attacked by an army, the army would have to come through single file, and they could take them out. They, they, the that Moria was basically protected by that by that bridge. Fun fact. I remember at the at the time, this was like, oh my god, they f- figured out they cracked yeah. digital fire. Yeah. Because well, it sort of never. They it's, did it with sprites. They did it well. Yeah, yeah they did it Which with. Which no sprites. one thought they could do. It's real yeah, fire elements that are great. then sprited. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. realized this whole time for the last hour and a half, two hours we've been doing this. I've been chiming in from behind. I had never realized how disorienting it is. Like Ryan's in yeah. my head. <laughs> yeah. Hey Ryan, it's weird. 
I'll, I'll be paying attention to the reflection in the TV now so I can see if someone's sitting back there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Balrog is, is freaking fantastic. And then the You Shall Not Pass. You shall which, not pass. which is funny because, as he points out, he's like, that was actually a flub on the line, technically, because the line is, you cannot pass, which he said correctly the first time. But Really? That, but the way he did it that time was so <laughs> epic. that <laughs> No, no exactly. Because I, no. I was thinking, all right, imagine you're an actor. I know none of you are properly actors. Chris is an actor, kind of. Like you've, you've acted in, in a, things it, before, more in a past life the anymore. Theater, yeah. we should point but out imagine, that Brian, Brian has stepped away. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Brian. But, but imagine that you are Chris. I'm I'm looking at Chris now. Imagine that you are given the line. You have to scream. You shall not pass in a way that registers as completely sincere. Yeah, that sounds really tricky to me. It, it's that you yeah. shall not pass. But you have I, to take, take into consideration the context of how he talks, like normally. Yeah. Like, well, that's yeah. Ian e. McKellen. It's, it's easier for him. For, yeah. yeah. I'll have the hash browns. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like and it's, a large orange <laughs> drink. It, but it's like the idea that people you fools. It's like uh, the idea that only Ian McDermott was really able to act in the Star Wars right, prequels. Right. It's like yeah. he was the only one that got the idea that said. Oh, this is <laughs> this, this is what this is. This is kitsch. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, I get it. And he was the only one that could bring life but, to that. It's like, but so, but Ian it's McKellen, the opposite here. McKellen is going. All right, this is Shakespeare. Yeah. I'm gonna exactly. Yeah, but that's the thing is that it's there's there's a mindset that you have to find. You can't just play it. Find as, the motivation in the line. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like no. There is an epic grandness that there's a different reality going on here that you really have to accept. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're not going to be able to sell they it. Talk, right. They talk. They talk about that in in the the third movie, which obviously we've got about eight hours to get yeah, to. But we'll get to that tomorrow. I, God, just, we're still in fellowship. I'll just I'll just mention now. They talk yeah. about how. Um, the guy who plays Denethor, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. The but guy from Fringe. In Fringe now, yeah. Um, John Noble. John, John, John Noble. Noble, thank you. Um, I don't even watch Fringe. John, uh, I just had to rotoscope that guy's head. John Noble pulls <laughs> off pulls off Denethor because he's a Shakespearean actor, yeah. and so he yes. he does it like it's yeah. Shakespeare. It's fucking Lear he's doing. And, and because it's like this guy's so over-the-top crazy – if if it wasn't someone who got that right. and who who played it that way, it could have come. I off would as throw ridiculous. this to Brian if he was here. Chris, do you happen to know what does performing in in a Shakespearean way? What does that entail? Is that where you're forgetting what the words mean and you're just acting the emotions <laughs> oh, against the, the lines? No, 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 no. Is it where you learn it, the lines so you understand every word in the context? You understand why you're saying the it. First and, time, yeah. The first time, the first time, you I basically read... learn another language for the purpose of learning and that the com- line. That comes through in performances too, because I've I've seen stuff where like I have no idea what he's saying, but his performance yeah. alone, yeah. you understand yeah. it. Yeah. The first time, yeah. Doing it. The first time that we read Romeo and Juliet in like AP English and all that kind of stuff is yeah, they yeah. literally had like a layman's translation alongside yeah. of it, and you're so completely sleep to dream. Okay, that means I wish I could. The yeah. cliff notes on the right page. Yeah, basically. Nice. Um, I've I've seen translations yeah. like that. Yeah, those are great. But I think I think it's very very important to to wrap your head around. Okay, this sentence. What is what is this basically boiled down to? Okay. This is the emotion behind it. Now let's let's take a look at the word. What that word yeah. meant yeah. at that time. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's, well, you can always tell if someone's like like the you know the famous line from Romeo and Juliet. If they if they say wherefore art thou Romeo, is if, if they're asking where they don't know what no. to say because yeah. wherefore means why. Yeah. Why Why, why, why is your you, name Romeo? Why, why, do we have to why hate are you a Montague? Why yeah. Why, yeah. why do we have to hate each other? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, it's you not guys like she's on the balcony going, "Hey, where are you?" Yeah. I'm down here. You. And I've seen I've seen people play it that way, and I went, "Oh my god." So the question is not where is Romeo. It's 
why are you Romeo? Why are no, you it's, Romeo? It's, why do you have to be Romeo? Because, why of all the people I could fall other. in love with, why did I have to fall in love with someone from the family? You guys the know the family? shit out of culture. Yeah. What yeah. the hell is yeah. happening on this podcast? It's you can tell they don't things. know what they're doing when they put their their hand up to their to their brow like they're yeah. trying to survey. Yeah. The <laughs> but 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 and also with with a lot of the monologues, you'll hear them just running yeah. through the words, and it's like this cadence is wrong. Yeah. You don't understand where the sentence is. And by the way, I would add to the triumvirate speaking of Shakespeare, Kate Blanchett's about to walk in. Oh yeah. Yay. And and again another where it's like boy there are a <laughs> handful else? of people who, in the world? who could pull that off who in the world could have been Galadriel <laughs> and, and there's our movie trick for us today the the idea of if they're off screen <laughs> they're the not other, there yeah the <laughs> other characters can't see them yeah <laughs> I actually else, before we man. get too far well, away from it stuffy. I wanted to talk to you. Uh, Hanel and Ryan, have you guys read Lord of the Rings? No, I've no? read Fellowship. Oh. I deliberately so read not, the, so no, no. I've read Fellowship. Okay, yeah. so so Dorkman and Chris might be able to answer this, but how does uh, the death of Gandalf play in the book? Is it basically the same thing? Is he he's like he's there, and then oh my god, he's gone, and everyone just sort of spends a moment going, what? I, I Obi Wan died. I gotta confess that um, Fellowship was the first huge. Like I read I read Fellowship in eighth grade, where it was basically. You have to read a book, and we'll give you bonus points if it's so many pages past three hundred. <laughs> so I read Fellowship. So I, wow. I, I flip it through. Oh, Fellowship of the Ring, one thousand two hundred pages. <laughs> I'm getting an A in this class. <laughs> You're still eating lunch off that one. Yeah. Do, you, do you happen to recall, Mike, uh, Chris? Do you happen to recall how is it the same exact thing? Is that he falls in and the Balrog pulls him down, he, kind of he, thing? Well, he he smites the bridge and the bridge breaks and the Balrog falls in and then the Balrog catches him with his whip and it's literally almost word for word. He he try he ma- or he makes a in the book. It's actually. They they did intentionally make it a thing where he in the movie he grabs it and then he makes the decision to let go so they'll get away. Does he still say "fly you fools"? He sa- but he does. Yes, he grabs it the at the edge of the bridge. He doesn't catch it, and as he's falling, he says "fly you fools" to be like, "Don't you can't help me now. Okay. Get the fuck out of here." We're past that point in the movie, but I have a, a question that's even beyond down in front. Just someone who doesn't know to someone who does. Is is he referring to the fucking eagles? Because it sounds like he's referring to the f- no. fly. When you say you fly, that's a way of saying flee. run, run, run fast. Yeah, he's not fly. Not talking about no eagles. Yeah, because you know, exactly. I'm watching that. I'm like, it's like it's like he's saying, I didn't want to bring this up because it's so obvious. <laughs> no. But there's fucking eagles. He's, say, he's saying flee. Okay, yeah. flee, just run. Flee. He's saying have run, we, guys. Have we run. done the eagles? Are we yeah. we, we talked about that a little bit back a while the ago. Eagles? We'll get there. But he's basically saying. Holy shit! Run! Yeah, he's don't. Saying, wait, I'm gonna die. Don't go. Come, don't, run. Run. Don't come back for me. And in fact, his yeah. his whole thing was, I stood here on the bridge to hold him off so you could get away. What, what are, are you yeah. doing? Doing here? Yeah. Run, fools! Yeah. Yeah. And Gandalf, you know, saying like, I'm wasting my death on you. Yeah, yeah Gandalf had, you know, he, he knew going in that's pretty much how it was probably gonna play out. Yeah. So he's like, okay, so I did my thing. Now you get have to moving. continue. <laughs> Is I'm this done some extended here. stuff right here? Yes. Yeah. Now I keep thinking they that went, they went straight. I've literally been here for 40 minutes and I haven't seen anything like new yet. And I haven't oh, there's, seen the there's been a bunch of new stuff. Now, new this, stuff. Uh, this guy right here, the guy who's the leader of the. Actually, is it the Wood Elves? Because Moria is no, pretty much the Wood, Moria. The Wood Elves are Rivendell. There's, there's a lot of new there's stuff in this section that isn't in the theater. I keep waiting for the Ewoks to show up at this point. This cadre of elves, the guy who leads them, the guy, he shows up later at the actual battle at the end of. He doesn't lead them. Whatever. Later. That guy. Sure. He doesn't lead them. He's one of their guys. I keep thinking he's Cutler Beckett from Pirates 2 and 3. A little bit. He looks like him. Well, and then and no. then Kelleborn, but, but, but he's in. not the same guy. Yeah, Craig Kel- Parker Kelleborn. is his name. Kelleborn and Kelleborn and looks like Kevin Spacey. Yeah. I, I swear to God, I think Kelleborn is Kevin well, the, Spacey. The, and they mention this is like 
is like is if you if you live in Australia or New Zealand, you know who all these actors are. Right. This, sure. This movie, yeah. this movie is a totally different it's just, experience. It's just the montage because of guys you know, you've seen. It's that guy from the show. Remember where he had a pan, he took his pants off and he squeezed lemons on his head. That guy. I can't take him seriously. And his name was Orlando Bloom. His name was Orlando Bloom. <laughs> Um, Have we talked yet? Here uh, comes Kate. Uh, Mike, uh, I think Mike, you've been here since the beginning of the first of a uh, fellowship, right? So far, so good. You've been here yeah. all day long. You're, I had to take a phone call. Or everybody's going to tap here. out eventually. It, it might get to the point where there's four people who are not any of us on Mike. <laughs> yeah. We've got 12 hours to go. But did we talk about the color correction process and the weird soft light blur pass they do in the entire movie? Well, well they, they don't they, do it. For, well, they, they do it. They, they do it for they all they the LV it shit. They absolutely yeah. did it. on But her. we have not talked about the color grading, and this is yeah. as oh god, an early example of a movie that was almost entirely th- color graded. I think the thing this was like the first one. This is the first. This is the first movie I remember becoming aware that digital grading was a thing, and this is the first one where DI really was cert- first on Oh Brother, right? But this is this is the first time where they really started. As opposed to just a DI, which but is like, like digital select- color selectively timing. changing, selectively changing yeah. colors and stuff like that. And if that you remember at the them. time, the forums just becoming everyone going, "What software is that? Where yeah. do I download it? Where can yeah. I do color it was, grading?" It's like, it's called "Why don't you learn how to use a camera? Yeah, was, we'll get to color grading later." It's, call, it's called yeah. Flame, and it costs forty grand. No, a seat. it wasn't called Flame. It was yeah. called Five D Colossus yeah. at the time. Oh my god, I can't even joke around you. It was Five D Colossus. I remember at the time. It was Five D Colossus at the time. It was per. It was a. Uh, became it was bought out by Discrete. It became Discrete Luster. It is now Autodesk Luster. It still exists. You can still get it, but it's like they don't even post the pricing. On <laughs> but it's, a, it but it's, a, it's a, with it, your iPad. Yeah. What we're talking about is a finishing suite, right? Uh, a finishing yeah. and color correction suite for all the plates, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna do a, a hazy mask on this part to make it greener, and then her eyes are gonna pop, and you yeah. can do all of that very quickly. Yeah. Even like the, I'm assuming light it has darkened faces yeah. specifically, and I'm assuming it has, which is so funny because retarded built-in tracking I software and everything. Oh, great. Built-in tracking software. I did that a about a million stuff. times on Arc, and I thought, "Wow, I'm being really such a douchebag by doing this." And then, then I saw the documentary. I'm like, "They totally did that on Lord of the Rings." Yeah. We're like, I'm just going to brighten that face up. He's like, "Oh, oh, oh yeah, okay. I don't feel so bad." After. They do that all the now, time. Now, also, all, another thing I just want to point out while we're looking at it is um, just a nice little extra touch. Uh, Andrew Lesney, the actual DP, yeah. um, who was participating in the color correction, so it's not like he was cut out of the loop. But he has a little trick here that they call the Galadriel light, which is her eye light. Look at her eye light. She has little twinkle stars for her yeah. eye light. And they Everyone also has little and they do the exact opposite when she goes, I will be beautiful and all that stuff where they turn her eyes into these black beads with shiny yeah. points on them. But she had, they actually <laughs> would bring in this little Christmas light array so that her, her eye light actually has uh, this whole weird Sh- shine Now, I have, I have no quarrel at all in terms of someone who's done... Uh, let me, let me uh, establish this just in case this is the first diff you've ever heard. Uh, I don't work in color correction. I've done a lot of it, but I don't work in it and these guys yeah. know a thousand times more than Not I do. Professionally. That said, uh, the, I don't have any quarrel with the actual color timing. I think it actually is beautiful in the way that they manage this steel gray teal throughout the entire thing. I think it's great. And the way they go desatched for the for the war and they go a little bit brighter for the well, Shire. They, That's great. They, they dial it in very much the for only, a look. The only for... issue I actually have is all the elf stuff and also flashbacks, they have this weird infatuation with the blast a glow around it thing going on with the soft light pass. I guess they feel it makes it a little more mystical. Sure, they do. But that's, you know, and, and this might be just be it's 10 years ago and we're just like, oh, that looks cool. But for me, it looks a little chintzy. And the only other time I've seen that in a pro, I see that constantly. <laughs> I see that constantly in like film school movies and YouTube shit. Well, nowadays, but yeah. the only time I've seen that in pro movies was this and uh, anybody Serenity. Yeah, the beginning of Serenity with the the, uh, the yeah. black teacher sure. lady with the the tablets and all that, and it's this weird glowy bloom thing. But it's, it's not, not that big like right now. A little well, bit nowadays. Nowadays. Miranda, they, It's a little. It's just Miranda a little. It's it's, it's it's it's. It's it's more complicated than this, but for the purposes of colloquializing it, it's 
It looks a lot like they just kind of put an adjustment layer over the whole thing and set glow and After Effects to point one. Just for this weird bloomy thing that I think that I don't it, think it totally no now now I've said all that stuff and it sounds judgmental. When I'm watching the movies, I go, "This feels so consistent and good, yeah. and I understand what they're doing, and it's the right choice for the movie." I'm, I'm taking that apart away from the context and just saying that's kind of a. It, to me, it looks a little on the cheaper side, but it's ten years ago, and when I actually watch the movie, it doesn't bother me at all. So it's just a comment. It's not. Well, it's, a, as you were just saying, it's not it's a criticism. Like, they put a lot of effort more than most do, and you can you can tell why because it's Lord of the Rings, and they're building, they're 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 illustrating an entire universe for you. That they they try to go for distinct looks for different locations mainly. Yeah, they, you know, it's not like there's a promise filter every time you look at Orlando Bloom. It's because they're in. Lothlorien, yeah. yeah. They wanted it. Uh, he, he says he wanted it to feel like a storybook, and he wanted it to look a lot like also the the art, the the production yeah. art that they got from uh, two guys who had been who had made careers out of doing artwork from Lord of the Rings, from Tolkien, John Howe and Alan Lee, um, and they would spent all this time doing it. And they uh, they talk about in the behind the scenes and stuff. They uh, 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 you know Jackson and and the team looked at this stuff as like a form of the production art early on, they're like, as their inspiration and stuff like that. And as they got rolling, they're like, why don't we just get these guys? <laughs> yeah. Can we, yeah. can we hire them? Can we just hire them? Are they, are they dead or can we get them? And they were both, you know, still yeah. alive. I, and I think it was Alan Lee. He's the, he's the more reclusive one. They literally yeah. had to find out where he was and yeah. then find out someone who could get to him. <laughs> oh, and they, uh, and they talked, he literally was living in a hobbit hole in the South of France. Or yeah. Something like that. And they talked about, they, they sent him a copy of heavenly creatures to convince him that they were yeah. like serious and stuff like that. Crazy and they talked about, <laughs> they, they were tracking the, FedEx package like to his door they were like yeah. just obsessively tracking it and they're like okay he's got it it's an hour and a half long so they're like sitting there like hoping and literally an hour and a half later the phone rang and it was him he's like I'm in hey I watched your movie yeah I watched your movie I'm in just looking at this scene right here which is the one of the extended this scenes, is extended, this scene yeah. about uh, Boromir he's basically talking to Aragorn he knows who he is yeah. He, he knows that this guy is supposed to be the king of Gondor, right? right? And he's talking to him about how great it's going to be that he's going to rule Gondor someday, <laughs> completely ignoring the fact that, well, but by I the way, you should but be. I think no, no. It's, I think, uh, but, but Aragorn is, doesn't want to be king. Right. Ar Aragorn says, no, I'm, I'm out. So. But, no, but the I don't subtext think, I, don't, of, I didn't feel like, maybe I'm wrong, I wasn't reading the, the subtitles, but it didn't, I, I don't recall it being like, oh, it's going to be great when I rule Gondor. He's like, he's just he's talking, talking about, about, talking about Gondor is such a great city. Liberating Gondor. We're going to, we're going to free Gondor, you and me, we're going to free Gondor and it's going to be great. We're going to be heroes and it's, it. it's the most yeah. awesome city but you in don't the world think it's like, you'll love it. Like rubbing it in his face at all kind of thing. Like not like intentionally, but just kind of like, wow, that's kind of a... Well, maybe a little I, bit. I, I, maybe because all, Boromir's grown up with the idea that yeah. the king's never coming back. Yeah. You know? right. First I'm of sure. all, I'm not sure Hi, that... Hi, Brian. That what's up? Boromir... Does Boromir know that yeah. Aragorn yeah. is he? he did, like, when, during the fellowship, during, when they're when they're when they're, when they're right. putting the fellowship together, they he explain who he is. Legolas told me. Is it right. just like his sense of entitlement is yes. so massive at this That's point? That's probably it's like, it. I think but so. But my just, daddy yeah. says I really deserve it. Yeah, yeah. That we're gonna be, you know. But he, he, his his love his love for the country is genuine. I mean, yeah. obviously he doesn't have bad intentions. Okay, let's talk about the scouring of the Shire, shall we? Yeah, oh. this is gonna be the only reference to it. Yeah. Well, we could talk. Well, I guess that's the end of the movie when it doesn't happen. So this is the only chance we're gonna talk about it. Um, it's something I didn't know about until yeah. you know 44, 44 hours ago when yeah. it was now, brought up. Did they film I, it? They, uh, well, no. they, they they hinted at it, and you'll see a scene they, of it. They filmed this sequence, but they never planned. So to do it was the never, they never. It was never part of the plan no. to actually yeah. depict the scouring of the shot. No. Yeah, they, so, actually, they actually did cut an ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not. So for the people who haven't read the books, the people that don't know, after 
all, all of the endings that you know right all, now. All 15 yeah. of them. Uh, when and and we'll get to that because I think people make a bigger thing of it than I, they should. I'm not but, brought by it at all. Um, after you know they've they've gone back to Gondor and and Aragorn's been crowned and they head back to blah blah blah. They get back to Hobbiton and they find out that it's been it's been decimated. It's been completely. T- it, they basically. This Saruman, place is a tomb. Make for the gap of Rohan. Yeah, basically, <laughs> Saruman gets in in the book. Saruman gets away from when the Ents take over Orthanc, and he goes to the Shire, and he basically does to the Shire what he did to Isengard, and he brings in a bunch of of humans, a bunch of men, um, and and turns it into an industrial thing. He basically because the uh, the um, the tobacco that they have. Um, is so popular, he basically is like, I'm going to make a shit ton of money by selling this to the rest of Middle-earth. So he turns it into this industry and, and enslaves the hobbits and stuff like that. That sounds awfully familiar. And, and so he... Uh, <laughs> And and uh, you know so the the hobbits are hobbits the four of them show up and they're like we have just been through some <laughs> serious shit and we're gonna come back and it's like this no and so they they like cause the other hobbits to rise up against uh, Saruman who's called Sharky for some reason um, but that's oh, his wow. nickname from the humans and they they drive out the humans and then they they. Uh, you know, basically drive out Saruman, and he's like, "Well, I'll be back, you stinking kids." And then Wormtongue kills him because Wormtongue's still there with him. Um, and it's, but it's like, doesn't sound I, like Tolkien's finest hour. No, and I, rem- I, I get why it was there, and I get why some people like it. But like, I even remember reading, reading Return of the King, and some of this was the appendix, certainly. But I'm reading Return of the King, the ring is destroyed. And I'm like, why is there still half an inch of book? <laughs> why am I looking at these many pages still to go? That's like when I finally actually read the book, uh, The Wizard of Oz, and I got to the end of the movie, and there was still half the book left. Yeah, like, exactly. Wait, what? The never-ending uh, story is the same way, by the uh, way. But I could go either way. Like, I <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, I could go either way. I feel like that you could make a case for that the scouring of the Shire is important, and it should have been included well, it's because impo- it... Sh- it it shows the it shows the full character arc of the hobbits and that they've changed and they've become fully you know self actualized characters that can handle their own. They're not children anymore. But the, but themat- that's true. But thematically, I think the movie is about the the movies are about they're trying to protect their world. They're pr- trying to protect and isolate the Shire from all that stuff. And and, I, and, yeah. and of course the irony yeah. is that that they didn't protect themselves, so they can no longer really engage well, Frodo, with it anymore. Frodo. Like the rest Frodo of them are able to go home, but I, Frodo's too too damaged. Yeah. I but, qu- but the the I think they you know, again, they had to make choices for the movie. They had to make a lot of yeah. choices. I think and, and whether or not it's this amped up in the books the movie, in this scene, they made the, this is Frodo's motivation. Yeah. Frodo doesn't care about the world of man. He doesn't, you know, the hobbits stay out of all that shit, yeah. just like the eagles do yeah. and the ants do. They're like, whatever, dudes. But but she's like, no, this is this is big. Yeah. Th- if this happens, it's happening everywhere, and it's even going to happen in your hometown. And Frodo's like, well, that's messed up. I don't want that to happen. Yeah. So his, whole, the his whole motivation yeah. is yeah. to stop it from happening. So if you if you went through this entire trilogy and this and it happened anyway. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, that's messed up. Yeah, that you wouldn't know, work. As that, an ending of a movie. I, know, I do agree with that. I see that point. Yeah. What were you going to say, Chris? I was. Uh, I had a question about the visual effects that were going on with her transformation okay. right there. It almost looks like they like replaced her eyes. Like It's like a different actress almost altogether. Well, they, she's, she's definitely she was, she was wearing a, lo- a different 
makeup. So they transition between her two different performances. Right. And she's wearing like full on almost yeah, kabuki the, makeup. Yeah, the shape of her eyes yeah. almost like completely transforms yeah, her for they, a little bit to the point where I'm going, wow, Orlando Bloom stepped in really nicely <laughs> yeah, for this shot. They, I remember the thing about the design too is they, they, they did like a water effect on her. Yeah. They tried to make her, they said they wanted to make her look drowned. Yeah. Right? Because yes. she's she's a water spirit. That's yeah. her thing is she's, she, she's a water person. So, she's a waterbender. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so, so the idea is that if she became, you know, a, a ring powered thing that she would be this queen, the queen of like the under undersea, and yeah. she would be. Meanwhile, like, in as Pittsburgh, a, as yes. opposed to as opposed to Sauron, who's like a dark lord of fire, is is yeah. his whole uh, you know theme. So, and somebody's there's an earthbender out there somewhere. But yeah. so yeah, now we see Orthanc is like oh Orthanc, you know, after the industrial revolution. So yeah, you know, it's not so pretty, but uh, you know, more productive, and uh, the GNP is raised. And <laughs> that's all important. Actually, I should mention. Uh, I, I guess this is as good a time as any to mention it, but um, uh, there's a. And I've, I've mentioned this to Brian before. There's an alternate, sort of like Wicked to the Wizard of Oz. There's one of those for Lord of the Rings. If you're about to talk about what I think you're about to talk about, turn this off right now and go <laughs> read this whole thing. Did you read it? Harry Potter. You're talking about no, Harry no, Potter. No, 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 no. Oh. I'm talking about for this. There's oh, the Harry oh. Potter one. But um, there's a, a, a kind of an alternate or a parallel story called The Last Ring Bearer. Which is about oh, oh, oh yeah yeah okay. which is about talks about the events of the Lord of the Rings and the aftermath from the perspective of the survivors on Mordor's side, um, and it recasts everything. It recasts it as Mordor was an industrial civilization. It was just about to break through, and Gandalf <laughs> was a religious fanatic. <laughs> yeah, who who fucking tree hugger who decided? <laughs> well, he he was like they're they're getting you know they're they're. Tapping into forbidden knowledge, that knowledge, the science, you know, because the whole thing was Mordor had embraced reason and, and rationality and stuff like that to a slightly fascistic <laughs> extent. Sauron, was, Sauron made, uh, Sauron made uh, illiteracy a, a treason. It's a, it was wow. treasonous to be illiterate <laughs> wow, okay. in Mordor. Um, Just and, like Obama wants to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like this guy. What a snob. And, uh, <laughs> and so basically, but Mordor, as, as you uh, see in the movies, is like – Mordor is this is this kind of almost wasteland. They have to get all of their shit from elsewhere. They have to import everything. So it became like a war of attrition they were going to fight against mm-hmm. them. And Gandalf was leading them and Saruman tried to stop it because he's like, "No, they're we're going to, you know, they, they they're learning new things. They're learning amazing things." And Gandalf's like, "No, if it wasn't given it upsets to us, the natural order. If the information wasn't given to us by the Valar, it's forbidden knowledge and no right. one should have it." Um and I'm so, so glad Dorkman knows this shit. <laughs> no, no, well, the, the, well, they, they the great piece of information about this is that it was written by a Russian. It was written by a Russian, in, yes. In communist Russia. And it was from the communist point well, of view. It, it was very much he, the... He, it was post-communist. He okay, wrote it, it in 99. But, but he knew that, that whole thing, that yeah. whole world. And... Uh, do you want your Lembus bread? I was going to say. Oh, sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, let's bust out the Lembus bread. Hey. Eddie's going to bring out the Lembus bread now. <laughs> it's Lembus's. <laughs> But um, but it, it's totally it's it's the it is the counterpoint to this kind of traditionalist uh, viewpoint that Tolkien is putting forward. It's like, no, the king's in charge and everything is the way as it's always been, yeah. and that's that's right. And this what you're talking, I haven't read it, but you know, I've read up about it, and it's like, yeah, this is the no, this is the progressive version of Lord of the oh. Rings. There we go. Oh, pass pass it out. Lembus bread. This is supposed to keep yeah, me full for out. like a week, right? Is that yeah. how that works? Yeah, exactly. Look, I'm gonna it eat has three. like the right consistency yeah. to it. It's like this I is worked why we're not having burgers until two towers. Yeah, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and the the whole story is about uh, you know they they are the the these survivors of of the the Ring of Mortar. The the I really like certain aspects of it, like the ring the whole this whole Ring of Power thing is a hoax. Yeah. In the in the last ring oh. bearer, the whole ring of power thing, they were like, okay, we're just going to distract these other armies by creating because they're all into like power and stuff. So we'll we'll 
lie to them and say this ring is like a super powerful thing and they'll all kill themselves trying to get it <laughs> and then and then we'll win they'll leave us alone but then Gandalf steps in and he knows what's going on so he's like no there'll be a quest and blah 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 and he rallies everyone behind it instead and it's it's really well done and it's free it's online fucking um, Gandalf so if you go uh, if you just search for the last ring bearer it's called um, it was originally in Russian, but someone did a translation, uh, and it's up for free. Make sure you get the second edition. Cause it was Bertacci, wasn't it? <laughs> the first one wasn't, isn't it always? wasn't really – it was a, a little bit uh, manky, but they kind of edited it and helped it, and there were, like, gra- grammatical problems and stuff, but they, they edited it well. So uh, definitely check that out uh, if you're into Lord of the Rings. That's a good book. Here's one of the uh, one of the scenes that is only in the extended edition is the giving of the gifts. Yes. Which, which – Although they did have to go back and go, okay, well, we do have to explain the, the Starlight business because yeah. that's going to feature in. But it does lead to one bizarre little thing in the – I think it's in the second movie when when Sam's Chrono's cloak does the rock trick. Right. Which right. now is totally unexplained. Right. It's like, um, good no, cloak. They, they, they nice explained cloak, it a little dude. bit. They, give him, they do give I think, them I think they threw in a, I think they threw in an ADR line or something that said, thank God for the Elven cloak or yeah. whatever. Well, they no, th- before they, that even. They, sh- they introduced thank the God cloak. Thank God we invented the blah, blah, blah. They show, yeah. they show the cloaks being put on and they, they show the, the star of a... Uh, the star of a balloon. Yeah. yeah. But... Um, <laughs> They Sorry, sh- they World of Warcraft they show the thing. Uh, but uh, they don't, you're right, that they don't really explain. They don't establish, by the way, the cloak could double as a rock the cloak, or whatever. The it cloak can do any you. damn magical thing. Yeah. They make some big reference to it because I can remember at the time going, ah, that's that. It's like they do say something about it'll protect you uh-huh. no matter what kind of thing. Right. And this would also tie back into the, the scouring of the Shire because this is where Sam gets the, the acorn. I think it is. He gets an acorn. This ha- in the in the book. That's how he regrows the Shire. In the book, that's in how he book. does. Or it's some. It's the acorn, or I think it's a bit of dust yeah, from it, from Lothlorien, some soil. It, it, yeah, it regrows. Um, but yeah, so uh, they obviously. Yeah, but they but they they already knew they weren't going to do the scouring by this point. So, um, and then as we're about to get with uh, with Gimli, first of all, these close-ups of Gimli in the boat, which are uh, additional. That's probably the worst of the of the allergic reaction <laughs> seen on screen because he looks like really bloated and one of his eyes he's is all like he's been because he got the hairs all pop eyed and shit and it's like yeah um, but um, that's the sound pop eye makes I'm pretty sure yeah um, but I but I do love the bit about uh, first of all it's very mythological the idea of just give me a hair and she gave him three and it's beautiful and stuff like that but it also sets up something that doesn't doesn't come up in the movies and it's like there are things missing from the movies versus the books that they don't bother me like they don't make me angry and like oh they totally fucked it up because I totally get why they're not there and like in the same position I probably would have cut them too but still would have been nice to have in kind of thing it's like oh it's too bad you know that didn't get in which is that Gimli um he, you know, he's totally like in love with Galadriel after that, and you know, with the hairs and stuff like that. But that that continues to play out because oh, there you go, you see it. Here's the here's the bit, yeah. So his his screen left eye is a little bit swollen, but um, he's totally just in love with elves now, which is weird for a dwarf. <laughs> so later on, when he meets uh uh you know the Rohirrim in in Two Towers, when he's talking to Eomer in the book. Aramir talks about like the witch in the in, in the forest and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, which is exactly the way that that Gimli described her here, and and everyone outside of Lothorian kind of believes. But when Aramir does it, Gimli's like, "I will cut you. Come down here and say that." And Aramir's like, "What? <laughs> like, what is going on?" Oh, I'm here? sorry. Did I insult your girlfriend? Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's just this totally weird thing where it's like, okay. 
did a dwarf just jump in to defend the <laughs> yeah. queen of the elves? Now I've seen fight. This is the end. Now this is the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. That's that's actually one of the turning points with Aramar, where he's like, "All right, something is going on here. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually talk to you a little while longer because yeah. now I'm freaked out." That that is a nice little touch. That would have been. <laughs> that's why he doesn't kill them. Like, wait, something's up. I gotta yeah. get wait to the bottom of this. There's we're gonna be getting to the uh, the Argonath, yes, uh, yes. To, which is really. Just when the movie just like yeah yes this is we are an epic movie yeah. if you didn't know before it's a beautiful oh, we scene got, we got an extra scene before we get to the oh that's Argonath, true we have one but more but we are heading down the river and we'll begin the Argonath yeah. but one of the um, is Argonath or Argomath Argonath Argonath um, the the thing that again talking about the attention to detail I'll just I'll just put this out there so you can see it as it goes flying by um, the whole idea of the Argonath is you know they're mostly carved from the rock face mm. but there wasn't enough rock. This is, this is the whole backstory that they invented that you see in the statue. Right. There wasn't enough rock to make the entire Argonath, so the top parts of the Argonath are actually constructed of assembled stones. Yeah. And not only that, but the shot starts down low, and you see across the river where they quarried <coughs> the stones. Yeah. So you're, wow. actually looking, you're actually looking at the quarry first, and then it rises up, and you see how they start as part of the living rock, and then the top parts yeah. are large blocks. So you Norman Borlaug worked on yeah. these for 50 yeah. years until you, his death. You see them totally smooth, and then you see them turn into, like, there's like a like grid the Washington pattern. Monument. Right. And you that's where you they, see yeah. that you can see the tone change. Yeah, but, yeah. You, but look at what you're looking at on the far side of the river is the quarry where the stones came came from that i never noticed before. so but yeah that's amazing just, and, I mean, that, and in the background way in the background on the skyline you can see them still working <laughs> on crazy horse it's true <laughs> and then you can also kind of see the craft service tent so that's kind a of a bit, up, but you know yeah. it, you know for the most part really good really good meanwhile another cop podcast yeah <laughs> Sorry, we party. constantly have an entire party of people that aren't on mics yeah. <laughs> yes if you wondered what that noise was but um, and there's the frodo face yeah, <laughs> Elijah Wood supposedly a very very nice guy. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Totally from my hometown, totally personal. Beat up my cousin, whose eyes are her, large her name is Bridget. <laughs> they were they were in first grade at the time. Eli- but, yeah. Wait, wait, Elijah Wood beat up a girl. Yeah, with his hands in like first grade. That's like a baby's beat up. <laughs> to, in, all, in her in his defense, she probably had it coming. At the time. <laughs> <laughs> She's since grown up very much, but at the time, yeah, I could see it. Uh. <laughs> Um, this is this is an extended scene because normally it would have basically gone straight to the Argonath, but now we've got this extra night in between um, with Frodo and Sam, and then Boromir and and Aragorn. And this is this is one of the few. I, I think the extensions on this help the story a lot. In the later yeah. movies, like Return of the King, the extensions just start to feel indulgent. It's a little we'll a little about. bloated at times. But but this one, this is like the only scene that really feels like. Mm, this is killing the pace. I get why this was cut. You know, because they're kind of rehashing territory already. They're, it's, yeah, it's Boromir going, but, but we're so awesome, yeah. and you want mm-hmm. us be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> you and, just give us a ring. And to be fair, come on, just give me the ring for a little bit. To be fair, that's how it goes in the book. Like every other page is like, so uh, how about we go to Gondor? He's like, oh, that's pretty high hill how about we do gondor instead it's like i'm pretty tired let's go to gondor you know it's like stop it we're not gonna we're just not all right and you're gonna have to learn to live with that if i eat all my vegetables can we go to gondor <laughs> exactly all right now so, this okay, is just here it comes. fantastic looking oh I yeah mean, beautiful beautiful model work and just the way they shot it it just they just something about this is like especially striking in terms of yeah. how how wonderful it looks and how successful it is. Yeah. I think I think it's because you feel like you're in a boat. You feel the wobble like yeah. you're actually passing a real thing. So and, and so see you, how it's stepped see that in the scale. background. Yeah, there'll be the there'll be the, uh, there's a sweet see there's the Here quarry on the left hand uh-huh. side. It's coming up, they're nice and smooth and then they start breaking up right around, you know, the mid back. 
there. Look at that. See, their arms are built out and their heads are built yeah. up. And, and then just, just to make sure there's scale, it's like, oh, birds. <laughs> there's a bird's nest in his eyeball. Yeah. That, that I, like the, I like the idea that they did it as if it were real. So it's like, well, if we'd shot this for real, the helicopter would have scared the birds. Yeah. So we've got the birds flying out because they got uh, scared. Yeah. By there the are helicopter. no helicopters in Middle Earth. This movie no. is totally anachronistic. <laughs> no, they went on location in Middle Earth. Yeah. Oh. They shot it after. Oh, okay. Peter Jackson did say that. He said, he said the vibe, you know, it's like the vibe I want to go for is like we're going to the location where this stuff happened. Yeah. And we're rebuilding some of the stuff because a lot of it's all ruined now. But we're going to rebuild it and we're going to shoot there. Visual effects question for you guys. Is this the first movie where Buju really got to show off its stuff? I, I, it, this is the I'm going to say yes. <laughs> this is, I, I know that, and you have a 50% chance of being correct. I know that this I is do. the first movie where I became powerfully aware yeah, of the, 3D match moving and the, that kind of thing. The shot, but, and we'll get to it in, in uh, Two Towers, but the shot where Aragorn is collapsed on the horse and they're doing the full 360 and right. you can see Helm's Deep yeah. in right. the background. I got to see the, the process for how that shot was made and how mm. it was just so well tracked onto the oh, background. Yeah. I'm like... Buju, yes, yeah, right. that wow. software's. And I'm one of the annoying kids on the farm. Where do I get Buju? Yeah, Where do I yeah. download Buju? The funny thing was, everyone, more more after Return of the King, <laughs> everyone wanted to get massive for yeah. their fan film. Yeah, yeah. that's like, like we're talking about earlier. It's like, yeah, yeah if you get forty thousand dollars, you feel free to get yeah. yourself a copy of Massive. M M. But first, you might want to figure out how to use a light. Yeah. or something like we that. We should definitely talk about Massive. And it's weird because Massive was introduced for The Last Alliance, the prologue. That was yeah. the first time they used it, and that's the first time we heard about it. But for some reason, I remember it much more strongly being associated with Helm's Deep. I don't, yeah. It's like I don't that's, remember that's that. That's when I they really, well, they got, or, like everything else, like Gollum, you know, it's like they, were, they already were in production going, I hope this shit works. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know what that's like, too, because on, on Starship Troopers, we had to do these massive swarms of bugs. We were in production. We're going, I hope we can make massive swarms of bugs. We yeah. haven't got it figured out yet. We got it figured out by the time we wrapped the movie yeah. and delivered most of our massive swarm shots with the last shots we delivered because, okay, it took us a year and a half while we did the rest of the movie, but now we got it wired like, so we can do it. Like that moment in the episode one documentary where the visual effects guys are watching Lucas do the storyboards for the first time and every single storyboard is, wow, we've never done anything like that before. <laughs> like Lord of the Rings is like a whole new degree of that, like going, oh my God. God. Lord of the Rings. Well, Lord of the Rings was like Peter Jackson's talking about it, and they're like, "You realize this is New Zealand, right?" <laughs> yeah. And and our digital company is like five computers right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, a, better buy a few more then. I yeah, exactly. gonna have to get some computers then. Don't worry, that? we've got the money for it. <laughs> yes, yeah. kind of. I mean, they 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 brought in a lot of talent. They did. They oh, did. sure. I mean, I, I interviewed for Lord of the Rings, and it's it's one of the, I wonder what my life would have been like if uh, if they ended up hiring me. But I went in early on. I met with I think it was Rick Porras was one of the people I met with. The other one might have been Randy Cook. Um, two guys in a hotel room. They were just seeing people. They were in town, and and I I'd just come off of Troopers at the time. And I said, yeah, we did you know massive you know maybe I used the word massive, but that would have been a coincidence at the time. But we, yeah, we did giant swarms and Starship Troopers. I was the head of the animation department. Yada yada. Um, they didn't end up hiring me. They did end up hiring Adam Valdez, who you see in some of the documentary features for the first movie. I don't think he stayed for the other two, but Adam Valdez was my co-animation supervisor when I first started at, at Tippet, and he went on to be an animation supervisor on this too. So, but I think uh, you know, I had a number of friends who went off to New Zealand, and uh, some some came back quickly, and some some came back uh, much later. And I I, I do kind of regret that I never got the chance to, mm. to be in on this movie. This is one of those scenes where the footprint in the snow thing paid off because this is the two full-size actors and not that yeah. obviously that but one, when yeah, they're like one shot. when they're wrestling with each other right here that's just both of the actors yeah. and when he grabs him it's actually Sean Bean grabbing Elijah Wood and it's like just because it's been so set up in your head 
Even yeah. though they're near the same size, you just perceive them I as being smaller. Part of it, too, is they also shot that with a wide lens yes. so that he looks yeah. bigger because he's just closer. Yeah. To they were talking absolutely. about this one specifically. They were saying, you know, the way the, the way the slope is on this set, if we just always kind of put Sean Bean on the upslope, yeah. I bet we can get this whole thing in camera for the most part, and that's what they did. So this is very much straight out of the book, even like all the stuff he says right here. And, immediate, and, and the fact, I think, even that he just kind of trips and falls, and then he's like, oh, <laughs> oh shit! Ooh, what, just, is, what have I just done? Sorry, everybody. Sorry, I just kind of lost it there. The ring, you know, yeah. and stuff. And the, the next bit here, where Frodo again sees the Eye of Sauron, which we've we've already seen, and and Mortar becomes kind of aware of him. It's another thing that I'm like, I understand why they didn't do it the way they did it in the book. I'm not even sure you could do it the way they did it in the book. But it is a neat thing that you miss out on if you've never read the book, which is he goes up to the seeing seat on Amon Hen here, which is where. The, the Numenorians, the, the oldest race of men, would go and to do this. And you can basically see all of Middle-earth. And he has this vision from this position and from the power of the ring where he sees the armies starting to march and stuff like that as kind of an early reference. But then there's an element where he, feel, he, he kind of sees around from the seeing seat and then he sees Mordor and Barad-dûr. And then he feels Sauron become aware of him. Like, that's the moment where... So where that's the first moment where he really feels Sauron's eye the, on him. Yes, that's the first moment. Okay. Well, he feels that there's an eye in Barad-dûr, and that's where the, 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 um, the line comes from, there, there is an eye there that doesn't sleep. And he feels the, the eye that doesn't sleep, and it's like, oh, shit, it just became aware of me. And it's like... It's in like one of those spy movies where they have to make a phone call, but they know it's going to be traced, so they've got like yeah. 30 seconds. <laughs> and so, so he's, he's sitting there, and he's frozen, and he's got the ring on that wants him to keep it on, and he's got like this internal thing, he's, and, and it's like, and you know, the, the eye fell on Tolbrandir, and the eye fell on the, and he feels it coming closer and closer, and he's trying to muster the, the up the will. The spotlight effect that we see later yeah. on, yeah. And he's trying to muster up the will to pull it off, and he pulls it off just at the last second. Mm. And it's like, it's, it's only a couple of paragraphs, but it's like, that is really powerful That's and you, intense. You, it, and intense and you don't you don't get it in the movie but again i don't see how It'd be difficult to really, illustrate yeah. it would be really difficult to illustrate so i understand why they did it the way they did it and i it doesn't bother me but it's just like man that is a cool moment that it's unfortunate you can't really portray on film is the idea that i'm just thinking about as watching this is the idea that Liv tyler's character is keeping aragorn from basically being boromir the way Boromir is behaving, because we just had this moment where he starts, Aragorn starts to reach for the ring, and we hear her voice, kind of in his head, just saying his, I, his name. I or almost something. don't like that as much. I almost, yeah. I, I like it well, better I, that this is this is what I'm asking. This is only occurring to me now, watch it, watching it as as we're going. I, but I like it better that Aragorn is just the one guy who's pure enough yeah. to not be affected. Well, yeah. but, well, he knows. Well, he actually, you know, he knows he's at risk too. This is a great shot too, by the way. Oh fuck! Okay. <laughs> like, oh look, a million Hurakai. Where this is good. Um, well, this is, ties into the way that the filmmakers amped up the participation of Arwen in a lot of ways and, yeah. then, and then backed off in a few ways, which is probably a good choice. We'll get to that when the time comes. But they, you know, some people said, boy, this is Arwen is like, what the hell is, what's the deal with Arwen all the time? And they've tried, and the problem is, well, she's, she's supposed to be this driving force, but actually doesn't do much in the books. So yeah. they tried to like sort of integrate her more. And the idea is that she's, I, I, in a very vague kind of way, I think the, the, what I get from it is, you know, they were, she's she's sort of investing her life force yeah. into this quest yeah. and into and into Aragorn so that he can survive and keep going and keep him on the right track. And so she's the voice and she's literally the voice in his head going, "Don't touch the ring, sweetie." Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
And Remember, uh, sweetie, the it, ring is bad. But it is. But it is. <laughs> it is. Right. It is but it's it's her sort of assisting him that yeah. helps him resist it. It's an important element of. It's the fact that she believes in him. She's willing to give up. She her, her birthright. own immortality. She's she, yeah. she, she she's, she's spending her immortality by keeping them alive and, 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 and helping. She's them. spending her immortality with love for him and believing that he can fix Middle Earth, yeah. um, and that he can destroy Sauron <laughs> and make it a place that's worth living in. And so. It may not be a literal thing where she's doing that, but just the knowledge that she believes in him is what allows him to believe in himself. And that's a very important part that's not really played up a lot. But he says the long and, – and maybe it's because uh, when he's talking about it, he's talking to her. So he's re- he's remembering that scene maybe is where that voice comes from. Right, right. Because he's yeah, so, saying uh, – Yeah, so it's not like a you know use the force, Aragorn yeah. kind of moment. But it's it's him thinking – well, she's pretty. I should not do <laughs> Well, this. no, it's not that. But she's saying she, you know, uh, his whole thing is Isildur couldn't destroy the ring. He was weak. Mm-hmm. And I'm his descendant. And we um, believe in all that stuff. So so I'm as weak as he is. I can't destroy right. this ring. I can't do it. I'm, I'm going to fail as much as he is and destroy everything. And she's saying, I don't believe that's true. I believe in you. I'm staying for you. You can do this. And that's the moment where he proves to himself that he can. Okay. Before we get too far afield from it, I just wanted to say I really love the smirk that Aragorn has as he comes up around that hill and oh, you yeah. see all the guys and they keep they're, they're a couple yeah. times. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, yeah. this is going to be good. Yeah, the, kill, bring the kill Bill scene. Yeah. Come at me, bros. <laughs> Fuck it. I got you. <laughs> I got this. And now we see Boromir's final redemption where he gets yeah. to save the cat and we learn that he actually is a good guy. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. But he breaks his horn. It's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nice horn. But yeah, but boy, Sean Bean's throwing down. Ah, yeah. ow, that stings. Meanwhile, I'm outside with Eddie the Eddie Doty cooking up our next round of, mo- uh, of food, which is apparently requiring a barbecue and nice. sunglasses. And nice. everybody, yeah. those arrows are visual effects. Yeah, That's right. Orlando Bloom did not but actually he, do but that. But he's still doing a really good job of pantomiming. Yeah. Also, have we even mentioned Bob Anderson yet? No. 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 This uh, would be a good time uh, to mention Bob Anderson. Moment, I wish I had a hat to take it off. Pour one out because yeah. he just recently passed away. But, mm. um, but Bob Anderson was the sword uh, master on the movie. Oh, what's the guy going down the stairs? Because he's got the big orc feet. So he's like, orc feet, orc feet. This amazing cable cam shot. Oh, yeah. Mind-boggling cable cam shot. But anyway, Bob Anderson, who goes all the way back to Errol Flynn and was Darth Vader fighting Obi-Wan and all that stuff, was the sword master on this one. Yep. And uh, did a lot of the choreography and so on, and just uh, amazing work. Yeah, so it's a very, it's certainly a very medieval hack and bash type of style. It's too bad Eddie's uh, busy because he could speak to it as well. But uh, you know, as opposed to the very martial artsy type of thing. Yeah, it's this too is bad we're almost done, and we won't have a chance to talk about brute it later. Force, yeah. yeah. Oh, don't <laughs> worry, we have plenty of sword work that we can talk <laughs> is, about. Is there fighting the in the other two movies? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> okay. so. I don't remember. I remember feeling really like, wow, you watch this, and you're like, wow, this is epic, and then it's like. Uh, the end of Fellowship ain't got nothing on the other two <laughs> yeah. films when it comes to this warfare. Is, this is a fan film compared to the yeah. other two. Look, yes. this guy's fighting in the woods. I do uh, remember it's just more guys than usual. When I all. when I watched this the first time and I had just you know finished reading Fellowship and I was loving this, but by this scene, when this scene happened, I was like, oh thank God, it's almost over because I am <laughs> so exhausted yeah. from this from this journey and from you know just emotionally exhausted. So this scene came up and I knew it was towards the end. I'm like, oh okay, we're almost there. I can make it. <laughs> So close now. Real fast uh, in the chat, Hanson I believe says that when Aragorn is going to, you know, be in the ring and it says his name, it's actually the ring trying to tempt him. It's oh, not okay. necessarily oh, wow. it's not, that. Uh, that okay. Okay. In his head. okay, that that makes even more sense. We don't have the audio, so we got oh, it's easy yeah. to get confused. Um, but that makes more even more sense. By the way, 
Movie trivia, the voice of the ring, Betty White. Great cameo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Strangely enough, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not many people know that. <laughs> One criticism <laughs> I, will level, I will level at this <laughs> movie, and it's much Michael more Kane. apparent in, uh, in at Helm's Deep than it is right here, although we had a little uh, example of it. It's If you toss a rock at an orc, the rock, yeah. no matter how small, <laughs> will completely kill that orc. Or knock <laughs> it clean off its feet. Oh, it's, it well, it's, yeah. it's an action movie. It's the action movie trope of when you punch a guy, it knocks him out. Yeah. yeah. Didn't you know that? That's well, no, right. it's, it's, the, it's the, I think uh, TV Tropes calls it the, uh, oh, what is it? It's uh, inverse ninja law or something like that. <laughs> the, you know, the more there are of them, the worse they are as, as a they collective fighting force. They a group, course. then you're fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's actually... But, like, the easier they are to kill, the more of them there are. That's funny. I didn't know that was from, oh, three is too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> three? I, he, he now with three, he can't. He can't stay up with three. I didn't realize that was from uh, TV Tropes because there's a it's web... It's something. I don't remember exactly what Well, there's a webcomic yeah. called Dr. McNinja that uses okay. that. Like, yeah. they were, there, there were so many... Uh, um, there, there was a thing where that actually came up where he gained power because he he switched sides, so he was on like the other side. So he's like, now there's less of me, so now I can win. It's <laughs> like it was a really weird thing, but it was fun. Uh, now right here, I gotta say, as as heroic as it seems at first, it's like Aragorn probably should have just let him shoot him in the face because then he instead of dying dying <laughs> yeah. fast, he has to bleed out slowly and painfully. Yeah. It's like you should have let the guy put him out of his misery before you you fought with Lurts probably. But uh, yeah, how horrifying is it to be to still be alive? Yes, know that yeah. you're mortally wounded, like, and just oh, have dude. But seriously, really, do you have to go? Do you have to do this? Yeah, but have all of your enemies running past you because they know you're dead already? Right. Yeah. That's that's a more that's a more that's a much stronger moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like he's done. Yeah. <laughs> no, bother. give him another five minutes, yeah. man. Yeah. He'll be fine. I'll shake it off. He'll walk it off a little bit. I like this. I like this, oh. I like this fight especially yeah. because. Because it's it's brutal, but then it suddenly kind of abruptly ends when Aragorn gets his opening and just like, yeah. flop, there goes your head. You yeah. know, and it's it's sort of shocking the way it suddenly ends. But I love the you know it feels, you know, in a weird in a way that a guy fighting a guy in a rubber suit real. can feel real. Yeah. I love I love this bit here because apparently not the bit where he licks it because that's very silly. But um, <laughs> when he throws the knife and Aragorn bats it it's away, it's real. It's real. They they <laughs> he threw a knife and it was not sharpened, but it was an it was aluminum, aluminum knife, yeah, and he knife. knocked it away with his his sword and he did it. And all the commentaries talk about it. But the best one is the producer's commentary, where one of the producers goes, "I'm still a little stunned we allowed that to happen." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is like, yeah, producer would go, "You did what?" Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't care if the actor wanted to do that. Yeah. No, you don't do that. That's the, that's the kind of thing you don't show the producers until you're showing yeah. them the select takes. And they go, like, how'd you do that? Later. Well, by the, uh, almost really, killed him. But, really uh, great little moment uh, talking about the cinematography going mm -hmm. on here. That moment of Aragorn kind of reeling. And there's an actually kind of a complex move going on there with the camera is kind of uh, on a track kind of pulling away yeah. as he's kind of having that moment. The camera is kind of telling the subtext of the... Okay, adrenaline's going out. Uh -huh. We're pulling the camera away to be like, okay, what's going on around me now? Yeah. That those kind of moves, we uh, Die Hard uh, was kind of the first one to really go. No, action movies can have moving cameras for shots yeah. like these, and we can tell stories with the right. camera. And there's a lot of it that goes on here. It's like, no, that was actually a three-hour setup to do that one I know. set. Yeah. You know, that one kind of moment of. No dialogue. No, this is kind of important. Let's spend some time on it. Right, so. right. There's a whole language to that. And uh, you were talking. We were talking earlier about. Um, uh, some aspect. Oh, the color correction and and how you know uh, extreme it gets this time. And I I find that's a Jacksonian uh, trait 
is Peter Jackson often will go a little farther than you would think most filmmakers <laughs> would go. He will push things like, okay, we're going to go even more. He'll do a camera move where if you sit back and look at that camera move, go, that was an insane camera move yeah. that just happened. And a real, you know, in a sense, and often very, very risky to do that. Um, I think the only time that, that Jackson almost always exceeds the, the, the red line unsuccessfully for me is I think his humor often gets too goofy. Yeah, and, I would and, agree. And my biggest, my biggest complaint, and it's not a huge complaint, it doesn't destroy the movie for me, my biggest complaint is, boy, when the hobbits in this movie are being wacky, they're being wacky. Mm-hmm. And, and Jackson's, attempts, Jackson's humor has always been over the top. Obviously, he started way over the top right. with his original movies. But even in Frighteners, there are moments of Frighteners where it verges into his extreme cartooniness in the humor department. And that's like, for me, there's, there's just a bit too much wacky Hobbit antic going mm-hmm. on in this movie. That's about my biggest criticism of the movie. I feel the same way. Like I was saying, I think that becomes more indulgent in the later movies, especially return of the King. A lot of the added stuff with Gimli, like on the paths of the dead and stuff. Yeah. That's just like, that's, that's when it comes back again, the worst. And yeah, after, cause otherwise the story of the hobbits gets more serious. Yeah. The whole Mary, Mary and Pippin story gets, gets a little darker. Yeah. And I was going to say it's wacky. If if there's any wackiness that bothers me in this, it's the occasional moments between Gimli and Legolas. That's like for uh, me, it's the Mary Pippin. Give it a rest a little goofing bit. Goofing is mm-hmm. the is the worst. But and like I said, it's not horrible. It's yeah. not like you know, yeah, yeah. It's not like Transformers with testicles bad. Yeah, but it's but it is also uh, it it does help with the payoff when they're like, okay, we're going to now act as bait. For the yeah. for the orcs, and it's like okay, they just grew up like <laughs> yeah, in a, the in the last. Either 10 that, or frames. they're even dumber than we thought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, it was more like you know, Mary Mary kind of goes, "Let's do it," and Pip goes, "Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> what, what's happening now? What is the plan here exactly?" Yeah, Pippin is still very, and that's an important thing. One of the one of the really important things about the these movies, or the really well done things, is every character does have a kind of arc. Yeah, every character. Has and a story. And they are different. And, they, and they're all even though on. Even the four hobbits, who and even Merry and Pippin, who are or very easily could be exactly the same character. But yeah, they have different arcs. They, stu- they yeah. still yeah, do they, have, they they have different arcs way. and different the, shadings. The, the ones who arc the least are, are, uh, are Gimli and Legolas, but they, you know, they become pals and yeah. they get over yeah. their racial prejudice. Yeah. But that's, otherwise, they're like, you know, yeah, we're badass fighters. And, you know, let's see, six hours later, we are yeah. badass fighters. Yeah. Like, Legolas is the Rick Ollier of the group. And, <laughs> yes. And, and, like, it's really interesting that most of his non-plot exposition dialogue is extended edition stuff that we don't yeah. get to see. And you watch it like, oh, there is kind of a character to him. There's kind of this, they, they dabble in it a little bit, and it's a lot more in the book that even the elves that he's from and the elves that... Uh, yeah, there's a weirdness there. there. There's kind of, there's actually tension between them, that they're different kind of families of elves and different, you yeah, know... Yeah, the wood elves and the Lothlorien elves. Oh, like yeah, the wood the elves wood, are the like... The wood elves, we hate those guys. Yeah. Well, because well, the wood elves are almost half human. They're not pure elves. So it's not... Oh, well, if you're not pure oh. blood, then no, I don't it, want anything yeah, the, to do no, with you. No, it's not like that. It's no, not it, quite like that, but there is still a little bit of a, well, you don't really totally get it. Yeah, the soccer, <laughs> the soccer matches between the two of them always end in violence. It's, yeah. you know, <laughs> For some years they don't even have one. Yeah, just, oh, no. yeah, the hooliganism is just so Here, strong. Here's, here's, here's one of the worst injuries uh, that ever yeah. <laughs> happened during the ow, making. Ow, of, ow, ow. Uh, uh, you don't see it on camera, of course, but uh, but this Sean, Sean Aston gashed his foot open. There was a piece of glass or a stump or something in the in the water, and he slashed his foot open, which he's... It's it's one of the nastier wounds you could have because he's wearing he's got a hobbit foot glued to his foot. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And he sliced and he sliced open the bottom of his foot. So the process of like 
Okay, then. How many layers uh, of prosthetic did you have to go through? Yeah. To yeah. Get yeah. Well, the, the, glue. It's, it's the issue of removing it to yeah. be able to treat the giant gash in your foot. That uh, Let's see. It's about an hour to get the glue off. And, of course, what we used to remove the glue is going to sting. This, this so. effect this didn't is work dry, for me. You don't I think it works rather successfully it in has, this scene. I, it has yeah. a weird dreaminess to it. But, I but it, it I f- works. I feel like the cape, It's because he's not... Uh, He's not actually underwater for this, right? Right, it's right. And, and so they they're blowing a fan at him for his hair. So his hair is moving kind of jerkily around, and then they're pulling on his cape with string, yeah. uh-huh. kind of thing. And the the jerkiness of it didn't really ever mm. work for me. Is it so? The slow motion effect. So it's a slow motion effect. Fan. They're pulling on him, and he's yeah. And then they and then they add all digital bubbles right, right, and right. detritus yeah. and stuff. So. There's virtually no actual underwater. There might be. Uh, I think when I think when they find the ring, and but even even Deagle being pulled by the fish is dry. Is that, well, well, you that, know, the, the Deagle being pulled by the fish. I was gonna say is very unsuccessful. Yes, for it's me. one of the more like unsuccessful ones. Well, yeah, you know, under just, underwater housings for cameras those are very expensive. Very <laughs> hard. They don't have any deep uh, bodies of water in New yeah. Zealand. We so. don't have anyone on this podcast that would have any kind of knowledge about that at all. No, we? No, 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 not at all. No. It, apparently, I don't think you can. You can't make a movie underwater. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts. <laughs> to, as as Jack said, he could have done it underwater, but he says it's easier to direct an actor when th- when it's dry for wet <laughs> yes. because you can just talk to them right. as opposed to having yeah. to pull them up above the water yeah, and, and talk okay, to them up and oh, how much do you have to really direct like be underwater yeah. and don't drown well that's a, try not to drown no, your motivation drown. is not drown right. i think if you'll be able to get that's that all they have but to that's do ex- that's one thing that's but. all they have to do but he's got to have he's you know he's got to have the the emotions of i'm drowning right now and that sucks but i'm I'm still obsessed with helping Frodo and stuff like that. And then there's the, the Deagle shot later, which, again, I find kind of unsuccessful as a, as a composite but, or as an effect. But, you know, there's the moment where he's swimming around, then he sees the ring, and there's a, you know, there's a whole performance there. And so Peter Jackson wanted the, to be able to focus more on the performance than on the not drown part <laughs> right. for those shots. Whereas on a movie like The Abyss, the whole point is you're <laughs> drowning right now, yes. and that's what this sh- scene yeah. is about. So. so you know, we're gonna, we're go gonna, with it. We're going to fake you out by maybe making you, fake it, making you think you're going to drown. Yeah. <laughs> and hide the guy with your air. They didn't do that on purpose, yeah. by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ed uh, Harris. They point, they point out a lot. Uh, they pointed out in all the commentaries uh, that he's putting on Boromir's gauntlets. Yeah. Never picked up on that on my own. Yeah, Never. Really? Ever. But I didn't pick up on it until he, you yeah, just said he it. Put, he's putting on Boromir's gauntlets as a, a s- symbolic, yeah. like, literally Boromir threw down the gauntlet and <laughs> yeah. Aragorn is picking it up to go save Gondor and and you know become the king and and he's accepted his his destiny in that moment but very so uh, subtle i missed yeah, it yeah it's fine it's, it's I, it goes into the the whole detail thing one of the things that I, as i recall from hearing that same story with right is is like like a lot of the actors did and then certainly Vigo did a lot you know he sort of would you'd be thinking about these things and go, yeah. what if what if i like take but they they ended up shooting a, they were shooting a much later scene right so it'd be like what if I put on Boromir's gauntlets? And they're like, okay. But you but have to wear them now, we ha- then. Now we have to commit that, okay, we have to remember that you have to put those on. Yeah. You know, six months from now, we're shooting the scene where you're, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, but they committed to that later, you know, and later in the movie, so they had to go back and make sure that they established it when it needed to be established. Mm-hmm. I, I, gotta, I gotta say right here, um, the the setup with uh, the three going off to go find Merry and Pippin, uh-huh. that kind of uplifting, we have a whole new fight, we're gonna yeah. go do it. It's such a great setup. I can, I I've be following a lot of different like movie sequels or like the, the a, a season finale where it's a cliffhanger or something. Like yeah. I have never felt more ramped up to get to the next movie <laughs> yeah. right uh-huh. now. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go see this, and because you, you're you're very with them and 
you're you're, you're attached to the protagonist yeah. more yeah. than ever at that moment and you can see that the bond is complete yeah. the fellowship still holds true and, and you just want to get up and you're like okay when's the next one yeah, a year no fuck you and it's a now. really and it's a really ballsy ending like right here this yeah. is just the end just like there's end. no real wrap up that's it and if you didn't know another movie was coming you'd be like what the fuck was yeah, that hell? no we're talking we got three more two more movies to go and nine more hours to go this was fellowship of the ring in like two sentences, oh my god, fellowship happened. Uh, Brian, how do you feel about fellowship? It happens. <laughs> Dorkman, when you saw this movie, you had read the books already, yes. right? Did you go, they did it? Or did you go, mm. no, absolutely. Oh, they fucking did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Trey, and this was the first time you'd seen any Lord of the Rings. I, I was I was like, uh, you know, they're making a movie, Lord of the Rings. I have nothing invested in that, and I bet it's not going to be that good because, come on, you know, who's done a fantasy movie properly? And I saw this movie, and I was like, Whoa! Oh, okay. Okay. That happened there, and uh, nice. I, I think they're just phenomenal. I think they're among the best movies made in our in our lifetime. Yeah. Don't wrap up yet. We yeah. got more movies. I'm you not, may I'm have not wrapping up. Wrapping up. You're wrapping up. Return of the King. It's yeah. not okay. only do Fellowship. I think it was it was amazing enough to continue. It's my least favorite of the three. <laughs> uh, I, I it just it, you loved it, and it set you up for the better set ones. Me up, and I, they just keep getting better and better, as far as I'm concerned. It, now you uh, you might have noticed that we're not doing the usual, and for 150 episodes, we've done an intro and a summary. No, we've got 12 hours to fill. No, we're just doing, we're starting the movie and all that shit. So we're not going to even summarize until after Return of the King is done. And we're going to get, we're going to be drunk and like soliloquize and it'll be gross. You're going to have plenty of time during the Return of the King credits to do it. So <laughs> for all, now, all these credits, these 30, are all like 30 minutes of credits or whatever these, it is. This yeah. is the longest. This is 40 minutes of credits in this film. So let's wrap it up. Retarded. Yeah. Anyway, you can watch we, that on your own time without us. So exactly. thank you very much for listening to this entire uh, 240, 230, somewhere long, long episode of Down in Front. We've got two more to do today, and if you stay with us, it's just going to get weirder from here yeah. on out. <laughs> yeah. But you that just... was The Fellowship of the Ring, and this has been Down in Front, downinfront.net, uh, downinfront.net slash live, downinfront.net slash forum, Twitter, Down in Front, Facebook, Down in Front, emails at downinfrontshow.gmail.com. My name is Teague Christie. And oh, Bri- let's not wrap up. Let's just Brian and, and Dorkman uh, and Trey and Chris I'm was here. Brian was here. Ryan was here. Uh, who else was here? Hannel? You already said me. And and just people were here. Seth Brown. I was 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 here twice. We're gonna see you again. Wrap it up, seriously. We've got we're one third done, we've got two thirds to go, and we are only getting stupid now. Apologies to Matt Damon, we ran out of time. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you at Two Towers. Thank you very much for listening. Good night, good night. We're out. We're done. Everyone stand up. Uh, Guys, let's do a ten minute. Ten minutes, ten minutes, ten fifteen. I'm gonna if we can start um if I can sit on a start of two towers and then I'll, I'll switch I don't care. I don't have anything to say. I show up for the important stuff. Okay. Well, someone else can step in after the intro. We're straight to the bottom of the barrel, too. Trendsinyourhead.com.